The recording has started. Uh, uh, Administrator Young, uh, Member Highland has requested that uh, your your voice be lowered. Can you do that? Uh, that's on your control panel, um, but I'll just speak softer. Okay, thank you very much. Um, Chair Yankee, I have 413. Oh, you have what, I'm sorry? What time? Do you have Cheryl? 413. I'm showing 407. Yeah, I think your clock's real fast, 407. Okay. Close. Okay. So we'll call the um, regular meeting of the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force for April 5th, 2023 to order. Cheryl, if you could call the roll. Oh, actually, before we do that, we'll read meeting quorum. Um, any member of the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force may call for decorum due to disorderly conduct of meeting participants. Persons who engage in threatening and or menacing behavior may be asked to leave. Okay, so item one. Item item number one, call to order roll call and agenda changes. Let's begin with roll call. Member Wolf. Present. Member Wolf present. Member Hill. Present. Member Hill present. Member Highland. Present. Member Highland present. Member Stein. Here. Member Stein present. Member Pamanabin. Present. Member Pamanabin present. Member LaHood. Present. Member LaHood present. Member Schmidt uh, will be tardy. Vice Chair Wong. Present. Vice Chair Wong present. Chair Yankee. Present. Chair Yankee present. We have a quorum. Um, just to also note that uh, Member Schmidt said that he would be about a half hour late. Is that correct? That's correct. Chair Yankee. Yes. yes. So we'll, we will take note of that when he arrives. When he arrives, um, I am not aware of any agenda changes. Are you, Terry Yankee? Yes. So the only agenda change I have is that um, Mr. Hillier has asked for a reasonable accommodation to have his item heard earlier. So if there is no objection, I will call item number twelve after item number eight, and that's the only one I had. Okay, and Cheryl, did we, um, I thought there was some back and forth about item number 7. By email requesting uh, the continuance. Do we know where we're at with that? Uh, no, there was no continuance granted by the petitioner. Not. Okay. So we'll go. Ahead um, I did want to say that uh, I had a back and forth with uh, Caroline Celaya. Uh, she cannot make it. She has to go to a funeral, but she's sending somebody from her staff. Okay. To participate. Okay, great. Okay. Uh, I think we can move on to, well, we'll go ahead and take public comment on that. If there's any public comment. Yes, if you'd like to make public comment on this item, you can go ahead and use the application to raise your hand by pressing star three if you're on the telephone or otherwise using the application to raise your hand. If there's anybody in the room who would like to make public comment, you can approach the podium at this time. Uh, Mr. Chair, point of order. Yes. Uh, should there not be a motion on the floor before we take public comment? So for, I, I, we could do a motion to do the agenda change. I was just going to call it, but if you think we should have a motion, we can do it that way. Uh, generally, if there was going to be an amendment. Okay, so then I will move to move item number 12 to be heard after item number 8. I'll second that motion. Okay, so moved by Chair Yankee, seconded by Member Wolf. Comes from okay, members. I am okay. just going to double check to see if there's any public comment. 
Uh, if you wanted to raise your hand again, you can press star three or approach the podium. I'll give everyone a moment. I see no indications of public comment for public comment at this time. Okay, so we'll go ahead and close public comment. Uh, sure, when you're ready, we can call the roll on that. Uh, point of order. Do you want to announce public comment for the room as well? We haven't already uh, asked. Do that. we have public comment? I thought. Uh, I did ask that they approach the podium if they had public comment. Apologies. Carry on. Okay. Just doing it two different ways now. Okay, so public comment is not seeing anyone. We will close public comment. Okay, Cheryl, when you're ready. Sharon Inky. Aye. Sharon Inky, aye. Member Wolf. Aye. Member Wolf, aye. Member Schmidt, absent. Member LaHood. Aye. Member LaHood, aye. Member Kamenabin. Aye. Member Kamenabin, aye. Member Stein. Aye. Member Stein, aye. Member Highland. Aye. Member Highland, aye. Member Hill. Aye. Member Hill, aye. Vice Chair Wong. Aye. Vice Chair Wong, aye. Moved by Chair Yankee, seconded by Member Wolf to hear item 12 after item 8. Okay, uh, we can go and move to item number 2. Item number two, approval of the minutes from the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force regular meeting of March 1, 2023. Okay, uh, does anyone have any edits to the meeting minutes? Uh, this is Vice Chair Wong. So for agenda item three, I'm curious if it's worth noting why the order of determination for 20079 was not approved. Um, I don't think there's any specific notes on that. I, I, I'm, I apologize, uh, Vice Chair Wong. Um, could you repeat what you said? Sure. Yeah. On agenda item three. Right. Um, there isn't detail as to why uh, the order of determination two zero zero for two zero zero seven nine was not approved. So I'm wondering if it's worth adding the detail in. Oh. The action mentions approved except for 20079. So that might be something worth. Does anyone remember why we didn't approve that? Um, yeah, it was because I think the there was a listing for um, folks who voted on an action, but it was listed as the wrong committee members, I believe. That's correct. It wasn't a full vote. There were just three participants. Yes, that was corrected. Oh, yeah, so I'm just saying in agenda item 3, uh, for the minutes, including the note as to why include those notes. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah, and I think we need to make sure we don't include it as part of the motion, but part of the discussion part, right? Yeah. Mr. Wong. Yeah, cause I don't think it was actually part of the official motion. Okay. And then I can take care of that tomorrow. Okay. So, put it in the minutes. So it might, yeah, it might be better stated. Uh, move by Chair Yankee and second by Member Hill to approve the following orders, list the numbers, and not include 20079 in that. That might be clear. And then, uh, Riley, you guys speak up. Yeah. 
That's okay. I, I think you just add a note as to why 20079 wasn't included. That that that'd be su sufficient, I think. No, I'll I'll include information on why it was uh, uh, brought into uh, um, brought in as one of the orders of determination. So I will include those in the minutes. Well, um, and then one other thing on agenda item five. I think on the second and third actions uh, for the second action, um, it says to approve changes inclusive of edits discussed earlier and change the wording as follows. Um, but there isn't kind of a description of how the wording will be changed. So I think adding that in will be important because there's just a colon. And then on the third motion, the last motion, I think um, says change the wording in item 5B. And I think maybe it needs some quotations uh, to, and then quote, an informal discussion, which may lead to a correction. <clears throat> so the only change would be the inclusion of quotation marks. I believe so, though it may be worth like specifying what phrase, like from what phrase to this phrase. And that's it for me. While we're on that item, uh, Cheryl, I don't think we took two votes on that. I think it was, we made the motion to comment Oh, and amendment. Then you you restated your motion, so I think that first vote shouldn't be there. There was only one vote on that, if I recall correctly. That's yeah, that sounds correct to me. So the the vote that's prior to the, the sentence, Vice Chair Wong, revised their motion. That should not be there. Okay, so noted. Okay. Any other edits? Not do we have a motion to approve of the edits? Uh, this is Vice Chair Wong. I will make a motion to approve the minutes from March 1st, 2023 with the specified edits. Did we have a second? Member Hyden seconds. Um, I'm sorry, I didn't hear your, you're going to have to speak into oh, that. Yeah. Um, motion to approve the minutes from March 1st, 2023 with the specified edits. Other being the motion with a second, we can go ahead and move on to public comment on this motion. If anybody in the room would like to make public comment, you can approach the podium at this time. If there's anybody online with us who would like to make public comment, you can press star three to raise your hand, or otherwise use the application to raise your hand at this time. I'll give everyone a few moments uh, to indicate if they'd like to make public comment. Okay, I'm not seeing any indications for public comment at this time. Okay, thank you, Victor. We will go ahead and close public comment. If there's no other discussion among the members, we'll go ahead and move to a vote on that.
Vice Chair Wong. Aye. Vice Chair Wong, aye. Member Highland. Aye. Member Highland, aye. Uh, Member Schmidt, absent. Member LaHood. Aye. Member LaHood, aye. Member Pavanabhan. Aye. Member Pavanabhan, aye. Member Stein. Aye. Member Stein, aye. Uh, Member Hill. Aye. Member Hill, aye. Member Wolf. Aye. Member Wolf, aye. Chair Yankee. Aye. Chair Yankee, aye. Eight in favor. Okay. And one absence. And one absence. Okay, perfect. Let's go ahead and move on to item number three. Item number three, approval of the order of determination. File number 19143, file number 19144, file number 20056, file number 20059, file number 20079, file number 20100, file number 20124, file number 21069, file number 21095, file number 21146, file number 21165. Okay, thank you. Members, do we have any edits to these? Uh, this is Vice Chair Wong again. I noticed actually on that same file number 20079, I don't think the correction had been made, at least in the publicly facing agenda item. I can I can specify which page. It's page it's uh, page 20. I made that. <laughs> yeah, so actually on the top of page 21. Yeah. Yeah. No, I see that. I see that. So that's and additionally, I'm not sure if it's worth noting, but I think that the um, compliance and amendments committee may have taken another action related to this file on July 27, 2021. Uh, Vice Chair Wong, was that after the it was heard by the task force? I don't recall. So I'm going to suggest an edit here in a moment, somewhat related to that point. Okay. When, when you're done, though. Uh, that's all I have. Okay, so I had a few here, Cheryl, besides two. All right, so on, let's see, on 19143, this would be. Number page number 13 PDF page 3, you can remove my name from it since the chair is no longer signing these are being approved by the entire task force. Okay. Then on. The next 1, which is. 19144 on. Page 15 PDF page 5. It says you already have a date that it was approved and that says March 1st, 2023. So that's going to be incorrect since it's obviously the, the April meeting that we're in. Just want to make sure that that doesn't get carried over. And then. Get another 1, let me scroll down to it. And then for 21165. And this is the. I think it's going to be the last two pages. Um, I would recommend that we strike. 
the portion that says on June 28th, 2022, the Compliance and Amendments Committee acting in its capacity heard the matter. And then it talks about that. Um, reason being, uh, that's an action that occurred after we made our order of determination. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that enforcement actions or suggestions by committees subsequent to our order of determination should be included um, since this is just the order of the task force. It's obviously relevant information, but it's not, I don't think, okay. relevant for this particular document. I need to know what uh, page you're talking about. Okay, so it's the it's literally the final page. It's PDF page 26, number 36 at the bottom. So what did you say about the compliance? So the, the, the last portion, it's yeah. starting on June 28th, 2022, the Compliance and Amendments Committee acting, and, and it goes on. I would strike that entire portion since that's action that occurred after the task force made their order and determination. Um, I think we want to get these orders of determination, you know, written up and approved after the task force makes its order determination. Um, some of them may, rem, you know, remain open as they work their way through the compliance process and enforcement process, but I don't think that information is relevant for these particular documents. Okay, that's fine. I've made a, I've made notes of okay. everybody's changes. So that's all I had. Any other edits? If not, I, I think we have some, I think on 20079 and 21165, those are probably more substantive edits. I don't know if we want to, as part of the motion, call those back and not approve those in this meeting, just so we could see final version. I think the other two that I asked for were mainly clerical in nature. Mr. Chair. Yes. I would concur with you. Okay. So, um, all right, so I'll go ahead and make the motion. I will move to approve the attached orders of determination except for 20079 and 21165 and including the clerical edits on the ones that we are approving today. I'll second. Okay, great. Okay. Yes, okay, so I am moving to approve the attached orders of determination except for 20079 and 21165 and including the clerical edits on the other orders that we are approving. And that's moved by me and seconded by Member Wolf. I don't see any hands among the task force members. So, uh, Victor, when you're ready, we can move to public comment. Yes, if there are any members of the public who like to make public comment at this time, you can approach the podium, or if you're online with us, you can use the application by pressing star three to raise your hand, or otherwise using the application to raise your hand to indicate you'd like to make public comment. We do have a member of the public at the podium. I will turn it over to Cheryl. Are you ready to begin speaking? Hi, uh, yes, I, I looked at the um, orders of determination that have my my apologies, I cannot hear you online. Can you make sure the put the microphone down and or turn on the microphone? Microphone's on. Thank Hello? you. Hello? Can you hear me? Oh. Uh, we can hear me in here. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Yes. Thank you. Yes, we can. Okay. 
uh, I looked at the orders of determination that had my name on them and I approve and I wouldn't have looked at them if my name, if the names hadn't appeared on the agenda. Back to you, Mr. Chair. Okay, thank you. There being no additional parties in the in the room. Uh, moving over to our remote public comment. I do not see any hands indicating public comment. So I believe we can close public comment at this time. Okay, thank you. We'll go ahead and close public comment. And I think we are ready for a vote. Cheryl, when you're ready. Chair Yankee. Aye. Chair Yankee, aye. Member Wolf. Aye. Member Wolf, aye. Member Schmidt, absent. Member LaHood. Aye. Member LaHood, aye. Member Pamanabin. Aye. Member Pamanabin, aye. Member Stein. Aye. Member Stein, aye. Member Highland. Aye. Member Highland, aye. Member Hill. Aye. Member Hill, aye. Vice Chair Wong. Aye. Vice Chair Wong, aye. Eight in favor, one absent. Okay, thank you. I think we're ready for item number four. Item number four, updates regarding remote public comment and the legislative management system. The clerk of the board will present updates to the task force regarding remote public comment and the legislative management system. Okay, and we have Angela Cavillo, the clerk of the board joining us, and I will turn it over to her. So thank you for joining us. Members of the committee, Chair Yankee, Angela Calvillo, thank you for the second opportunity to present to you on this issue. I am here today with some of the leadership from the office of the clerk of the board. Uh, I know that Elisa Samara, the legislative deputy, will join me in a moment uh, when I get to the legislative management system. And before I do that, with your permission, before I do that, I would love to um, just give you an update. At the board meeting on Tuesday, um, there was a motion on the uh, calendar from the March 7th uh, direction from the Board of Supervisors where there was direction provided to the clerk of the board where we would bring a motion to the board which would allow a pathway for everyone to make general public comment at the board's meetings and at the committee meetings um, by a certain date, March 14th. We did meet that deadline. We did bring that motion. It was uh, before the board, uh, excuse me, it was before the, uh, <laughs> Elisa didn't jump up to correct me. Uh, it was before the land, uh, the uh, rules committee, excuse me, on Monday. And so now next Tuesday, that matter will be brought to the Board of Supervisors where the board will consider uh, the rule. Essentially, um, I will read you the draft rule. It, it, uh, we are creating a new rule in the public comment section of the rules, the very first section. It is going to be 1.3.3. It'll be called in-person and remote public comment, where opportunity for public comment is required under public testimony in the committees, public hearings on appeals, and general public comment before the full board. Um, members of the public shall be given the option to comment in person or remotely. And that for purposes of the rule of remotely will mean either telephonically or uh, another electronic means as considered by the clerk of the board. And of course, we'll be working with um, 
DT on what our options would be. Essentially, it is to maintain the status quo. So, um, but the board has not yet approved that. I did want to bring that to you now since you are meeting today uh, and you wouldn't be meeting again until another month. Um, so I'm open to answering any questions on that that you might have. And while you're thinking about that, I will jump right into the um, legislative management system unless you have any questions for me. So I think former chair Bruce Wolf will remember, and I have recently spoken to Chair Yankee about seven years ago, uh, we did some envisioning in the clerk's office where we wanted to make sure that we were bringing innovations to the legislative management system. And um, uh, we competitively bid a lot of those innovations. Granicus was the company that met the competitive process gained the RFP, we all executed the contract, and then they immediately came back and said, we can't execute this contract for you. Um, so all of our vision has been tied up in the current Granicus contract, and um, it's time for us now to go out to contract, to go out to bid again. And so we're taking that scope of services, and we are um, making sure that all of the other boards and commissions will have an opportunity, like we're trying to provide for ourselves, should they choose, to have a similar pathway where they are also able to draft their, in your case, orders of determinations, where they are able to uh, send notices of those determinations and notices of the hearings, and uh, uh, we can get into some of the more details in a moment, in addition to being able to do a search of all of the orders of determinations or whatever matters are up before the task force, your agendas and your minutes uh, through a public portal search. And so wanted to uh, dig a little deep with you all so that we can think about what you're thinking about, uh, we can hear what you're thinking about and share with you some of the details that we're thinking about. One thing that uh, former chair uh, member uh, Wolf asked for uh, about a year ago, and I think mentioned it to Chair Yankee, was an index of not just the orders of determinations um, in a search capacity multiple different ways, but also uh, Chair Yankee and former Chair Wolf asked for an index of the Public Records Act, of the Brown Act, and uh, certainly there is one other major um, uh, state law that we would like to index for you as well. I, I can't think of it off the top of my head, but um, so that's kind of the preliminary um, uh, structure of what we're trying to build for you. Um, we do expect to send our competitive process uh, out to the market soon, and uh, it wouldn't be built right away. It's going to take some time, but wanted to just begin that conversation with you all on what you might want included in that. So uh, if you don't have questions for me, we have provided you a, I think a three page slide. And I, I think Victor, you posted that on the web for us as well. So the public at home can see that and have access to it. Um, and without further ado, unless there are questions, I'll have legislative deputy Elisa Samara, just give you a, uh, the one, two, six on um, the second and third pages. I have a question. Yes. Yes. Hello, Member Wolf. How are you? I'm good. Nice to see you in that beautiful craftsman. Thank you. Um, so a couple of things we did get a uh, 
uh, Vice Chair Wong and I uh, have been in contact with uh, Mr. C uh, Deceased in your office about this. Uh, we were a little confused by um, uh, by whether you had already had the system and were looking for customizations, uh, but uh, uh, it's good to get uh, 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 knowledge that um, uh, that you're not you're going back out onto uh, onto the market for this. A um, couple of other things that we had discussed um, about including in this is the ability to tag, uh, create searchable tags, and also to create um, uh, groups or categories. And there are two different things. The grouping category would be a collection of um, of uh, items that could be, uh, let's say for, you know, you can group under, for let's say timeliness for one, you know, with regards to uh, any uh, violations. Another one could be, you know, around, uh, you know, violations of, of public comment. It just makes it easier for folks to navigate. And then on the searchable part, uh, by being able to tag um, items, uh, then you can search by that tag. And a lot of the newer systems will kind of like list the tags or you can click on a tag or things like that. So um, as you begin to receive um, uh, proposals, if, if there are anything like that, uh, it just makes it a lot easier for not just current uh, task force members, uh, but new task force members that are coming in to be able to research uh, our archive uh, more easily, and plus the public at the same time, uh, so to make reference and, and for that matter, anyone else. So I'll, I'll stop there with that. Thank you, Member Wolf. We like that very much. We would that would be a part of our search engine for you. That shouldn't be a problem. We can share with you a list of the tags or the what I was calling an index um, that then members of the public can actually see what all their potential opportunities are uh, and it could be something that we uh, grow over time. I, I am here also with Edward de Assis. He is the leg he is excuse me, he's our administrative deputy and he is actually one of our project sponsors, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, for the project, as is Mehran and Tazari, our chief information security officer. They're both here. Uh, and uh, uh, so so the answer is yes, we can do that for it. We hope to do that for you. Okay. And so without further ado, Elisa Samara, our legislative deputy. Hello, task force members. Thank you for having us here today. Uh, Victor, do you have the slides up? As the clerk of the board indicated, we do have a couple slides just to provide you a, a, a overview of what the innovations we are looking at for the Sunshine Task Force. Um, I'll go ahead and go to the next slide. All right, so here we have five different columns on the innovations that we um, are hoping to bring to the task force. Um, I have them broken up um, according to the complaint um, timeline that you guys currently use. Um, beginning with the complaint filing, you guys do have a website already in place, but as you know that it is not very um, user-friendly and it doesn't um, allow automatic 
um, oh, easy, easy, an ease of filing for the complainants, um, providing them direction and guidance through the process as they were trying to file something. So what we are envisioning is that it is an intuitive public public online portal for complainants or interested uh, individuals to submit complaints to the task force. Um, though that uh, portal would be something that provides them guidance, gives them options, provides step-by-step uh, and instructions for each of the different type, uh, different parts of the form that would need to be completed to really provide them guidance on what, what, um, how you guys want your complaints to be filed. Um, once those complaints are filed, we envision that files will be automatically created from those complaint forms after the um, administrator or the clerk receives them and vets them for ripeness and complete completeness. Um, then files would be automatically generated into the system, which would then make them public and also uh, get them into the process for tracking, um, working up to a hearing before you guys, and also any post um, hearing tracking that may need to be needed. Um, after the complaint is filed, we're envisioning both between between filing and the hearing, um, you guys have various different deadlines that need to be met, such as when the respondent is required to be notified, how many the five days that they have to respond. Um, so the system would be tracking each of those deadlines. And um, we are envisioning that automatic notifications would be occurring at that same time. So we would have parties who would be part of each of these complaints. Their email addresses would be included as part of the file into the system. And then the system would be sending everybody automatic reminders throughout each of the steps. Um, they would be automatically tracking them. The clerk in the background would be making sure that each of those steps will be, are being met um, and moving forward appropriately. Um, once it's time to get on the agenda, whether it's a committee agenda or the full task force, the agenda creation, the, right now um, our clerk is um, creating all of our, your guys' agendas and minutes on, in Word, and so we want to make sure that this is something automated. It is, will have templates already in the system, um, and so files will be taken uh, and automatically placed on draft agendas um, to ensure that they're moving forward timely. Um, those agendas would also be um, published online in the public portal um, and searchable for anybody to um, to see whether it's one of the parties or anybody from the public. Um, the complaint files, it will definitely be helping with those complaint files to be tracked and making sure that they're automatically showing up on agendas when those deadlines. So what we're envisioning is when somebody submits a complaint, all those deadlines are automatically generated and then they would just automatically show up on when they um, when they should be heard and obviously it would be up to the chair um, to go ahead and approve um, the final agendas that are published. Um, after agenda creation, the hearings are held and minutes will then be um, created in the system. Um, so then it would keep everything standard. Um, we were hoping for um, the um, actions to be already in the system, all all of the uh, um, standard actions that you guys and decisions that you guys make would be part of the system, and so it will kind of provide you guys also some guidance on what those actions are, and so it's not being recreated every time with every minute, every every minutes um, coming out of a hearing. Um, those minutes would be available to the public online, just as the agendas. Everything would be matched up, so somebody could look at one 
meeting that you have like the board here, like the board, you, um, you can see on the board's website now where it's agendas, minutes, um, and any supporting documents, but everything would be standards. So that's what we're hoping for. Um, and then tracking those complaints through the process also, um, keeping all, the, all of the pertinent parties notified of all of the actions that are occurring as they are happening instead of waiting for you know, them to be processed. Um, once those things are in the system and they're in there, then it would be automatically available to anybody who is following along. Um, and even after you guys have made your, um, have finished your meetings, heard the, heard the matters, um, the system would also do post-hearing post tracking. So for your orders of determination, as Angela was talking about, um, any of the, if you guys have a request, are requesting follow-up from the departments, that would be tracked. Um, we're hoping that the, those deadlines could be put into the system also so that they, you guys wouldn't forget. Members of the public can see how many things are still lingering, still being tracked after passage or after determinations have been made. And then those orders of determination would be in the system. And as, as Angela said, they would be indexed fully searchable. We're hoping to have a very robust uh, search engine that people would um, have, be, able, be allowed to put any kind of parameters that they, they are interested in and not just have those parameters in, but then accounts could be made for any individual, any individual who's interested, they can save their searches, the ones that they, you know, maybe they search for regularly, ones they're interested in, they can do signups on um, if they want for any determination that is, um, comes out of maybe a, one of your, the committees or a certain type of uh, determination made, um, they would, those searches would be savable. And we are also hoping for um, searches, uh, like most used searches to be also like populated at the, to present people um, with uh, suggestions if they don't know what they're looking for exactly. Um, did anyone, anyone have any questions, any ideas beyond that? I know definitely we will be coming back to you. This is just really general, generally what we are envisioning, but obviously the types of reports, the types of files, the types of searches, we'll be looking to you guys for direction on, on you know, what you guys have encountered, the types that you guys think are most important when we're looking at um, automatic um, pop-up menus that come, suggestion, suggestion memos. Um, menus, um, we would be looking to you guys on what do you guys see as like the most important, which ones do you guys see most often, um, and what would be most helpful for the people, um, members of the public, and complaints that you guys um, encounter. So I, I have, uh, Member Highland here, I have a, perhaps a dangerous question, and perhaps Ms. Cavill will want to answer this instead since she, she gets paid the big bucks, but timeline, <laughs> whoever, whoever wants to answer, just curious what your timeline is for the RFP process. Um, when you're going to make a decision, once the decision's made, how many months do you think it might take to roll out, start working on these features? Just, just curious. Uh, Member Highland, um, I'm Edward Deasis, Deputy Director of Administration Finance for the Office of the Clerk of the Board. I'd be happy to answer that question. Um, we are currently um, in the midst of finalizing the RFP. Um, we're basically finalizing the final details as well as um, adding the um, additional requirements that are coming from this meeting here from the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force. Um, the next step is after that, it'll go through city attorney review, and then we hope to have this out to market within a two or three weeks. Um, after that, it enters an evaluation phase. Um, so basically, um, during that phase, first, the um, potential proposers are going to be given a time uh, frame of about a month or so to submit proposals. Uh, we'll receive those written proposals, and then we'll evaluate them. 
Um, in the evaluation phase, um, we'll be evaluating the proposals as well as inviting um, proposers that we think can do the work onto for a, um, an oral interview as well as software demonstration. That'll probably take about a month or two to coordinate. Um, after that, we enter the selection process, and once we select a um, proposer, we can actually um, enter contract negotiations, which may take a few weeks, and once a contract is actually um, formed with the um, winning proposer, um, we can actually begin work. Um, we anticipate this will probably take a few months uh, to actually build the system, six months to about a year. So adding it all up, um, proposal and acceptance of proposal, phase about how many months? Um, probably uh, three months, I would say. Three or okay. four months. Yeah. And then executing another six. Yeah, we're, we're going to move this as quickly as we can through the contracting process right. in order okay. to get the work started because we'd like to get this um, started uh, beginning of the next fiscal year, 23-24. Right. Very exciting. Thank you. Hi, uh, Member LaHood here. Uh, I have a couple of questions. Um, and I don't think this was mentioned already, but are there opportunities for this system to help automate the, comp the compilation of complaint files? And is there a possibility of keeping digital records as you know, full color with live links and perhaps even email attachments? Yes, that is exactly what we are envisioning. We're hoping that as um, documents are submitted for complaints, they're automatic, well, not automatically, but they would be vetted by the clerk, put in there immediately, and then they would be available. Um, it would be something that's OCRing everything. It would be um, uh, um, searchable for any of the documents. You guys, it would be, you could type in a word, and any of the documents um, that contain that word would be automatically OCR'd for uh, and showing up in reports. And I wanted to also um, mention that we are hoping not just the complaints and not the search engines, but we're hoping to have standard reports also generated. So maybe um, we haven't decided exactly yet because we haven't conferred with all of you yet, but what those standards reports would be like um, for anyone just to start those who are interested so that they don't know what they're looking for. Um, there would be reports like maybe for all of last year, all the orders of determination, and have them set up um, just to give everybody a starting point on what the what the task force does, what you guys all do. Um, and those reports would be um, available and at the front and top of the search engines um, or the public portal that we're um, envisioning. And then, um, Extra parameters can be layered into it if they wanted to narrow down their searches. Thank you. I, just one other question. In terms of advancing us with new technologies, this sounds awesome. I also wanted to ask, you know, we still have people who submit complaints not over email, not digitally, and don't want to be communicated with by email. Is there a way in the system for that will track it for our administrators or she, she or whoever is in this role knows that uh, not to just automate emails going out that aren't going to reach the, is there is there a a way that the system captures knowing who needs to be communicated with in a different with different methods? Oh yeah, de yes, definitely. We understand the special needs of the, your task forces. Um, you have complainants who want to remain an anonymous, and there needs to be some anonymity around um, the subject matter. So we do understand that, um, and there will be where. The emails and the notifications are going to be for those who wish and desire. And for the departments, obviously they're not going, they don't need to be anonymous. Um, so those will just be automatically inputted in it and the administrator and the clerk would be always on the list. So Thank you. it would be up to the complainant to decide what level of um, notifications they want to, they want to actually receive. 
I had a couple of questions for you. Mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> the first question, I think this is something that um, Cheryl runs into where the departments oftentimes have turnover and we don't know exactly who to contact. And, mm -hmm. and so I was wondering if there's some way that the departments themselves could interface with the system so that if they have staff turnover, they could automatically input who the new custodian of public records is so that we're not sending emails to people who no longer are there. Yes, definitely. So I just want to reiterate, this is part of the smaller system. This is the smaller part of the system. Um, the overall big legislative management system that's going to be under the Board of Supervisors and, talking, and tracking the legislative process is going to be a part of that. Um, and what we are envisioning is, is the big legislative management system will have branches going to each of their own departments who then have their own siloed portion environment and so they would be the ones updating who their staffing is and so it takes it off of us so that we don't i mean like you said there's high turnover um and we don't always know who's who so we don't want things to be going to the wrong places so those spaces for each of the departments will be um, um monitored and updated by them so that they would be the ones providing the emails and those would be going to the appropriate ones automatically i think that's terrific and then my second question is how can we as a task force best facilitate, as you said, we're gonna get more into the details later. Uh, do you have a, a potential time frame for when you'd like to kind of consult with us? And do you foresee that being in maybe a special meeting or how would you like to, to arrange that? Yes, yeah, so go, Victor, if you can go to the next slide. Or maybe I'm jumping ahead, sorry about that. No worries. Yeah, so these are just the four steps. Um, um, Edward had already touched on the RFP process and where we are with that one. Um, but after we, I, I also want to, I want to reiterate though too, the, we plan on um, attacking the task forces portion of this after the boards um, gets implemented because that is going to set the standard for how everything else um, after um, all of the additional components to the legislative board's legislative management system is created. The, the spaces are created for each of the departments and then we're going to figure out how to fit the task force in that. Um, so um, the timeline for that is going to be up to the developer. Um, as you know, this is going to be, this is a very, um, um, it's a specific system. It's gonna be have to tailor to San Francisco particularly. We are unlike any other city and county in California. So we do have to, regardless of what system we're going out for an RFP, there's existing systems out there, but it really is gonna have to be tailored for San Francisco specifically because we have so many specific different requirements that aren't, don't line up with what the standards are for other cities and counties. So I do believe it's gonna take a little bit more time for us to do that. And for you guys, once we get that in place for the board, uh, that is when we're gonna come back and um, I think I have that as step two. Well, that's when we're gonna involve you guys. We have a structure in place. This is what it looks like. And then you will go ahead, we'll be setting up some round tables with you guys on um, what's, you know, how we are going to structure that portion for the task force specifically. Um, and we'll, that way we'll be able to show you guys the overall on how it works throughout the city with the departments and then we can figure out what components you guys want to utilize and if there's anything additional that um, we can include for the task force um, beyond what's already going to be in there for the board um, and the city overall. So if members have ideas as we're, you know, thinking about this, is it best for us to hold on to those ideas until we get to that stage or uh, send them to us now? To yeah, okay. yes, we we are um, continually um, 
going over the process? So we are in the process of um, finalizing the RFP. So now would be a good time um, to communicate any asks or needs. Um, you can send them to me. Okay. Um, it's never too early to make us uh, aware of any user um, wants or asks for this system. So we can begin tracking them and looking into them. Um, in other words, it's probably never too early to reach out to us um, with any questions. How do we reach you? Oh. <laughs> oh, you can email me. Um, Mr. Chair. Yes. Uh, one sec, uh, Member Wolf, I have a few people here first. We'll go Member Highland. Uh, yeah, mine's real quick. Um, since we're kind of at the wish list stage right now, and this will inform your, your RFP, um, one thing I'd love to see is some sort of workflow visualization like you use in Microsoft Project, where if you look at an item as a workflow, you know, what stage it's at, and live links to the documents or to uh, orders of termination, anything. So when you pop up an item, you can see from the cradle to grave where that is. Is it is it like completed with an OD and therefore it goes into archives? Is it live? In other words, it's going to subcommittee, it's coming back to the... Uh, so something to see that graphically, like a... I don't know if you use Microsoft Project or anything like that, but you have a, like, you know, like a workflow visualization. It's kind of like a chart, moving chart, which has links and shows you where each item is and what stage it's at. That'll be really helpful uh, for us to, you know, kind of so see. So would you want to see that before the system is built or would you actually want to see that in the system? Sure. Some sort of approval workflow? Yeah. Because yeah, that technology is available. Yeah, yeah. That would, yeah. Be, that would be something I would be interested in. That's it for me. Okay, thank you. Uh, Vice Chair Wong, did you... I have got a few things. Um, I'm curious, like how this is planned to be integrated with uh, the existing and or future public facing website. Um, which website are you referring to? Um, the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force website currently. Um, and or the future SF SF.gov website. SF.gov or the Sunshine. The, we, we envision this taking over what's currently there for Sunshine. Um, I'm sure like some of the informational pages will maintain or maybe, you know, revamp them or, um, but the entirety of anything um, online engaging with the public or um, we envision this system to take over and consolidate all of that into one place um, for somebody to, see just one picture and I think uh, member Highland had a really good idea if somebody had a flow chart of okay this is what the process overall looks like and click and then be able to take somebody straight there to explain that part of the process so it will kind of be taking all of the sunshine um, public interactive um, features and just putting them on one place one and with explanations and um, instructions there okay so um, I assume then you're also looking at accessibility, simplification. Oh yes, of that is that, always, always. Okay, yes. awesome. And we um, we have already started conferring with the mayor's office on disability on how uh, the legislative management system um, can be utilized, and um, we're yeah. Yeah, we're in close um, contact and communication with digital services. In fact, we met with Sid Harrell um, this morning. Um, to, and we're fully aware of the needs for dig digital accessibility and inclusivity um, for um, members of the public in general and also for um, special groups such as members um, or members of the public who have disabilities. So that will be incorporated and um, included in the scope of services as well as uh, you know, the interface that 
um, will be accompanying the legislative management system. We're going to hold the contractor um, responsible for making sure that it achieves digital accessibility and inclusivity. Cool. Yeah. Um, all right. Also, I'm kind of curious, like, will folks need to log in in order to have those, like, saved uh, searches, et cetera, or will there be a, a way for folks to access all of this information anonymously? I think we are envisioning all of it. Um, you can do it without creating an account. You can create an account so that, um, and the reason to say to create an account is so that you can save your own searches. Um, so that way you can keep a, a history. If people don't want, if they don't want to create an account, they don't have to. Um, and we are hoping to also find um, have the developer find ways to make anonymous accounts where it's not like they have to disclose all their information, um, but something identifying has to be submitted in order for this to create an account so that they can, we can tailor it to that person. Cool. Um, and then I'm curious for us as members of the task force, are we going to have some type of like admin account um, or will we be accessing it in the same way as the public? I'm kind of curious about that. Not an admin account. Um, it wouldn't be something that you guys could go back. Uh, we, we wouldn't have you guys going in to make any changes. Um, but uh, most likely there will be some kind of member user. So each uh, group of user, um, such as yourselves, will have their own role um, assigned to you in the system, which gives you um, different accesses, uh, permissions, and uh, ability to run different functionalities in the system. It's very standard with all the um, IT systems out there. So you will have a different role and a different access to the system compared to somebody from the public. Awesome. Uh, and then my last question is, I'm curious, like with backups and a retention policy, is that something that will manage from the DT side or from the contractor side? Yeah, we'll, we'll be managing the backup. Um, so basically we have our own departmental um, data retention as well as records keeping policy. And um, we do archive and um, store and record data and save data on our own systems. So we work with a contractor on that, but we'll, we'll be managing that. Awesome, thank you. Okay, I think uh, Member Wolf is next. Thank you very much. Um, uh, Ms. Samara, hello, how are you? Thank hello. you for, for coming. Um, you, I, I got a little confused when you were talking about the uh, creation of documents in Word, and then they would how how that would transfer into. Oh, the I was I was just referring to how it's currently being done in Word, and we were trying to take away from that, and the templates would just be automatically in the system, so that there's standardization and not word creation and things manually being done. They would be automatically populated. Oh, okay, great. Because, yeah, because yeah, don't want to have our administrator have to do things twice, right? Oh, no, 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 definitely not. We are trying to make things okay. easier and more automated. We are trying to take word out of the equation. Right. And I think um, uh, what uh, Member Hyland was referring to is a Gantt chart, uh, G A N T T is okay. what it's called. It's usually used in project management construction, also, just shows where everything is on the timeline. Um, and I think uh, a Gantt chart would be uh, a good uh, addition uh, for this. Um, also, um, for post hearing, uh, sometimes it will, it doesn't go straight. It, it may go to an order of determination. Um, 
and then that may have some additional instructions and it may need to go to a committee and then they'll it'll have its another like life uh in monitoring at that point so uh maybe member LaHood could um it maybe want to expand on something like have something expanded on something like that um but there would also need to be some tracking uh because it may go to a, the let's say compliance and amendments committee for monitoring if something then happens and has to return back to the task force you know there's going to be some back possibly back and forth uh in that area uh yes obviously we what we're what we're envisioning is that here's the standard timeline obviously can be as deviated from often um so the administrator would be able to override um things may populate automatically on a draft but it doesn't necessarily mean it's, it can stay we it, we will have a system that we can manipulate we can override and we can move things along okay. around yes right and my last one is just on the reports um it's one of the reasons why I mentioned uh, categories in the beginning. So that way with a detailed report, if we wanted to have a report based on a certain section of the law that we follow, uh, whichever codes there are uh, that uh, we can uh, uh, have a report um, uh, created, uh, you know, something like that. So we can do a search and then from the search actually print out a report. Uh, it could be that kind of process in that way. Yes, that is exactly what we're envisioning that it would, and that there would, that we would have, we would have suggested standard reports and also ones that, you know, that can dive deeper or they can narrow their searches um, and they can be tailored for any individual. Um, but yes, those are the types of reports we are envisioning um, this to automatically generate. Great, thank you. That's all I have right now. And thank, okay, you thank, you. Presenting. thank you, Member Wolf. Uh, Member Hill, were you next? Okay. Yes, ahead. please. Um, thank you, Chair Yankee. And thank you for this information. Um, just to qualify myself for folks that don't know, I, from the years about 2000 to 2015, my career focus was legislative management systems. I spent nine years of that um, as head of products for Granicus. Um, I'm no longer associated with any of those companies um, that, that, that provide legislative management uh, uh, solutions. Um, so I just wanted to make that make that clear. Um, just a couple of questions. So, do, is there um, would it be possible to receive a draft of the statement of work that you guys are developing? I think that might actually be easier for me to be able to like look and see what you have to see if anything might be missing from that. If you're not able, I, I understand that. I understand that. Thank you, thank you, Member Hill. I appreciate the question. Yeah. It's just right now it's coveted. We're very Understood. careful with it. Yes. I, I, pre I appreciate you understanding. Just to add that there's a couple of other features that this little, this cutie has, this machine. Uh, we're going to be able to maintain your records, both past and future, as a records repository for the task force. In addition to, um, uh, I think Edward was probably going to jump in and talk about auditing. Uh, auditing not just uh, for the tags that uh, member Wolf was talking about, but also for our noticing to make sure that our noticing is being done timely to make sure that the orders of determinations are going to the right department uh, and and those kinds of types of auditing. And you can see who actually touched it throughout the whole life of the item itself. Uh, and then we are also looking to uh, maintain. I don't want to call it a blog because it's not a blog that someone's going to um, be 
uh, handling like a Twitter account or anything like that, but it would be something where all of the uh, disclosure requests, whether they're public records requests or immediate disclosures, are kind of placed uh, in one place where a member of the public can actually go and see. So what was uh, submitted as a, a record to an immediate disclosure and can kind of see what the answers have been over time. And so we were hoping to, um, we're in the process of determining who gets to host that on their website. Are we going to host it on ours or is uh, SOTF going to arm wrestle us for it? So <laughs> I imagine you may want that on your website as well. Thank you. Just uh, I appreciate that. A couple of other quick questions or uh, in comments. Um, will, will the will the committee, uh, will the task force um, be able to receive um, our our agenda post meeting uh, with links to audio? Um, uh, uh, very similar to how the how the, the the board of supervisors currently has. Yes, we are definitely hoping that will occur. Yes. Awesome. Thank you. Um, how about what, how about links to administrative codes? Because that's something that we you know in our motions much of the time it has links to it has you know referred to section so and so. Like would that also be hyperlinked as well? It is a wish that we have. Yes. And it's part of our legislative management system wish list also. But we do have to work with the codifiers and the city attorney's office on um, how that would actually happen and. Whether it can happen, but yes. um, I, we do envision that visioning it, it to be a part of it. Yes. Thank you. And then just one last question. Is there a member of this committee that will serve on the evaluation committee? I think the 1st step that I was going to request is that the task force identify a liaison. Someone who can work with our office on uh, communicating with the task force on a regular basis. I think we should start there and um, we have yet to put together. Uh, our complete panel, um, but I do appreciate the interest and um, I think it would be uh, we can talk offline about that. Um, why I think it might be a little difficult. Because of what your past is, but <laughs> and, 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 and who might be applying doesn't have to be me. It no. could be anyone okay. here. <laughs> yeah, so I think you should identify a liaison to work with us and or expect us to come back. On a monthly basis, whatever your choice is. Okay. Thank you so much. Miss um, Cavill, would it be uh, an issue if Member Hill were our liaison? I know you're not serving on any, any, any no, panel. No, I don't think but if, I don't think that would be a problem. We'd love to work with Member Hill. Yeah, or eight eight years. Yeah. yeah, thank you. I don't know if we need to take official action, but I think with Member Hill's background, that would be a, a terrific role for him to serve. So I don't, I don't think it, this needs to be an official designation. But I would certainly volunteer for, if you we'll have. We'll have kind of him volunteer for it. That doesn't mean you're off the EOT, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Deal. Okay, any other questions? Did you have? Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Cheryl. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure that there was a directory of sorts for the custodian of record. And I say this especially because in some departments, there's a high turnover where there are multiple people and it's not always clear who is responding. Who, yeah, Cheryl, you have to speak respond? directly into your mic. It's your your voice is really low. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think with these mics, you have to go like right into. Oh, okay. It. There you go. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I was just wondering about um, maintaining a list or a directory of custodian of record because mm -hmm. I know that uh, over the past year we've seen high turnover mm -hmm. in some departments, and in some departments there are multiple people. Responding to records requests mm -hmm. or responding to me. Yeah, if we could keep a way of keeping that list updated. I mean, as you're aware, we do have a chart right now. Yeah. 
but having that to be constantly updated as people, yep. as there is turnover and then, is yeah. important. And I, I think uh, Chair Yankee had brought that up. What, what, like I said, we each of the departments are going to have their own space uh, of this um, as a part of the system that will be feeding into our systems. So as they update it, we'll have you know what we're hoping is it it will it'll just be a report custodian records for departments. And it'll pull and populate according to what the departments have inputted. So it'll be up to them to do it. And as the thing is, is that they would have to be updating this regularly um, because it would be a part of the legislative management system. If they want to get legislation through the board, it would have to be an updated system that, that somebody would be responsible for on the department side. So, okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Any other questions from the members? If not, we'll go ahead. Um, and, oh, oh, just one more thing. Me, uh, so I think we got through the step two where we're talking about configuring it. Step three would be the rollout. Um, we are hoping to have like some overlap um, of the um, the. Um, the uh, over to the next system that we would keep maintaining our current records in order um, while we're rolling out the next one. So there would be some overlap. The clerk would obviously probably have some double duties there for a while until we were comfortable with the system turning off one process and turning on the other one. Um, so that would be, you know, would be a time where we would have a few months um, of uh, testing and making sure that everything is rolling over correctly. Um, and I just wanted to point out the last part of the step would be um, as we execute and get this new system up into up, up to um, up and running, um, it would be from that time going forward, obviously. Um, so the last step that once we have that go up and running, we wanna go backwards after that and start digitizing all of you guys' old files, all of the old orders of determination so that there can be a historical record that can be also be a part of the system. And that would be um, the last step of um, this process. And that's all I got. Thank you so much for your presentation. Uh, if we don't have any further questions, we'll Open up to public comment. Um, yes, if there are any members of the public who would like to make public comments this time, you can approach the podium. If you're online with us on the telephone, you can press star three to raise your hand to indicate you'd like to make public comment. Or you can use the application uh, to raise your hand. Uh, it looks like we have a person at the podium. Cheryl, I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to you. So are you ready to begin speaking? Um, what's going to happen with Legistar? I like Legistar. It's cool. You can track legislation really easily with that and, and attach documents and so forth. And is it going to go away or is it going to stick around as a legacy system? Or is it all going to be rolled into the new system? Those are my questions. Back to you, Mr. Chair. Thank you. Do we have any other public commenters? Okay, we'll go ahead and move to our remote system. I have one person with their hand raised at this time. I will go ahead and unmute them. Uh, David Pilpel, can you hear me okay? Yes. Go ahead, Mr. Pilpel. Oh, great. Fantastic. Uh, sorry, I only uh, joined the meeting a few minutes ago. I saw that there were some uh, slides that that presentation can be uh, posted or linked somehow. Um, to the uh, meeting agenda, that would be uh, great. If not, I'll find some other way to get them. Uh, and I certainly support uh, replacing the existing uh, system with the new uh, features that the clerk and her uh, very capable staff 
uh, our uh, planning. I think we will all benefit uh, from it, both at the uh, board level and uh, to the extent that that um, those features or functionality are extended to the operations of the task force. Thanks for listening. Okay, I'm just doing another quick check to see if there are any other uh, public commenters. Uh, that completes our public comment list. Okay, we'll go ahead and close public comment for this item. Um, I wanted to one more time thank everyone from the clerk's office for joining us. I think it was a, a wonderful discussion. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I'd like to address the uh, public commenters question just briefly, if that's okay. Yeah. So, um, I'm glad that there are um, some users out there who enjoy um, using the existing Legistar system. Unfortunately, that system will be replaced by the new legislative management system. So what you have with the current Legistar is a very bare bones legislative management system um, with disconnected um, agenda, meeting, and minutes management. Um, this new system is going to do everything that the current Legistar does, plus more. Plus the innovations that Elisa presented. So I'm pretty sure that the members of the public won't miss Legistar after the new system is deployed. Thank you for that. I think we're no other comments, questions. Okay, I think we're ready to wrap this up. Uh, thank you again for, for coming out. Um, and if you have updates in the future you'd like to, to let us know about, just tell me and we will get you on the agenda. We always enjoy your visit. Thank you. And before we move on to the next item, I would just note that uh, Member Schmidt joined us at 4.38 p.m. So we can just get that in the record. I didn't want to interrupt the discussion. Uh, Chair Yankee, I guess yes. that was a discussion only item, so we probably don't need to do a vote yet to appoint Member Hill as our liaison. That can come later. Yeah, he volunteered, so he'll... Good is done. Work is in... <laughs> I don't think it's an official designation okay. necessarily, so... It's more of an administrative. Happy to do it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think we're ready for item number five. One moment. Okay. Item number five, administrators report complaints and communications. So uh, before before we start with that, just on the on, uh, last point, Mr. Chair, on on the last item. Mm -hmm. So does that mean I'm being relieved of my duties on this? On um, currently, because I've currently been liaising with the. On this item, we have. I thought it was you were chairing the, IT committee. Yeah, but this item was assigned to us. Is where it grew. It grew out of the IT committee. Okay. Uh, that's okay if the, if that's the if that's your desire. Um, I just wanted to, you know, I I've been communicating with the, and so has Vice Chair Wong, as as also a member of the IT committee. We've been back and forth with them quite a bit. Maybe, uh, whoops. Uh, Member Hill, did you want to maybe join the IT committee? I'm already on the IT. You're already on the IT. Okay. Right. <laughs> but we, it, we we just haven't had the opportunity to right. since I was out, and and we really only okay. met once. Let's we'll, we'll, we'll leave it collectively then as the entire yeah. IT committee. 
and okay. you can designate how you see fit among your committee members how to how to do it. That's fine. I'm happy to join the, join the collective knowledge uh, yeah. that we've gained so far. Yeah, and and mostly where we're at is what we've discussed here today. That's as far as we've gotten. Okay. So. Awesome. Thank you. I'm sorry to interrupt. Um, okay. Also, can I ask for a point of order? Is it possible to turn down the volume on the remote callers? Yes, please. It's turn down the volume on what? On the remote callers, it's or on, it's on your dashboard apparently, according to Victor. You have control over that. As what? As much as we miss the dulcet tones of Member Wolf, he is coming in like a gale force eight <laughs> wind at present. So I turned down my microphone. Is that better? That helps. Yes, that is much better. So okay. Not booming. What about the rest of us? Can we all hear each other completely well? We're okay. Yeah. Okay. I think Victor's going to come in loud as well, but I mean, I don't know if he can show you how to. Victor, are you still there? Victor. Uh, yes, I am. Can you show Cheryl how to turn down the um, outside? I am not video? able to do it remotely. Um, we will. Uh, there's a volume control. There is, and I'm looking at it right now. Is that better? Victor, try saying something. Uh, testing one, two, three. Is that better? Testing no. one, two, three. Yeah. Testing one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two. Yeah, Bruce is good because he turned it down on his end. I don't know if Victor can do that as well. Not the end of the world. Just... Yeah, Victor, I did it in the audio settings of the of WebEx. You just uncheck the autom the automatic adjustment uh, uh, checkbox and then move the slider back. I will do what I can. I have uh, I have brought down the volume from my end. Why don't we, Chair? Why don't we let you go ahead and present the administrator's report while while Victor figures that out? Okay. Okay. Uh, so. Tentative schedule for 2023, beginning with today's date, April 5th, Sunshine Ordinance Task Force. Item number one, petitions, complaints, and hearings files created. Uh, since the 22nd, I think we have complaints that came in up to uh, March 31st. But when I did this report, they weren't available. Um, number, item number two, pending petitions and complaints. Um, there wasn't that many, there wasn't that big a difference for 2023 because we were able to close out uh, a number of 2021 complaints. Um, you will also see uh, the minutes for the complaint committee. And after that, um, a list of email communications for the past month, February 23rd to March 27th. All set. All set. Okay. If anyone has questions, any so. questions? Oh, number one. Yes, yes, I'm noticing, uh, Mrs. Leger, in the first section, 
Um, the first two items say anonymous, but then there's a name there. Um, I guess my question is, uh, should it be one or the other? Uh, no, it should be anonymous. I knew who the uh, petitioner was. Um, that was actually taking, taken from my personal chart that I keep. Uh, Victor knows what this chart is. He makes contributions to it as well. Um, it's just, it, it really is the only place it is, is in the chart, which I use. And I don't use it to um, process, I only use it to talk about the motions, but there's something, the chart goes, there a case on the chart goes to clients and amendments. I should not have uh, put um, this petitioner's uh, name on the record, but I did. Like I said, it's coming from my chart. Thank you. And we do this because we have to have a way of identifying different anonymouses as they come in. So. Right. I thought we were going to just use like the first, like an acronym of the first three letters or something. So we don't have their, their full names there. Yeah, I can do that. Thank you. Member that was a, a good catch. because We definitely don't want to reveal anonymous individuals identities. Any other questions, comments? If not, I had one. Um, Cheryl, I thought, and whoever it was, go ahead and jump in. But I thought we had asked for some type of total column for the second item number two, whoever that was. Maybe they were going to, Member Stein, maybe you want to reiterate that since it doesn't look like that suggestion made its way into this report. I think Member Stein needs a microphone. Um, yeah, I mean, there's not much to reiterate, but just the, the way that we used to have it, this is very useful the way it's done now, but to also know how many complaints are still, you know, came in and how many are still pending, just that kind of basic summary would also be useful to have with item two. So you want a final column on the right side that gives a number like 29 plus seven. 36. Is that what you're looking for? Um, I think that would do it. Yeah. Well, some of them, let's see, awaiting CAC review, because some of them are presumably decided, but they're being reviewed by compliance. So there's a sense of how many are waiting to be heard, how many have been cleared, or yeah, you can do a total if you want here. Yeah, if that's what you're yeah. looking for. Okay, that's fine. Maybe total both the rows and the columns. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That sounds good. Okay. Okay, and the other thing I wanted to bring up was the scheduling for the May meeting. Um, I know. We have two vacancies and member Hill has indicated he will not be at the main meeting. I want to get a sense of if anyone else will be unable to make the main meeting because I know uh, member Pabinabin has graciously agreed to serve as a holdover if we're having quorum issues, but I'm sure she's also looking forward to her you know, retirement from the task force as well. So if we can get a sense of if we'll need her assistance or not in May, that would be great. So is there anyone who anticipates not being here? In May. Okay, so. Mr. Chair, yes. I'm 
I'm going to continue to serve as a holdover until. Right. Okay. 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 So it looks like we'll have seven people, which we should be okay with seven. I know that still cuts it close, but if anyone has something come up in the next month, if you could let me and Cheryl know right away so that we can call on member Pavanavan to continue, that would be terrific. Uh, Chair Yankee. Yes. I believe I will miss the June meeting. Okay. And so I thought since it's just one month later, maybe that could also be impacted in this way. Okay. I think member Hill is tentatively anticipating returning in, in June, right? Yes. Although possibly okay. remote. Okay. Yeah. Yes. And while we're doing this member Highland won't be here for the August meeting. If you want to. Okay. I don't know if we're too early to do summer plans yet, but. For that type. Good to know. And hopefully. At some point in this period, we'll have additional appointments since I know there's vacant seats and, you know, holdover seats that can be appointed to as well. So, but I don't think that will be done by May. So that was my first critical date I wanted to get. Actually, through the chair, if you could ask Victor um, any input when rules might be hearing about our new members. Um, I have just received uh, completed applications from additional parties where they were incomplete. I have uh, three applications for two currently vacant seats. Uh, I am in communications with uh, Chair Dorsey on on the matter, and it's up to their office to determine when to schedule. Thank you. Um, I have a question for Member Hill. What is the exact date that you will be unavailable for any task force business? When will you be out? Um, I, I'll, on April twenty sixth um, is the date of my surgery, um, and um, I will be out for. Um, Two weeks, absolutely sure. Um, and from then on, I, I should be able to attend uh, remotely um, through May and June. I just won't be able to to be here uh, in person. So you don't have a date when you think you might be able to participate um, in person. You not know that. I'm anticipating that be starting July one. Starting July one. Okay, yes. Great. Earlier, if things go well. Okay, sure they will. Uh, uh, Mr. Chair, I just wanted to say that I I believe that if um, members are not capable of attending uh, in person for a medical reason, they can attend. At this I'm time, into the microphone. remotely, uh, so I think that's the policy, right? Right, and I believe uh, Member Hill is in communication already with DHR to okay. getting that exemption for those. Uh, but I think, regardless, I think May is a, def a definite no, either remotely or in person. Got it. Got it. All right. Yes. Okay. All right. Anything else for this item before I open up to public comment? Okay. Not seeing any hands. So. Uh, Victor, when you're ready, we can go ahead and move to public comment on this. Yes, if there are any members of the public who would like to make public comment and are present in the room, you can approach the podium at this time. If you are remote and are calling in, you can raise your hand by pressing star three if you're calling in, or otherwise use the application to raise your hand at this time. I will go ahead and turn it over to Cheryl for the in-person public comment. Mr. Hill, are you ready? Go ahead, sir. Thank you. Um, I did not see on the agenda anything under this item about 
discussing future attendance or vacancies on the task force. Back to you, Mr. Chair. Okay, Victor, do we have any other public commenters? Uh, just checking the list. I do not see any other indications for public comment at this time. Okay, great. We'll go ahead and close public comment for this item. Anything else before we move on? Okay, not seeing any hands. Let's go ahead and move on to item number six. Item number six, public comment. Members of the public may address the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force on matters that are within the task force jurisdiction, but not on today's agenda. Okay, if there are new members of the public uh, in the room for public comment, you can approach the podium. If you are remote, you can go ahead and press star three to raise your hand, or otherwise use the application to raise your hand. Cheryl, I will go ahead and turn it over to you for in-person public comment. Thank you very much. Mr. Hillier, are you ready? I'm ready. Go ahead, sir. Thank you, Madam Clerk. I know that I'm a newbie and you've been around for three decades this year and you're set in your ways, but I cannot reconcile your current practice with your governing law. I cannot. To repeat again from last month, SF Admin Code Section 67.30C says, uh, at the sixth sentence, says, and I quote, the task force shall make referrals to a municipal office with enforcement power under this ordinance or under the California Public Records Act and the Brown Act whenever it concludes that any person has violated any provisions of this ordinance or of the acts, dot, 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 end quote. Now, I've been studying statutory interpretation for a while, and that I, I just can't um, see how you can do monitoring under this law. It says whenever you find a violation, you make a referral. There's no one without the other. You can't get around that statutory language. I don't think that the exemptions for an absurd result or impracticability um, apply. And so I think it is official misconduct for you to refer a matter for monitoring to a committee um, because it is refusal, neglect, or failure to, do, to perform a duty enjoined upon you by law. And I think that applies to everyone on this task force whenever that happens. Um, but the problem goes deeper than that. Your bylaws and your complaint procedure both have to be revised. So I've provided re revisions, which I'm gonna hand to Ms. Leger right now. If you would, ma'am, could you hand these out to the members of the task force? There's two documents, each one page long. I'd appreciate that, thank you very much. Um, I will ask you to put a motion on the agenda for the May meeting to um, to, to make these amendments. And uh, I ask that you, you put it on the agenda and have a discussion. I will look in the archives and try and find if I can see anything about this, whether this has ever been brought up before. Um, back to you, Mr. Chair. Okay, thank you. Do we have any other public commenters? Okay, moving on to our remote public commenters. I will go ahead and unmute our one caller. Just give us a moment. 
Caller has been muted. Great. David Pilpel, can you hear me okay? Yes. Is, is the volume too loud, too low, somewhere in between? You sound fine to me. Excellent. All right. Uh, so um, I'm sorry I joined the meeting a little late and I'm only here for a few minutes because I have to get ready and go off to a Passover uh, tonight. But I wanted to make a brief comment in um, generally in reference to item 13 about the annual report. Uh, if I could just uh, do that now, I'd appreciate it. Uh, I just wanted to thank uh, Member Stein and others who may have contributed. This is, uh, if not the most extensive uh, annual report that's ever been written for the task force. Um, it probably is of the uh, 30 years that that I'm aware of, um, and it's it's extremely uh, detailed uh, with uh, practical and uh, policy problems, lots of uh, charts and information, and I I really appreciate uh, Member Stein's uh, effort and uh, the others who contributed uh, for the efforts. Uh, I am uh, worried that uh, the audience for it may be small and um, perhaps the, the policy uh, folks in the city, including the Board of Supervisors, may not uh, give it the time and attention that uh, your um, uh, that is necessary to, to anyway, um, I'm, I'm just concerned to that end. And so uh, wherever you can uh, make it as readable as possible and in particular, uh, I would take care that the readability of the charts and the appendices uh, are um, somewhat improved, um, but the content is great and I just wanted to appreciate all that. Um, that's really all I had for this month and um, thanks for listening. Chair Yankee. Yes. Um, never held just a point of information. Uh, I, I think it's okay, you know, because um, uh, the member of the public was speaking about a report, but I just wanted to remind folks that typically um, public comment on items on the agenda typically aren't, aren't aren't covered during this period of public comment. Thank you. Yes, yes, that's that's true. Um, and in this case, um, if Mr. Pilpil were still around for the end, I I would ask him not to comment again when we get to that item. Thank you, Chair. Do we have any other public commenters, Victor? Okay, just checking the list. I do not see any additional public commenters. Okay, so we will go ahead and close uh, public comment. And with that, we can move to item number seven. Uh, I just want to note hearings on complaints and other agenda items listed below will begin no earlier than 5 p.m. Item number seven, file number 22001, complaint filed by Andrew Cisneros against Caroline Solaya and the San Francisco Municipal Transportation Agency for allegedly violating administrative code sections 671, 678, 679, 6721, 6725, and 6726 by failing to respond to an immediate Yes, please. On January 18, 2022, the complaint committee found jurisdiction, the records public, and to forward to the task force and to question if the records are properly exempt under evidence code 1040 and to recommend a violation under administrative code section 6726 for failing to provide minimum withholding. 
Okay, and let's see if we have both parties present. Is Mr. Cisneros here? And is there someone from the Municipal Transportation Agency? If you are on Cisneros is present, raise your hand. It would be appreciated. Hello. Andrew Cisneros is here. Okay, so is Mr. Cisneros joining us by teleconference, Victor? No, I'm on the computer. To the computer, right? To teleconferencing. You're not yes. in the room. Okay. Yeah, because we, we can't. We're we're kind of not being able to see the screen really well. So, and then I'm assuming the people in the room are. I'll let you introduce yourselves. I'm Doris King uh, with SFMT. And I'm David Garcia, Labor Relations Manager, SFMTA. Okay. Um, and this, just to uh, kind of do a quick summary of how this works for those who are new and not, or have been a while before they've been here, um, we'll start by giving um, the complainant five minutes to present their case. Uh, we'll allow three minutes if the complainant has any facts, uh, any other parties to provide facts or evidence. We will then move to the respondent who will have five minutes to respond and also three minutes for any uh, parties to provide facts or evidence on behalf of the respondent. Um, at that point, uh, the ma matter will be with the task force to ask clarifying questions. Um, when that is, is done, we'll let each side give a three-minute rebuttal. We'll start with the respondent, then we'll go to the uh, complainant. Um, after that, the task force will deliberate, formulate a motion, and we'll allow public comment and then a vote. So that's the summary of how this will play out. Uh, so before I have the uh, petitioner or the complainant begin, uh, if we could maybe just get a quick summary from the complaint committee, and I believe uh, that was complaint committee chair, uh, chair of the complaint committee, member Schmidt. So if he can give us a summary. Yes. I, this, this case is pretty simple. Uh, Mr. Cisneros asked for communications uh, about Mr. Cisneros from uh, the MTA and certain communications were not provided based on uh, the civil code. Uh, actually, let's see, well, section 1040, um, and that's the uh, official information uh exemption the the i think in the committee we were concerned about whether these truly are communications that were made in confidence which would re be required under the law uh, I, and i would ask for my committee members if if you have anything to to give us on that in addition um this is member Stein. Um, just to be more, a little more specific, it was evidence code 1040B2 was the um, the statute piece that we were looking at and trying to think this was a proper exemption under that. Um, and we also, it's kind of in the file, I think, but we know that there were several emails that were found and, and were not turned over with this exemption listed. And so that's why we also had this question of, was this minimal withholding? Yes, I'm sorry. I think I said civil code. I I don't know what I was thinking. It's definitely evidence. Yeah. Okay, thank you. 
So let's go ahead and move to hear from the petitioner. And Cheryl, uh, when you're ready, if you could let him know when his five minutes begins. Mr. Cisneros, are you ready to begin speaking? Yes, Ms. Leger. Go ahead, sir. Thank you, Sunshine Ordinance Task Force members for your service for helping out the public from a doctor at Laguna Honda Hospital to a bus driver to retrieve public records in order to help to win wrongful terminations. Thank you very much. That was one of my wrongful terminations. I requested these emails in September of 2021. Nothing has been provided. It does not compromise any personnel matter and labor issues or labor proceedings because none exist. One would think if they were involved in such proceedings or issues that I would know. The MTA views this as a meeting, not a hearing, as by the email they presented to me on Monday. The, SD, the SFMTA sought guidance about this request. From who? Why are they not present? Is this another stall tactic? Emails have been given in the past with a Sunshine Ordinance of San Francisco request. They've always been timely. SFMTA knows the format of the Sunshine Ordinance of San Francisco and what items have been given in the past. Personnel and labor proceedings have also been given. Emails involving those proceedings have been given to me in the past. Also, on another topic, I, I did tell Ms. Leger in an email in, uh, in January, the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force had approved some grievance results for me that the MTA had denied to give me. They had made policy to block me on it. The Sunshine Ordinance Task Force at that time requested the last 10 years of policy changes to ensure that the SFMTA was coordinating uh, policy with the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force. We're losing value. Sir, we need you to speak into the microphone. The last time that we met regarding complaint 22096, the SFMTA did not give me any emails. They made policy to avoid these emails that I was okay, given Cheryl, in September. One moment, sir. This is uh, a totally different matter, but it goes to show you that the MTA does give these emails Mr. Cisneros, just, just real fast, I, I just don't want to take your time up, but I know you mentioned 22096. When you were just speaking, I want to be very clear that we're hearing 22001. Um, and so I don't want you to waste the, the, the remaining time you have talking about a case that's not before us. So if you could keep your comments specifically on file number 22001. We can't hear okay. other cases as part of this. So I don't want to mix up the evidence or the, 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 uh, the facts of that matter with this one. Okay. So I'll let Cheryl know when she turns the timer back on. Are you ready to continue, Mr. Cisneros? I'm ready. We, we can't hear you, Mr. Cisneros. You're going to need to speak. Uh, I have been given personnel and labor proceeding emails in the past. Please proceed with the complaint of violations of the Sunshine Ordinance of San Francisco. Thank you. Okay. Okay, are there any parties to provide facts or evidence on behalf of the petitioner? 
Seeing none, we'll go ahead and move to the respondent. Uh, so, Cheryl, when you're ready with the timer. Yes, who will be the first speaker? Uh, David Garcia, Labor Relations Manager. Are you ready, sir? Sure. Thank okay. you. Go ahead. Um, as you mentioned, um, the MTA asserts um, an exemption under Evidence Code 1040 because um, public interest in withholding uh, the information outweighs the public interest in disclosing the information. Um, disclosing the information that, that's requested would cause us to release communications that include strategy discussions by the executive at the MTA. Um, these strategy discussions are confidential under the public employer um, labor relations code, government code, Myers-Millis-Brown Act. And in fact, the public employer relation board has exclusive jurisdiction over um, labor relations matters. And disclosing this would reveal the executive's thoughts and impressions about settling particular um, labor matters, including a pen one pending arbitration, as well as future um, uh, collective bargaining discussions that we expect to take place in June 2023. While Mr. Uh, Cisneros is certainly referenced in the communications, he's not the subject of the communications. The subject of the communications are, relate to uh, pending arbitration proceeding, and the communications reflect the thoughts and impressions of the executive um, decision maker. And so therefore, under you know, evidence code 1040, um, it, it should not be disclosed. Um, in fact, to disclose would go against the public interest in that contract and collective bargaining negotiations shall proceed in good faith and that these um, strategy discussions should maintain their confidentiality. Um, and in terms of, you know, the balancing test, we're looking at sort of the scope of the request, the timing of the request, and whether there's any pending uh, collective bargaining issues uh, that remain and relate to the communications. So while Cisneros is mentioned in some of the communications, he's certainly not the subject of the communications. And therefore we believe that the evidence code for official information for a decision not rendered and, and simply strategized about um, protects it from disclosure. Thank you. Is that your complete statement? Yes. Okay, great. All right, are there any <clears throat> parties to provide facts or evidence on behalf of the respondent? Okay, seeing none, um, I'll turn it over to the members for questions. Excuse me, were you going to speak, ma'am? Um, Doris is here as a management representative. I'm from the labor relations team. She's from the operations side, uh, working in the chain of command of the executive. Okay. Member Pabinabin. I have a few questions. Um, um, the first question would be about the 14-day extension. 
On what basis did you invoke the 14 day extension? Um, my understanding is that um, we were trying to get um, consult from the city attorney um, and then uh, reviewing the emails, gathering them and trying to figure out is was there anything that we were able to with, uh, disclose or if it fell under um, the confidentiality confidentiality nature because this is um, the, the arbitration is still pending. Um. And um, well, um, I think I'll go on and um, ask you why um, were there, you said all the um, responsive records. There was not even one single responsive record that did that did not fall under, um, you know, this uh, pending arbitration decisions. Um, when I reviewed the emails, so I wasn't part of the initial data gathering, but when I looked at the emails that um, were gathered, they were all discussing the actual strategy behind um, the pending arbitration and like the meetings and stuff to discuss um, arbitration, um, discuss the topic and stuff like that. And there was no possibility for redacting any of the emails? Um, I'm not sure because I did not read all the emails like beginning to end. So I, I'm not comfortable answering that. Okay, thank you. And I can say that I read all the emails. We're talking about a, content, a, a set of seven emails that have been presented by the executive that appear to be responsive to the request. I can confirm that the communications are exchanged between um, members of the labor team in confidence and in confidentiality with pure intent for that. And it certainly addressed management side in upcoming labor negotiations and a uh, bidding process for routes and shifts at the MTA. Um, this is an ongoing discussion. In fact, the parties um, negotiate the terms of this bid three times per year. We did it in um, January of this year, as recently as April 15th, and we'll continue to negotiate the terms of the bid in June of 2023. And to reveal the um, executive's mindset about the strategy, how to bring certain routes on and offline would reveal its strategies to the union. And again, confidentiality behind collective bargaining is a protected um, public interest for that confidentiality. And again, the Public Employer Relations Board has exclusive jurisdiction over these matters. And so even though you've already addressed the jurisdictional issue here, I'm not so sure that you have total jurisdiction over labor relations affairs. And again, although Andrew uh, Cisneros is mentioned in the discussions, he's not the subject of the discussion. They are strategy discussions. Okay, thank you. Member Schmidt? Yes, uh, uh, for the uh, respondent MTA, uh, you said there's seven, seven emails uh, who could you not not names, but could you just describe um, who were the parties to the emails? What are their uh, positions in this negotiation? Certainly, um, the email squarely addresses arbitration proceeding that's pending. Um, TWU Local 250A is the exclusive representative employees that are members of that bargaining group. 
There were several employees who were mentioned in the communications because, you know, they had grievances and whatnot. But these individuals themselves are not parties to those discussion because the union is the exclusive representative. Yeah. Um, the communications involve an executive director, um, a, a director level executive. They involve um, labor relations analysts who tend to make recommendations about whether to agree with the union or not. And again, the, it's purely strategy discussions between those folks. I my my concern is that I believe, for whatever reason, you're asserting the wrong exemption, and I'm going to stay strict. I'm not going to tell you what exemption you should assert, but I believe these these sound like they're supposed to be exempted. Our concern is that we all we can talk about is what has been presented to us, mm -hmm. and you've given us 1040. The problem with 1040 is uh, that it it's a two-part analysis, and you've got the second part right, but the first part I'm going to ask you my um, question about, uh, are you claiming that somebody uh, provided information to the MTA in confidence, uh, such as uh, someone who was uh, like an informant of some kind. Mm -hmm. is, is that what you're, you're not claiming that, are you? No, these are all internal staff and internal employees, okay. existing employees of the MTA. Yeah, they're all, in the emails, they're speaking amongst each mm -hmm. other about this ongoing uh, um, arbitration, correct? Yeah, and if I may, with all due respect, I think you might be referring to the deliberative process privilege. And um, and if so, um, we don't find that that privilege applies because it's not tied to a specific decision before the executive. Um, yeah, I, I'm actually not, and I, I do know why you would think that that's where I'm, where I'm going here, but I'm just talking strictly about 1040. Mm -hmm. And uh, the problem with 1040 is that before you get to the balancing, there's just, there's an initial question, which, which is, uh, where was the confidential communication? And it's a very specific kind of confidential communication. And what you're saying is that the communications here were among people uh, who were on the negotiating team, correct? Is that, is that, is that fair to say? I, I don't know what you mean by negotiating team, but I can say they're labor relations uh, analysts okay. who would analyze it. But if I may respond. Among to, people at the, within the MTA, correct? Within the MTA. Okay, go ahead and respond. So in terms of 1040, the privilege is claimed by a person authorized by the public agency to do so. And the privilege is claimed by an executive at this point in time. And in fact, the next step is disclosure is against the public interest. And I'm not sure if I'm clear, but it, it's, I'm trying to decide or determine if you have questions about the second prong, which is the disclosure against public interest, or if you have a question about the first prong, which is the privilege is claimed by a person authorized by the entity to do so. I, no, I, I'm actually, and I understand your confusion because this 
this is a, a little bit complicated, but first, before you get to those prongs, you need to um, uh, demonstrate that there was something confidential, something confidential under 1040. And I think that, I mean, I can give you some, some case law if you want to look at it, probably the best, I'm not going to give you a big list of them, but uh, probably the best case is Shepard, the Superior Court. And that is, uh, let's see, it's at 17 Cal 3rd, 107. And if you satisfy that first prong, I'm sorry, the first <clears throat> confidentiality requirement, then you move into that balancing test, which that would be another issue for us. But I don't see that what you're telling me is that there's any communication other than um, within the MTA. And I'm sorry, I'm going outside questioning here, but I think it's, I'm just trying to get to what exactly we're talking about here. Okay, if, if I may then, yes, please. Um, if I haven't been clear, the emails at issue are in fact official information because the information in those emails was generated and exchanged in confidence among the parties to those emails, which were MTA employees. Um, and beside that, the exclusive body for hearing labor relations concerns, the Public Employer Relations Board recognizes a strict confidentiality and it's respected by both parties in, in the context of labor negotiations. So it is effectively by case law that these particular communications are in fact confidential. I, I have I have no further questions, um, but that case law that you're talking about, you didn't give that to us. You gave us 1040. Well, I can cite it. I mean, it's easily verifiable. It's PERB order AD 490, and this decision is dated January 7, 2022. Thank you. All right, this is Chair Yankee. I have a, a question for you. Um, I heard you mentioned the um, finding that the, the public interest withholding the information outweighs uh, the public interest in disclosure. And so my question is that admin code 6724 section I states that neither the city nor any office employee or agent thereof may assert an exemption for withholding any document or information based on a finding or showing that the public interest in withholding the information outweighs the public interest in disclosure. Um, so to me, that that portion of the Sunshine Ordinance would um, not allow that exemption to be asserted within the city and county of San Francisco. So perhaps you can expand upon how that is still being asserted in light of that uh, section that I read. Well, what I'm citing arises from the California government code and its state mandate under the public employer. Right. So, so the Sunshine Ordinance can it's, make additional stricter requirements on top of that. I, I realize that that is an exemption in the California Public Records Act, but the Sunshine Ordinance goes further than that. And in this case, that's portion of the Sunshine Ordinance specifically disallows that exemption that's existing in state law from being used in the city and county of San Francisco. So I don't see how you could assert that particular exemption before us. I would have, have a trouble with that. And so my, my follow-up question to that would be if that does, is not a valid exemption here. 
um, what other exemptions might you be citing? Um, and I guess if I could ask for clarification, are you saying that the evidence code 1040 is not a valid exemption? I, I was I, I was specifically referring to the, your comments that you made about the interest, the public, the weighing of the public interest. The evidence code, I, I know you asserted that also. I was just wondering if there's anything beyond, because those are the two that I heard, is that the evidence code 1040, which I know Member Schmidt kind of just talked to you about. Mm -hmm. And then I also heard the, the, the by, you know, for lack of a better term, the balancing test about public interest. And so mm -hmm. if that second prong, you know, isn't valid here, are there any additional exemptions that you feel that we should be considering? So what you're saying is the second prong being disclosure against the public interest is not um, considered by the Sunshine Ordinance. That's correct. And so meanwhile, the evidence code legal elements are privileges claimed by a person authorized by the entity. And so if you're making that conclusion, I guess I'm, I'm wondering whether you're even saying the evidence code 1040 applies to the Sunshine Ordinance. Right, I, I, I guess my question is that you, you cited multiple exemptions, right? You, you cited evidence code 1040. You also cited the public interest. So my question is if the public interest portion doesn't apply, do you feel that the evidence code 1040 exemption that you stated also applies to all the records. So we're like, we're, you mentioned some emails, right? We're like four of them under 1040 and three of them under public interest. Okay, I'm trying to figure out how, why you cited two exemptions and if we could, if one no longer exists, does the remaining one that you're citing still cover the full breadth of everything? Okay, and so I should clarify that I'm not citing two exemptions. In fact, um, I don't see the public interest balancing test as an exemption standalone. I see it as one of the legal elements for evidence code 1040. And so for 1040 to apply, you know, legally, we should show that the disclosure um, is by a person authorized to make that claim. And secondarily, we should show that there's a public interest that outweighs the public interest in disclosure. And so I cited at least one um, PERB case, which is state law. And then secondly, there exists a strong public policy protecting the confidentiality of labor negotiation strategy sessions. And so additional case you can consider is um, the Labor Relations Board versus Homer. It's a 1989 case, so it's a bit older than what I cited, but it's 132 um, Illinois 2nd, 29. And these principles for um, bargaining strategies are specifically listed as a public interest in public employee relations law in California, and even the Supreme Court would apply a confidentiality standard to these communications. Okay, that's all the questions I have, thank you. Okay. Uh, what was the first citation? Uh, you, you just talked about an Illinois case. Uh, are you saying that there's a, a California citation? The first citation is um, Pasadena, College faculty versus Pasadena area community college district. It's case number LA CE 6601 E. And it's companion order, the PERB order, which again has exclusive jurisdiction over labor matters, is order number AD 490. Um, this decision is dated January 27. Uh, what, what, um, 
What's the citation you just gave me is that's to a labor arbitration. Is that correct? That's the California Public Employee Relations Board, which again has exclusive jurisdiction over labor relations affairs and collective bargaining disputes. Okay. It's an administrative body with yeah. um, judicial powers, quasi judicial powers. But it, and you don't, you're saying that in that labor arbitration, which is something that it's not binding law to us. Uh, that they made a ruling on section 1040 specifically. No, under 1040, we're talking about a public interest. Um, prong inside of the 1040 number 1 disclosure against the public interest. And what I'm saying is. That the case law establishes that there's a strong public interest specifically stated in the case. That protecting labor strategy discussions is within. The public interest, and so it meets the prong of evidence code 1040. Um, let, let me make 1 clarification that um, I don't think that section 1040 would not apply here. If the facts were correct, I think that we are governed by section 1040. I, I I'm guessing that possibly chair Yankee. And I would disagree as to whether the local law can supersede. The evidence code of California that I think we would differ on, but I, I'm not, I wasn't quite clear as to. Whether he was making an assertion of that. Just Thank you. Could I simply add then that. Um, the whole point in the protection is because disclosing the strategy of the executive. Would give an unfair advantage to the labor, the unions um, in advance of discussions to be had. And like I said, we have a pending arbitration matter that has not been decided pending for the city attorney's office. In addition, we have collective bargaining uh, situations scheduled for June of 2023, which revealing this information would um, reveal the executive's decision process and, and considerations for strategy. No further questions. Thank you. Would you also like to make a comment? I'm sorry. So remember, remember, yeah, go ahead, remember, Rolf. Uh, so uh, let me let me ask a different question. I appreciate the discourse uh, thus far. Um, have you cited or provided any regulation to show that the uh, uh, the uh, citations of law and uh, case law overrides California Public Records Act? Uh, or is exempted from the California Public Records Act and or the Sunshine San Francisco Sunshine Ordinance. To me. Okay, if the question is directed to the agency, the answer is yes. And the code that we're citing is evidence code 1040. And does it say specifically in there that it the uh, it's exempt from the California Public Records Act? I don't have it in front of me at the moment, um, but it's a standard um, evidence code object exemption for CPRA as well as um, the Sunshine Ordinance. Because that's not that's not kind of what I'm hearing as your argument, as your as your defense. Uh, I'm hearing you trying to push the evidence code on us as being something that reigns 
or you know, uh, it kind of supersedes all. But there are specific exemptions in the in both the CPRA and the Sunshine Ordinance uh, about disclosure. And uh, if this is not one, then uh, we have to consider that. And I'm sorry, can I have clarification who's talking to me? Uh, Member Wolf. Okay, thank you. I was confused for a moment. <laughs> um, so, as a member, thank you for that comment. Um, I, I'm sitting here wondering, is the board telling me that evidence code 1040 is not applicable to the Sunshine Ordinance? And this, it, but this, is your, oh, okay. sir, this is your burden. It's not our burden. It's your burden to, to, to state to us that uh, you're bringing your defense at whether it supersedes this or is exempt from the CPRA. It's not, you know, we'll make a determination based upon your, your testimony and our findings. Okay. Um, then just to clarify, the, the primary position of the agency is that evidence code 1040 applies that the privilege is claimed by its executive who has the authority to claim the privilege and that it meets the requirement of the evidence code 1040 that disclosure is against the public interest because the communications include discussions about labor strategies, which are considered confidential. I just have a, one Sorry. question for the respondent. Um, this is member Stein. So are you aware that under the sunshine ordinance, um, if there is material that you believe is exempt in a public document that you are supposed to redact that material, but reveal whatever is disclosable within those documents. I personally am aware, um, I will say, however, you know, I'm kind of getting new to the circumstance. 1st of all, um, with this particular request and, um, the agency could be in a position to redact, um, although. I'm concerned particularly about the request because it specified um, that it should reveal who the participants are. And if I was going to redact, I would redact some of the executive names and their statements um, that I believe are protected um, discussions related to labor strategies. And so conceivably there could be a, a possibility of redacting it, although it wasn't presented with that option given that this meeting is now. So, okay. So, so there was, because it's safe to say there was nobody within SFMTA in reviewing this who looked at those emails with an eye towards, um, you know, what could be redacted and what could be revealed. Personally, I saw them for the first time as of today, and um, I think it's possible. Thank you. Do we have any other questions? All right, seeing none, we'll go ahead and move to rebuttals. So I'll let you uh, allow you three minutes and then we'll move on to the petitioner for three minutes and then we'll deliberate. So Cheryl, when you're ready to have Mr. Garcia begin, please let him know. You ready, sir? I'm, I'm sorry, I don't think I understand a rebuttal to. So if you have a, basically a, a three minute closing argument. Oh, okay, right? so. thank you very much. Um, 
We believe these emails are protected from disclosure under the official information privilege provided to public entities under California Evidence Code 1040. Evidence Code 1040 defines official information as information acquired in confidence by a public employee in the course of his or her duty and not open or officially disclosed to the public before the time of the claim the privilege is made. Here, the emails at issue are official information because the information in those emails was generated and exchanged in confidence among the parties to those emails. The parties are public employees that represent SFMTA management in connection with upcoming labor relations affairs, including arbitration and collective bargaining negotiations that would occur in, in potentially June 2023. The emails were generated and exchanged in the course of their duties, and the information discussed was confidential because it addressed management's side in upcoming negotiations about the SFMTA's bidding process for certain bus routes, and the SFMTA would not have provided this information to representatives of TWU 250, who again are the exclusive representatives on these issues, before the arbitration was complete. The arbitration is still pending, and there's also um, future discussions regarding the bid process scheduled in June. Um, under 1040, the public entity may refuse to disclose official information if, number one, the privilege is claimed by a person authorized, which in this case it is, or one of our executives authorized to do so, and number two, if disclosure would go against the public interest, that is, the public interest withholding outweighs the public interest in disclosing, and that under California law, um, there is a strong public policy protecting the confidentiality of labor negotiated strategy strategies in the state. And so on that basis, uh, we believe the evidence code 1040 applies to this request. Thank you. Okay, thank you. And then, uh, Cheryl, when you're ready, please let Mr. Cisneros know when he may begin his rebuttal. Mr. Cisneros, are you ready to begin speaking? Yes, I am, Ms. Leger. Um, Just to make it clear, I have not been involved in any labor proceedings since uh, April of 2021. I am not a union official. I do not sit on negotiations. I do not uh, sit on proceedings. And my last labor proceeding was in, I would say, early 2021 of, of April or May, way before this request was made. All proceedings were done with me. Thank you. Okay. I think we are done with rebuttal. So, members, it's our time to deliberate and formulate a motion. Public comment. We're not we're not in public comment yet. That will be after our motion. Uh, Vice Chair Wong. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I just wanted to point out uh, section sixty-seven twenty-one C of uh, the Sunshine Ordinance, which states that a custodian of public records shall assist a requester in identifying the existence, form, and nature of any records and informations or information maintained by etc. to uh, under the custody of the custodian. Um, so I, I just feel like we got way more information about the form and the nature of 
uh, the records that could have been disclosed today than is being shown in the packet. And so from my perspective, I think there may be a violation there. That's all. Okay, thank you. That's a good point, Member Wong. Um, Member Schmidt, go ahead, board. Well, I, I don't think I have anything new. Um, I think there's, I think there's this, uh, I, I don't have it in front of me, but I think if they had crafted the correct exemption, they probably would fall under an exemption. I think it's contained in state law. Uh, this is labor negotiations. I think, but I, but I, they insist on telling us that they feel 1040 is the protection that they want to rely upon. And I don't think that 1040 applies myself. Uh, so I think that I'd have to vote to find a violation here on, on that reading of the situation that I have. Member Wong, I, I also would agree with that particular violation. We have heard a lot more here today than what we were given before as to the nature of what's going on. And it's possible that the complainant, after having find, found out that there's seven emails and this is what they're about, maybe this, the complainant would say, hey, you know, okay, then I don't, I don't need that. So they wouldn't have to be pursuing this further if they knew what they were, what they should have been told before. And this is member Badanabhan, and I'd just like to add that uh, by their own admission, um, it is possible that they could have re re uh, released one or more emails with redactions. So I do believe that I also do find a violation. All right, I'll jump in. Uh, this is Chair Yankee. I, I'm, you know, pretty much on the same page as, as member Schmidt here. Um, I think that it's quite likely that these communications to some degree, either in full or in part, um, have exempted information because it is about labor negotiations. I fully agree that I don't think that evidence code 1040 is the proper um, exemption to rely upon. Um, and I think Vice Chair Wong brings up a great point that obviously, you know, bringing it down, but even if we saw that there were seven pieces of paper, that's a lot different. That's more information than if there's you know, a thousand of them, right? So there's something here that can be disclosed. And I think if the appropriate exemption were to be applied, and, and again, I don't think it's, it's our role to, to find and, and cite it for the respondents, that may have provided more information to the petitioner about why they were actually being withheld. Now we're hearing about you know labor negotiations and so forth. Whereas evidence content 40 does not really discuss labor negotiations. So that's kind of a, it doesn't really give a very clear reasoning behind why it might be um, exempt. Um, so when we go to formulate our motion, my concern would be, okay, you know, if we find a violation and find that, you know, 1040, if that is the route we do take, isn't the appropriate one. Um, most of the time we also, you know, want to include an order with our motion, right? And so 
while I do think there's a violation, I'm not sure I'm necessarily comfortable saying ordering them to turn these documents over in full either unredacted because I, I do think that there very well may be exemption, just not the one that they're being cited. Um, so that's kind of where I'm conflicted right now on how we should best proceed. Member LaHood? I have a question uh, um, actually, I think for membership, because this is a legal question. So do labor negotiations fall under contracts? Uh, the, if I, I'm not quite sure if I uh, understand the question, but I think I'll try to answer it. Mm -hmm. um, the negotiations here, I think, were uh, to, between the union and management to come to probably a renewal contract mm -hmm. of of what one or more unions agreements and so these are these are not uh sort of negotiations about an individual employee etc i think as i understand it this is about a uh, contract negotiation yes Right and, and right, it's okay. It's so the bargaining agreement. Right. So as a so then does this fall under? Yeah, I mean it's okay. So the final agreement must be disclosed, but the negotiations that get to that agreement. And and I, I did not. Coming in here, with my reading of the situation, I. Could possibly have uh, looked at the sort of the fine points of when you have to disclose certain aspects when it's a labor negotiation. Partly because I didn't really know why they're asserting 1040. Right, right. It didn't make sense to me. I was trying to figure out who's the confidential informant here, and it's just not. I, as far as I can tell, it doesn't apply. But um, I believe that. In general, the final contract is something, yeah, that, that's publicly disclosed. Uh, but a lot of the preliminary to that, either it's never disclosable or it might be undisclosable until the, a certain point, maybe right. after the final contract. Yeah. And yet that. The, the, all the rules on that, that I, they're somewhere, but we don't have them here today. And, and if I may jump into, it wasn't exactly clear to me if this was specifically about a contract. I heard uh, arbitration. So it could be uh, a, a handling of a particular grievance. It could be a matter going to the administrative law judge and labor negotiating or, or trying to talk about their strategy. It could be a meet and confer situation. Um, so I think there's a lot of Issues where labor may be involved, even outside of contract negotiations. Um, but like Member Schmidt said, without really having them provide us those exemptions and which ones may exist, and I suspect some do because otherwise, you know, it, it, the, the process would, would, you know, kind of fall apart. Um, but it's difficult to figure that out without having the, the proper citations. And that's where I'm struggling. Mr. Chair. Uh, Member Wolf, go ahead. Yeah, um, so I agree. I agree with with everything everybody's saying. Um, the one thing that I, 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 there's a lot of a lot of ways I've been researching this for this particular case, but based upon the 
the way the, uh, uh, the evidence has been presented and the testimony has been presented, there's nothing in 1040 that um, that discusses uh, an exemption from the California Public Records Act. Okay. Um, it does talk about uh, in 1041, it talks about something around, it, it's about identities of people and whatnot, uh, but it, it it's not quite the same. I mean, we're, that's talking about disclosure of the identity of informers in this situation, and that could be redacted, absolutely. Um, and without uh, disclosing the document, with without uh, and without withholding the uh, the document itself, they could present the document with the uh, uh, with the um, uh, with the redaction. Now, I agree with um, Chair Yankee that there may be some other exemption that exists out there, but they didn't present it, and so based upon their defense. I agree that uh, I think uh, we should move ahead on whatever violation uh, we think there may or, or may not be, um, but only specific to the code and regulations that they presented. Okay, does any, okay, thank you, Member Wolf. Do we have? Uh, Chair Yankee, I would also uh, follow your lead on the issue of whether we can order uh, the disclosure here, because it does feel, I have to, more of a gut feeling that this is, this is probably exempt material. I, right. I, Mr. Chair, just, just quickly, just in response to that, we can make whatever determination we want. They're, they have the opportunity to appeal it. And, you know, through us, if they come up with new evidence that uh, shows that that, uh, that uh, overrides our our uh, decision based upon their original testimony. That's yeah, our for, process. Yeah, for for me personally, I'm I'm you know thinking is is it worth trying to find a violation based on the claimed um, uh, exemption, which may fall under. 6727 and maybe something under 6726 for withholding being kept to minimum. And at that point, maybe sending it to compliance to see if they can formulate a more comprehensive or correct exemption and then have a recommendation back um, for a for a potential, you know, subsequent order on our part. But I, I, I would feel I would have a hard time voting for an order at this point to disclose, but I could see, you know, that there's a violation, you know, I, I believe, um, but that doesn't obviously get a resolution for the petitioner, you know, at the conclusion of this meeting. Can the petitioner say anything right now? Uh, not, no, we, we've already given you your, your time to speak. Chair Yankee. Yes, I would help. Um, uh, just in following along with that as well, um, you know, I, I, I've been, um, you know, looking at both section 67, 21 C, uh, obviously and 67, uh, 26, um, around, um, 
you know, masking, deleting, or otherwise segregating if, if it's, if, if there's an opportunity to do that. Um, my, 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 my question is if, if we were to, if we were to move forward with finding, you know, a, 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 a finding that there was a failure under those two codes, um, couldn't the, um, the, the, couldn't the, the, the member of the public just simply make a, another request for the same thing? Like, you know, add, so that there is no, there's no further action from our part except just finding that they were in, that they failed to comply. Yeah, we, we could, I mean, we could, we have a variety of ways we could do, we could, you know, say that there was a violation and not include an order. You know, that's something we could do. Um, I'm just trying to formulate the best strategy on that. I think we have a variety of options, you know, in front of us that we could consider. Those two at least seem obvious, even by the admission of, 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 of the of MTA. Do you want to formulate that into a motion? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. If there are no other comments or uh, from the I've not seen any, so why don't you? Okay. All right. Um, I will make a motion um, uh, to uh, to find that uh, uh, SFMTA is in violation of Sunshine Ordinance Section 6721C for failing to assist uh, the requester in identifying the existence, form, or nature of any records or information maintained by available to or in custody of the custodian, whether or not the contents of those records are exempt from disclosure. Um, and also section 6726 withholding kept to a minimum that no record shall be withheld from disclosure in its entirety unless all information contained in it is exempt from disclosure. Um, it, it does further go on and, and state that, that this is a, um, a common duty of a city employee and so that no fees shall be charged to the requester. And I know that was a lot, Cheryl. I, I think he was reading directly from directly the code. So just I, I was reading directly from okay. the yeah. So you can sixty-seven twenty-one C sixty-seven twenty-six. Do you want uh, just all of sixty-seven twenty-six? That that the, the it, it, yes, please. And sixty-seven twenty-one C. That is correct. No problem. Okay, so moved by Member Hill to violate find a violation of sixty-seven twenty-one C in its entirety and sixty-seven twenty-six. In its entirety. Do we have a second for that? This is Member Padmanabhan. I will second it. Okay. So moved by Member Hill, seconded by Member Padmanabhan. Um, if there's any discussion on that among the members, if not, we we'll move to public comment. Okay. Seeing none. Um, and, and just before we okay, before we move to public comment, I'll make one comment. So we'll find this motion. We'll issue our determination, and for all intents and purposes, at our point. This is this will conclude the matter, right? Cheryl needs to know when to close it. So we'll issue this and the, the file will be closed after this since we're not issuing a subsequent order for monitoring. Um, we can go through this again, like you said, if, if you know the requester wants to try again and we you know, start it up, but for our purposes, this would then close this file. Okay, just to be clear what we're voting on. It does seem like it yeah. opens up the opportunity for the public to resubmit their request. Potentially. Yeah. Okay. Or to have us reconsider, right? That's always all right. So that's where we're at. I'm going to open up to public comment. Uh, so, Victor, when you're ready for that. Uh, yes, I just like to note for uh, members of the public listening online that uh, we do not use the chat during this meeting. So if you need anything, uh, you need to make it make your comments during public comment uh, as we do not take uh, chat messages. Um, uh, we don't use chat during our meetings. Uh, okay. Just to answer the question publicly, the public comment calling number is on our agenda, along with the code for accessing that public comment line. 
Sorry, what is the phone number? Member of the public. Uh, sorry. We do have a member of the public at the podium. If you are online with us, you can press star three to raise your hand. Then in case you'd like to make a public comment or otherwise use the application to raise your hand. I will turn it over to Cheryl for in-person public comment. We don't have anybody online, uh, Mr. Young. We take it person first. In person first. Okay. Well, you have. I see a person at the podium. Uh, is that person? Yeah, he's ready. <laughs> yeah, uh, Mr. Hillier, are you ready to begin? Yes. Go ahead, sir. <clears throat> Thank you, Madam Clerk. Uh, I found the citation, um, but it's in this uh, version of the uh, Public Records Act that's dated March twelfth, two thousand and twelve. So it, the pages are yellow. They're so old. At this. Code, of course, you probably know, has been completely reorganized under, under 7,000 or something like that. So it's probably time to print it out again. But under this old version, uh, 11 years ago, section 6254 states, and I quote, except as provided in section 6254.7 and 6254.13, nothing in this order chapter shall be construed to require disclosure of records that are any of the following colon subsection k records the disclosure of which is exempted or prohibited pursuant to federal or state law including but not limited to provisions of the evidence code relating to privilege end quote back to you mr chair okay thank you do we have any other in-person public commenters see none uh victor can you let us yes. know about any online we have one person uh, for remote public comment. I will unmute them at this time. Would that be for uh, me, Roger? the petitioner? I've just unmuted Roger. Would you like me to public comment on this matter? Yes, can you hear me? Yes, we can. My name is Roger Marenko, and I have been listening in this entire um, agenda item. I was the president of Transport Workers Union Local 258 from the beginning of 2018 until the end of 2022. And along with that, I was actually also the presiding officer during both of the rounds of contract negotiations uh, during this time. I heard the SFMTA state that Andrew Cisneros had an upcoming um, labor proceeding of some sort. So I'd like to clear the record to state that any proceeding pertaining to Andrew Cisneros that he was involved in was finished before he made his uh, sunshine requests. So it would not have hindered uh, in any way, shape or form contract negotiations in a negative manner on behalf of TWU Local 258. Uh, moreover, if it would have benefited TWU Local 258, we would have even highly encouraged it even more. So I just wanted to set that straight for the record that any case pertaining to Andrew Cisneros, any proceeding that he was involved in was finished before he made his Sunshine Records requests. Thank you. Okay, uh, just checking my list to see if there's any other commenters. Uh, that completes public comment. Okay, great. Thank you, Victor. I will go ahead and close public comment. Uh, so members, any last discussion before we vote on this item? See no hands. Cheryl, when you're ready, can you please call the roll on this? Member Hill. Aye. Member Hill, aye. Member Pamanabhan. Aye. Member Pamanabhan, aye. Member Schmidt. Aye. Member Schmidt, aye. Member LaHood. Aye. Member LaHood, aye. Member Stein. Aye. Member Stein, aye. Member Hyland. Aye. 
Member Highland, aye. Member Wolf, aye. Member Wolf, aye. Vice Chair Wong, aye. Vice Chair Wong, aye. Chair Yankee, aye. Chair Yankee, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Nine in favor. Okay. And I think that concludes unless we have any other motions. Seeing none, uh, we'll go ahead and move on. Thank you to all the parties for attending this hearing. Thank you. Are we ready to call the next item? Chair Yankee? Okay, great. Did you need a break, Cheryl, or are you? Um, I, I got my water, so I'll be okay, okay. Right now. All right, so we'll go ahead and continue one more. Um, we'll probably take a break just so everyone knows after the conclusion of the, the next item. Um, but we'll go ahead and move on to item number eight at this point. Okay. Item number eight, file number 22006, complaint filed by Andrew White against the Department of Police Accountability for allegedly violating administrative code section 671. 6721, 6724D as a dog, by failing to respond to a public records request in a timely and or complete manner. On February 15, 2022, the complaint committee, <coughs> excuse me, the complaint committee moved to find that the task force has jurisdiction over the badge number, but not mediation issue, that the requested records are public and to refer the matter to the task force for hearing with the recommendation to find a violation of 6721B as in boy by failing to produce records in a complete and timely manner. Okay, thank you, Cheryl. And do we have both parties here? So I'm looking for Mr. Andrew White and someone from the Department of Police Accountability. You're from DPA, okay. And is Mr. White here? If Mr. White is online with us via telephone or the computer system, if you can raise your hand, it would be okay. I have found him. One moment. This is Andrew White. Can you hear me? Yeah, a lot better. Thank you very much. Okay, great. Um, okay. Um, just a second here. Hello? Okay. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, that sounds good. Nope, nope, that sounds good. Okay, right here. Is this better? Let me test it. One, two, three. One, two, okay, three. Okay, here we go. I had a speaker on. Okay, sounds good. I will turn you over to the task force. Okay. Okay, great. Thank you for, for both of us, uh, both of you for joining us. Um, and before we, we begin, I'm going to let the chair of the complaint committee, Member Schmidt, speak and give us a summary on this item. So, Member Schmidt. Yes, uh, the the information requested was simply the badge number of a certain officer. Um, I'm, first of all, this the is wrong. Was, no, no, hey, sir, this file number is, is incorrect, was, uh, sir. No, you got. Is that what you're saying? Talk. You got to let me talk, Member Schmidt. Okay, go ahead. The, I believe that the number was eventually provided, but we can confirm that. There's also a request of some kind that the task force get involved in uh, enforcing a mediation or something like that. And I think in the notes that there, there was a notation that our recommendation was that we just, we don't go there. That's not what we do here. That's. That's my re recall of the case. Uh, members of the committee, 
please add what what I missed. Yeah, I was not on the committee at that time. Okay. Yeah, I don't think you missed anything. Okay. okay. All right, so so we'll begin with Mr. White. Um, Cheryl, our clerk will let you know when you may begin. You'll have five minutes. So Cheryl, I'll turn it over to you. Mr. White, are you ready to begin speaking? Um, yeah, I'm a little confused here. I'm regarding file number 23033. Maybe I'm on a different schedule here. Um, yep, so sir, Mr. White, this is for yes. file 22006. Yeah, this one has already been I believe um, established is what I'm understanding. Um, I okay. Uh, I'm confused. I put in a different complaint. I do remember this one. There was that. There was. A, I received an email. Date filed three thirteen twenty three. Maybe I'm reading the email that's supposed to be on the next agenda, but uh, it's saying. It's, the attachment is to the email for the date of today, the hearing today, April 5th, and uh, the, the file number is 23033. So uh, I'm confused here as to why I'm looking at 22006. 22, Sir, what which email did you, so if you look online, the packet that we have Posted with the agenda. The agenda shows 22006. The attachments to it reference 22006. Can you explain which email you're referring to? Because it may have been an email that this task force didn't, didn't see. So Yeah, hold on a second here. There's two emails regarding Chair, that may be about it. I am thinking of um, uh, let me see here. Um, okay. Uh Complaint filed with the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force, file number 23033, and that email was sent to me on March 20th, 2023 at 2 p.m. Um, again. again, I believe that's about an upcoming committee Hearing okay. and so okay, we, maybe we have two the different. We have two different numbers going on here, and I think there may be one, and it may have been on our complaint committee, but I don't remember if your name was on it. But that may be what yeah, you know. on attachments because there's no specific date here. Um, respondent complaint, Ms. Uh, Mr. White. This is Member Hyde. Yeah. Maybe I can help clear this up for you. So. Typically, we have a two-stage two process, right? 22006 was heard on February 15th by the complaint committee, which Member Schmidt chairs, right? That's part of why you think this has already happened. That was just to get it to us, which is now the full task force. And that's why he was giving the summary. Now we're going to hear it in a formal manner in front of all of us. That's where we're at. Yep. So, so Mr. White here. So, if you look at, I, I'm looking at the email. This is. Well, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, let me keep finish. Okay, so um, our administrator sent an email out Monday, March 20th um, at 3.12 p.m. This was sent to you and, and everyone else who's on this agenda. Um, the subject line is SOTF notice of appearance, Sunshine Ordinance Task Force, April 5th, 2023, 4 p.m. room 408 City Hall, San Francisco, California, 94102. 
And then it lists the various cases in that case for you. Is the second one in the list and it lists file number 22006. So that's what we're hearing today. And that was the email. Okay, that's my opinion. So maybe, I mean, that's my opinion, but the emails were. Right next to each other, so maybe what I'm looking at is going to be on the next. The, the next meeting agenda, right? So are, are you prepared? This already been ran through 1, 1 time already, so I can kind of maybe wing it a little bit and keep it simple. Because this 1 is really, I, I was just. As you already stated, it was out of the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force's hands regarding mediation that's involved okay, sir, with GPA. All right. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to have Cheryl start the clock, and I'll have you. You have five minutes to speak specifically about this case. Okay. So she'll let you know when it's, you can begin. Mr. White, are you ready to begin speaking? Yes. Go ahead, sir. Am I ready right now? Yeah. May I speak? Go right ahead. Okay, with regards, I am a little off balance here uh, regarding the file number and the emails that I just explained. I guess the first, the next meeting, maybe I'll be a little bit more on point. So here we go. Because this one's already been ran through, um, but I appreciate you bringing it again. I suppose um, twenty-two zero zero six. Uh, these three different um, alleged allegations, I suppose, which have already been. I believe the mediation was the. Uh, was the main one and the next the, the file that I was confused about is also revolving around, I suppose, mediation with the whole kid and caboodle, but more of a case review and investigative um, hearing. So, with respect to this 1, 22006, um, it, it parallels uh, my confusion here. So, basically, just to add to policy and procedure and to keep it simple, um, 67, some of the codes I aren't going to add up here probably. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to scroll here to 6724, uh, which is even 6724, 6724D. I'm trying to look at the, look up the ordinance right now. But anyways, regarding mediation, um, I just, in policy and procedure, the mediation was denied and, and it's supposed to get, uh, the, the okie dokie from, from, from the officer and the complainant, which would be, uh, the public, uh, me or you know, the complainant, the public, uh, the civilian complainant, um, uh, against versus the officer. Okay. So mediation, um, adding to policy and procedure, uh, potentially, you know, in some angles regarding, the mediation process, I suppose, because it's, I, it seems to me that it's going to be very rare that uh, both the officer and the uh, complainants are going to agree to go into a mediation. And I don't, I don't know the mediation officers. I, I'm a little unclear as far as the policy going around their scope is concerned with how they're mediating the civilian public and the uh, officer. Related to the investigation, but that's again. So, I mean, I'm just trying to make a suggestion at this one because I, I must again, my balance is a little off, so it's pretty entertaining. And uh, then I'm going to wait for the next file number, which I'm really more concerned about, which revolves around the same aspect here. <laughs> so, I already got the badge number, which should have been given to me through the officers. That was kind of irritating, but hey, it gets like that, huh? So, um, with all due respect to the DPA, because that's what I was going to promote. With respect to the uh, file that I'm really trying to focus on, which will be next agenda um, for working with me, because I believe there's 
a window of complaint period for for you know about a two year window, and uh, you know so depending on when you come into a new city or whatnot, um, you're going to get kind of uh, uh, ignored and lied to, potentially maybe steered. Man, I don't know why it's probably potential uh, wrong jargon um, to use. Uh, but you know what I mean. So you got to wait a little bit to get a little bit under your belt when you're in a new city and get a little bit more respect, I suppose, um, in order to get simple information. So I'm just suggesting a little addition to the to the policy and procedure, which makes not a lot of sense because I don't have the uh, the proper um, ordinance sections stated in this complaint. 6424D, I believe, the one is I'm trying to. To promote in this one, but you say the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force has no mediation power. So I'm confused with that one, but I didn't expect to see this file number, really. So I'm, I'm done with that. I'm done with my speech. Thank you. I'm sorry to be promoting confusion more so than, than respect for the, for the DPA as far as handling particular situation. Not in this particular case, I would say so. Less uh, was received, but the star number should have been really simple. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, but I guess I got that's how it is. Okay, thank you, Mr. White. I have to run yep. it two times, three times sometimes, I guess. I don't know. Chair. Uh, yep. May, may, may I speak? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, yes. I. Yeah, this is uh, Member Schmidt. I would say to expedite it, seems to me that possibly uh mr white would be willing to dismiss this because he already got the badge number and now he's clear that his his dispute will be heard in a subsequent hearing on his remaining issues so i you know that's just for me to, to the task force just a suggestion that he might be willing to dismiss this and we wouldn't have to go through the full hearing. Sure. Okay. So, so Mr. White, um, did you hear yeah. Member Schmidt's question? Yeah, uh, clearly, now yeah. you know that there's two files, one for your more recent complaint and this one. Did you want to proceed with the hearing for this complaint? The one before us right now, not the other one, but this one. Uh, no, uh, this one can be, I guess, Scrapped. It's filed away. It's regarding a closed file. So I like the fact that this was a closed file and you brought it back up because that's what's going to happen with respect to the next file that I'm uh, in the nutsh and, and, and uh, I guess we right. can't kaboom. So, okay, so Mr. White, just yeah, to clarify, it's fine. I'm done. I'm done with this. Okay, so so um, Mr. White, just to clarify how this will this works, and so that might be where there was some confusion. We typically hold two hearings. The first one is just at the committee level. Um, so okay. that will be to try to get the facts of the matter um, sorted out okay. to make sure that there's a finding of jurisdiction. And if the committee finds it should be forwarded on to the full task force, then it gets forwarded on for a second hearing. So you probably get note. I don't know where the other one is. Um, maybe Ms. Leger can communicate with that with you later. But it sounds like the first one is the, is the committee, and the second one is what for the hearings? Two hearings? Right. So after the committee, then it gets forwarded on to the full task force. Okay. So yeah. Okay. So that's what's the, the course it will take for the um, for the other one. And so I think for this one, it sounds like you want it dismissed. And so unless a task force member objects, I think your your statement speaks for itself, and we can just go ahead and and stop this proceeding at this point. Okay. Okay. 
So thank you for joining us. Ms. Leger will be in contact with you regarding your other open file. Okay. Thank you for confirming. I appreciate it. Okay. Thank you. We'll go ahead and put this matter. Mr. Um, Yankee, just yes. just note, I get, this is Victor Young. Yes. I'd like to note that the official action will be withdrawn. And we should probably still allow public comment on this matter since it was on our agenda. Sure, sure. Let's go ahead and do that. We'll go ahead and open this up for public comment. If there's anybody who'd like to make public comment on this matter that has been withdrawn, you can raise your hand uh, by pressing star three if you're on the phone or otherwise using the application to raise your hand or approach the podium. I'll give everyone a few moments to so indicate. Okay, I have no indications for public comment at this time and I believe we can go ahead and move on to the next item. Okay, so I will go ahead and close public comment and consider this this matter closed. Um, we don't want to make a motion to close. No, there's no need to. Okay, it, it's been withdrawn. Okay, so um, unless there's any objection, I think it's probably worthwhile to take a short break here, um, so that no one's getting up during uh, Mr. Hillier's complaint. So I will go ahead and recess us until seven o five p.m. That's a ten minute break. Um, Cheryl, if you can go ahead and turn off the microphones in the room as the recorder will still be running. Get three. Let <laughs> me figure out how to turn.
Microphone's on. Okay, we're going to resume the meeting. It's 7.08 p.m. Uh, just to be clear, if Member Wolf could identify himself just as being present um, since we can't see you here and your camera's not on. Okay, great. <laughs> so we are all back, looks like. Um, so Cheryl, when you're ready, uh, per our motion earlier, we're gonna call item number 12 next. Item number 12, file number 23039, complaint naming the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force and or its committees as respondent. Okay, and then the uh, parenthetical notation. Oh, pardon me. Pursuant to Sunshine Ordinance Task Force complaint process, B5, lowercase b, the task force will informally review and discuss a complaint filed, a complaint submitted by Winship Hillier against the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force and or its committees. Okay, um, so just a quick rundown of how I envision will handle this. If anyone from the task force wants to jump in and propose a different process, please feel free. But this, since this isn't an ordinary complaint, we kind of have to, to wing it here. Um, so my intention is to give Mr. Hillier five minutes to present his case um, as anyone normally would. Obviously, since it's against the task force, there's no respondent, and I don't think there's a need for a back and forth here. Um, so what we'll do is right after Mr. Hillier's presentation, I'll go ahead and open up to public comment in case members of the public have additional information they want to share. Um, as we've noticed, noted, this is a discussion only item, so there will be no actual motion. But after we hear the input from Mr. Hillier and we hear it from members of the public, we're certainly free to deliberate. And if any member of the uh, task force feels that we need to take a formal action, they can certainly let me know and we can put it as an action item on a future agenda, right? If it's something, let's say, that our bylaws need to be changed or the complaint procedures need to be changed, that will be noticed as a separate action item in a future meeting. Um, if it's something minor, like an administrative thing that we can just you know, handle administratively, we can discuss that if need be. But there will not be a, a formal motion at the end of this. So there's no objections to that pathway. I will let Cheryl let Mr. Hillier know when he can begin with his presentation. Mr. Hillier, you begin to speak? Ready to I'm ready. Okay. You have five minutes. Go ahead, sir. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Um, just so you know, this is just separate and distinct from uh, what I spoke about during general public comment. Um, and the, the papers that need to be passed out regarding uh, an amendment to your bylaws and complaint procedure. This is a different issue. Um, and it's a discussion only item because I don't think you need to make any amendments to your bylaws or complaint procedure. You just need to do things differently. Um, so this is about um, SF admin code section 67.7a, the second sentence thereof, and I don't have it quoted, but uh, um, basically it requires that um, each item on the agenda include the proposed action or a statement the item is for discussion only. And I don't think you're complying with it, and uh, it sounds like, it, I think that's a really bad thing because you have in your, your um, bylaws article 5 section 1 it says uh, minutes minutes shall be taken at all meetings of the task force and its committees and shall comply with the provisions of the San Francisco sunshine ordinance that apply to charter boards and commissions dot 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 
Um, and you're not a charter board and commission. So why would you want to comply with something that you don't have to? It's because you're holding yourselves out as a model. You want to be able to say to charter boards and commissions, do as we do. Look how we do things and, and, and see if you need, if you need uh, an example of how to do things correctly. And this makes it particularly bad when you don't comply with something that you are required to comply with um, because it makes it look like to, to other boards and commissions who are looking to you for guidance uh, as a model, either explicitly or in, inexplicitly, that this section or this sentence of section 67.78 doesn't have to be complied with. You can just ignore it, which is what the Behavioral Health Commission and many other boards and commissions around the city do. So it's particularly important for you in particular to comply with it. And this agenda, for instance, doesn't comply with it. I'll, I'll start with number nine, file number 2021128, complaint filed by Maria Schulman against Mayara Ruski against the DOSA and the San Francisco Public Utilities Commission dot dot dot. It just needs a little tweak. It just needs a verb. Okay, if, for an English speaker coming to your meeting for the first time, looking at this, it just, it's a verb, it's a noun phrase. It's just a thing. It doesn't say what you're proposing to do, which is what the, sec the sentence requires. So you need to say, find a violation. <laughs> <laughs> Those words, that verbal phrase needs to be in with all the complaint items. And that's, that's one part of compliance. The, the second part of compliance, and there are three parts of, for compliance with this sec, uh, sentence, is that you have to actually make the motion during the meeting. Okay, you need to learn enough parliamentary procedure to know how to handle a motion when other, in other case, what we, when what you currently do is just not make the motion um, like you did on the last item. Um, so you need to know how to dispose of motions and so forth. Once you make a motion in parliamentary procedure, you then have to dispose of it. And that can be either through a final vote on the motion, up or down, but it can also be a secondary motion. What happens when a secondary motion is somebody makes a motion to find a violation. And by the way, that notice, even though it says find a violation, you might not want to find a violation. You might want to find that there is no violation or, or um, uh, close the file. Take no action and close the file, right? That's what your bylaws say, Article 11, or Article uh, 4, Section 11, Sentence 7, Paragraph 7. That's what it says you can do. You can do all of those things. All of those are within finding a violation. Okay, if it says on the agenda, find a violation, then you can find no violation because that's within the scope of finding the violation. Finding the violation is the biggest scope thing. And you can't go outside that scope, but you've got to stay within that scope. Ah, I'm, I'm running out of time. Um, you, you, you move a secondary motion by, after the main motion is moved, somebody says, I move to postpone this to whenever. And then you can debate that and then vote on that. And if that passes, then the item is disposed of. But there have to be two motions. And finally, well, I'm out of time. I don't get to cover the third thing. Sorry, back to you, Mr. Chair. Okay, thank you, Mr. Hillier. Um, at this point, I will go ahead and open it up to public comment on this item, if any member of the public would like to weigh in on this topic. <clears throat> So, Victor, I'm not seeing anyone here. Do we have anyone online? 
Sorry, give me a moment. Uh, if you'd like to make public comment on this matter, you can raise your hand by pressing star three or otherwise using the application to raise your hand. I'm not seeing any indications of uh, uh, additional speakers. Okay, thank you, Victor. I'm gonna go ahead and close public comment then and turn it over to the members for discussion. Member LaHood. Uh, um, Chair Yankee, may I ask Mr. Hillier to give us a brief summary of his third point? Sure, if you'd like to do so. I would like to do so. Mr. Hillier, could we please have a brief summary of what you were going to make as your third point? Why, why don't, if I may suggest, yeah. just so it's not arbitrary. Yes. Um, why don't we make a motion to allot a certain additional amount of time? Just okay. so it's clear cut. Uh, I'd like to make a motion to allot uh, two more minutes for Mr. Hillier to explain his third point. Okay, I'll second that motion. It's a simple motion. We can do it by uh, voice vote. We'll, we'll take public comment on that. If there is any public comment. <laughs> All right, seeing no public comment on this, I'm assuming, Victor, you're not seeing any hands on that. I do not see any hands. Okay. Who was seconded? I did. Okay. Okay, so we'll just take that by a, a voice vote. All in favor, say aye. 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 Okay. So and ask for no's. Any no's? Okay. Steer your hearing none. That motion passes unanimously. We're we'll a lot you an additional two minutes. Let me know when I may begin. You ready, sir? I'm ready. Okay, thank you, Madam Clerk. Um, I actually did cover all three. <laughs> the number one, just to review, this is good. It gives me a chance to wrap it up. Um, number one is there's gotta be a proposed action on the agenda for each item that is not discussion only. And if it's discussion only, it has to say for discussion only. Um, it has to be moved at the meeting and it has to be disposed of in some way, either through a final vote or through passing a secondary motion that's a dispositive motion. Um, and let's see, is there anything else um, while I still have time that you would like me to, to go into more detail on? I just wanted to make sure that you, we closed out everything. If you don't need more time, I'd like to give the other task force members a chance to ask questions. Back to you, Mr. Chair. Okay. Thank you. Sorry about taking so much time. I just want to make sure we did it <laughs> by the book. Okay. Since that's where we're kind of talking about doing it. All right. So that being said, task force members, it's, it's up to us to discuss. Uh, this is Vice Chair Wong. I guess a question. So the way that our agendas are currently listed, you know, we have subsection A for each agenda item or not each, but many of the files. <clears throat> and afterwards, it says hearing on the complaint discussion and action. So I'm curious if you're looking for a kind of a um, further expansion upon that. Like, could we say discussion and action, which is to find a violation? Is that what you're looking for? You're looking for even more than that. Um. Well, discussion and action really isn't necessary. The, the, like I like I said in the original complaint, there's sort of two requirements. It, it, there's a dichotomy requirement. You have to break each item into either the 
discussion only category or the action category. But once it's in the if it's in the action category, you have to further say what the action is, and that's that's my my objection. It does it is clear that these are action items, but it doesn't say what the proposed action is, and all non discussion only items need to need to say that. Back to you. Thank you. I have a question or comment. Um, go ahead, Member Wolf. So, <clears throat> we are not like any other chartered commission. We are quasi-judicial. Um, we are maybe similar to like the Board of uh, Permit Appeals or the Ethics Commission when they're dealing with a, uh, a, com a complaint or a compliance issue against a public official or lobbyist or, or what have you, um, where they're dealing with a uh, more of a uh, kind of a, uh, a punitive uh, type of uh, complaint or result. So that, you know, the way we have to proceed is somewhat similar in that kind of way. We cannot presuppose what a, a motion may or may not be. Uh, if if we were to follow uh, Mr. Hillier's suggestion, then every agenda would have to pose three uh, motions. Three proposed uh, actions. One would be to find violation, one to be file find no violation, and one to um, to uh, you know dismiss it or close it without prejudice. Um, and that means every agenda would have to list that. I don't believe that that's necessary. Uh, I think if it if it it shows what the uh, the complaint is the complaint itself is the actual proposal. It is a complaint being brought forward with a proposed uh, uh, to propose a violation. Okay, and our determination based upon our bylaws and our charge is to find whether there is a violation or there is not a violation, and it's a simple as that. I don't believe that it it, it re requires anything more than that because we're not proposing like a legislative language, you know, that kind of thing or an ordinance of some sort. Uh, we are adjudicating between two parties. So it's kind of hard to then presuppose or propose what an action may be because during the course of testimony, which is evidentiary, it's discovery, we may find that there's something else may happen. So under Mr. Hillier's premise, if we find that it was something else than what was being presented as the complaint, then we would have to continue the item and then have to re-agendize it with the proper uh, notation or citations. And that is uh, burdensome. And I think it's uh, unnecessary. And I'll stop there. Thank you, Member Wolf. Other members? May I respond to that? Uh, no, not at this point. Um, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in and kind of talk about my thoughts on this. Um, to the first part of what Mr. Hillier suggests, I don't think it's necessarily a, a 
a bad thing. It probably is a good thing to expand a little bit upon what we currently have on the agenda. I mean, currently we say hearing on the complaint discussion and action, right? Um, I could see either keeping an item A hearing on the complaint and then an item B that says something like find potential violations of the Sunshine Ordinance, Brown Act, or California Public Records Act. Because those are the only three types of violations really that we can find, right? That's our jurisdiction. Um, and leave it at that. I mean, I think that if you want to say that it doesn't include a better description of the proposed action, I would be comfortable with something like that. But to Member Wolf's point, I think that you know, proposed action doesn't mean proposed motion, right? I don't think that we should be including proposed motions um, in here because, you know, for, for the variety of reasons that Member Wolf discussed. Um, and moreover, it would give the, the chair, you know, a considerable amount of power over what each agenda is. I mean, I would have to come up with, or whomever is the chair would have to come up with a list of motions that all of you are most, you know, forced to take every meeting. Um, and as Member Wolf said, you know, there's a lot that comes out when we hold these uh, hearings that, you know, we didn't know at the beginning. So I, I don't think that that's what the, you know, what the Sunshine Ordinance envisioned that we put predetermined motions that members are forced, forced to take votes on on the agenda. And I, I looked at the Ethics Commission, uh, the Board of Appeals, the Rent Board, um, the Planning Commission, and, and none of them are doing this, right? And I think that, I don't think that that putting Pre-worded motions on agendas that the presumably the chair would would make up because he's the one who makes or she is the one who makes up the agenda really advances the purpose of open government. I think it does need to be clear though what type of potential actions might be taken. Right. So, like I said, I I, I think there, there's a valid point that we could be a little bit more expand upon what potential violations we consider, um, but beyond that. Um, for the reasons Member Wolf des described, I, I, I'm leery about going further than that. Um, that's my thought. Chair Yankee, I have a question for you. When you say expanding upon possible violations, so I'm looking at this and I'm seeing the complaints and I'm seeing the section numbers listed. Are you suggesting that we spell out what those are for people who may not be familiar with the Sunshine Ordinance? Or are you saying that we should spell out that hearing on the complaint possible finding of violation, no violation, or disposing of. Right. Um, so I, I'm just suggesting as part of item, let's say, you know, we have hearing on complaint. I'm literally suggesting we add like the phrase to find potential violations of the Sunshine Ordinance, Brown Act, or California Public Records Act. Or we, or we could put the burden on the complaint itself and say to consider validity of complaint. See above. Or to consider, or yeah, or consider, you know, validity, validity <laughs> of the filed complaint. Yeah. And leave it at that, right? I think that would accurately describe the proposed action, but I don't think we need to take put a specific motion that's being proposed. I think that solves what needs to be solved. I don't know if other folks think about that. Just um, member Schmidt here. Uh, the the one thing I saw here is that I guess the proposal or, or the proposed action. One way you could read that term proposed action is that that could be, you know, uh, you, you make a motion and you decide to do find a violation, this violation, that violation and, and that. So, any proposed action. I mean, you could 
you could come up with 100 proposed actions in one hearing. Uh, but it's there's another reading that, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sympathetic to um, what, uh, what's been brought before us here, but I think that the proposed action, you could say, is having the hearing. And so um, we're acting uh, by hearing a case. In a hearing, you you don't you know you don't say okay we're going to have a proposed action. Or first we're going to have opening statements, then we're going to have questions. I mean, if you wanted to list every possible aspect of what we do in a hearing, you could say that all of those are proposed actions that we take. But another reading of this in the context is that. The hearing itself, we say we're having a hearing, and there's a lot of things that can happen in the hearing, but it's a hearing that's done according to Robert's rules of order. Maybe that's the action, and so we are satisfied with that way. That's alternative reading. No comment. Go ahead, Member Hill. Um, thank you, Chair Yankee. Um, I guess one of the questions I would have is uh, about this is, and it's something that I'm still trying to actually understand. Um, a lot of times, or I even see this, you know, on on file number twenty two zero one today, where there was a recommendation uh, that came out of committee um, they, they're, they're to recommend a violation under Administrative Code Sunshine Ordinance sixty seven twenty six. Um, you know, th that was one of the things I was actually kind of like hoping for, even without having this conversation. Like, you know, could that be brought forward? Um, so when a recommendation comes out of committee and it and it's brought to here, then that's what we're that, that's the possible action. Um, um, uh, you know, so you know, could and, and I'm you know in, in a regular sort of like you know council committee you know kind of situation, it would go into committee, they would make a recommendation, and it would come out, and you would see that recommendation very clearly on the you know on the on the full board um, uh, and and you know, with, with a recommendation to take this particular action. Um, uh, you know, so I feel like there's almost sort of like information that we already have. Um, in this case, it was listed here. It's like, and to recommend a violation or administrative code section 6726 for that 1 for the item previously mentioned. Like, could it just be a, could, could it, could we just, um, state that in a way it's like, shall the, shall the full board find. That SFMTA is in violation of essentially like repeating what comes out of the committee. As the, as the, as the potential action, because because that at that point, then it, it, you know, we can. And I, the other thing I just want to mention is like, do we really need to say discussion? Because every action that you take needs to have a discussion. Unless it's just a discussion. Yeah, I mean, I thought that too, but discussion, I'm okay with discussion and action. There are definitely times when we only want discussion. Like I brought things yeah. to the of course, task yes. force mm -hmm. where it's really only for discussion. There's no action. I feel like the. One of the issues that's underlying all of this is what's happening in committees and what the results of committee meetings are, right? So, like, the way we handle it in complaints, I often see the action is this decision to forward to the full task force, but it may not be clear to all the participants who come, particularly the petitioners, that this is the role of this committee. It's just to take an action that might 
you know, take this to the full task force with a recommendation. And that might be kind of frustrating, I think, on the part of petitioners. I also got this sense of frustration about, you know, going through the compliance process. If you have a hearing scheduled for compliance and it just moves to another hearing after that, and there's no specific action or, you know, being taken with that complaint if it's not been fully complied with it. Again, that's where the frustration is that you're having this kind of almost like a hearing, but there's no action at the end of it. You're just sort of coming back again later and continuing to monitor. So um, I feel like a lot of the, the problems around this are happening maybe in committee more than the full task force as a whole. And it does kind of, um, you know, raise a question of, you know, what are we doing in those committees? What are the potential actions at the end? And do we want to, um, you know, force action more quickly, say, in some place like compliance, where first time you have a compliance hearing, it's not there. Okay, the action is it goes to ethics. Um, you know, as opposed to nothing in particular uh, specific happening there. I don't know. Uh, Member Stein's point uh, and, and to yours, you know, I, I think that's an interesting you know, discussion. And I think we kind of see that a little bit with the way we've been building the consent agenda. So, for example, on yes. this one, we have, you know, item number 11. And we basically put the motion of what the committee is and say, should we just adopt this right without having a hearing? Um, Whereas the other items that aren't forwarded as consent items, it's almost like a, it's a springboard for our discussion, but I'm not sure it's necessarily as binding as the consent agenda items. Um, not to say that, that we couldn't list that as potential action. Um, but I don't know if we want to necessarily limit it to that type of you know vote or discussion either that we have to somehow consider a yes or no to what the committee said. Um, Whereas in the consent agenda, consent agenda item, obviously that's what we're doing. We're either adopting that or we're, we're saying no. We're you know it, it, it's not that. Uh, if, if I may, show Yankee. Oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. Just in response to that, I yeah. know that Member Wolf wants to speak also. Um, yeah, I, I think in those scenarios, you might be looking at something like um, you know sometimes the, so the possible actions out of committee could be yes, there's jurisdiction, no recommendation. Yes, there's jurisdiction. Here's our recommendation. Yes, there's jurisdiction. This is a recommendation, and we would like to place it on the consent um, uh, as sort of like the three sort yeah. of possible things that could come out of committee. That because it, I mean, consent at the end of the day, it's like any per, any single person could actually just take it off of that, you know. So it, it, it it's it's sort of like strong recommendation that you just do it. Um, uh, but you know, so that that's what I was you know kind of kind of thinking as well is that like we could we could take something like those three potential things that come out of committee and place it as sort of like you know, again, like shall the full task force find so and so, because it, it, at the end of the day, that it, we could decide not to. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, I think uh, Member Wolf wanted to say something. Member Wolf, for you on board to to talk? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll turn over to you. Um. So you know, while I'm all for you know, is giving helping the public and everybody else understand what we're doing. Uh. And, you know, more is more is better in, in a lot of ways. But I, you know, I wanted Mr. Hillier's premise again, focuses on the ordinance itself and what the ordinance says. And if we look at the ordinance in that way, if we want to take it from that, you know, take his premise uh, straight on. In 67.7a, it's very clear. It says, the policy body should post an agenda containing a meaningful description of 
each item of business to be transacted or discussed at the meeting. Agendas shall specify for each item of business the proposed action or a statement of the item is uh, for discussion for uh, discussion only. Okay, the description is meaningful. It is sufficiently clear, alerts the person of average intelligence, so on and so forth. Mike, I think what's being hung up here is on the word for what is the proposed action. Okay, I think that's what Mr. Hillier is focusing on. And I, the complaint itself is the action. The complainant is saying, I'm alleging that there's a violation. And that's the action that the task force starts off with. They, the, the task force is always held that the complaint uh, is considered to be, uh, you know, valid until it determines by whatever uh, the, the process of discovery is that we, uh, you know, are uh, convinced otherwise, that it's not a violation. So I, I'm not sure that a specific proposed action needs to be necessarily stated because it's implied already. And I'll stop there. Thank you, Member Wolf. Uh, Member LaHood? I'm trying to remember exactly what I was going to say. Um, I actually, a little bit to what member Hill was talking about, about, well, this is what happens in committee. I think compliance and amendments is a little bit different because yes, we, we make orders of determination and then things go to compliance and for ensuring that agencies are complying with our orders of mm -hmm. determination. Sometimes it does take more than one time because we'll, you know, we'll ask the petitioner, did you get what you asked for? And they'll say no. And then we speak to the agency, why didn't you give them this? And then they'll say, well, we didn't understand that that's what they wanted. And then we'll ask them to do a different kind of search and we'll ask them to, you know, review signal messages and tell us whether the signal messages were set to disappearing. And it, it becomes a little more complicated at the end of the day. Yes, we want compliance with the orders of determination and with the sunshine ordinance. But I think what we're also trying to do is give satisfaction to the petitioners to either get them the documents or to get agencies to comply with patterns of behavior. And I think sometimes, and in fact, I, I know the case involving uh, Mr. Hillier most recently, Maybe we hung on to it for too long in compliance and we should have sent it to uh, EOTC earlier because I think it was really an issue of there needing to be some more training um, with how uh, meetings were being being handled there. Be happy to discuss that maybe in a different forum, um, but I don't know. I just wanted to get a little bit at how compliance is a little bit different than just Okay, you came in, you didn't comply, send it to ethics, because I don't, I don't think that that is necessarily going to get the petitioners what they want, because I think we're just sending them into purgatory there. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, and no offense, some things do happen, but I think a lot of the times we're actually doing them a disservice by sending it off too quickly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's an important point is that a lot of times it's more of an interactive process, right? Yeah. That we're working back and forth, and I don't, you know, I think to, to you know, what Member Wolf said is, you know, I don't think we want to lock ourselves into a particular motion and the fact that it is a hearing mm -hmm. kind of is implied that we're trying to find a resolution for the complainant. Um, and so, yeah, that, that that's where I struggle with this is, you know, it, you know, we do want to be clear that we're, you know, potentially finding violations, potentially trying to help this, you know, process move along. But I also don't want to see it where we're making specific, like, 
one specific action, then it goes to a meeting, you like decide not to take that. Now we have to re-agendize for the next one. Right? And it could be, you know, if, if we go through that process, it could be in compliance and amendments for, for years as we go through each motion at a time and notice each motion, right? And I don't think that serves the public interest, right? That's not helping to find a resolution or to get records more public. That's just just not not a good use of anyone's time. So I don't know what the answer is necessarily. I mean, I'm open to, I think, you know, as, as I put the agendas together with, with Sheriff, we think that there's, you know, kind of language we all have general consensus about that we think should or shouldn't be included. I'm, I'm open to doing that, but I, I'm not sure otherwise there's, there's much to do. Could I ask one more question? Do we have any advice from council on this? I feel like this has sort of come up in a lot of different ways, but do we have any clear guidance? We don't. Okay. No. Chair Yankee? Yeah. Uh, you know, just to kind of you know, mm -hmm. close out the comments that I made, everything that I had mentioned is information that is already on the agenda. Um, um, you know, so that was just one thing I wanted to point out. Um, and one quick question uh, that I think it may be related or not, but I've always wondered, um, you know, when, when we refer uh, complaints to committee um, and they come out of committee and we take them up at the full board, um, um, why is there a reason or is there a, 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 is there a reason why we don't actually bring it up in this full board and then refer it to? Uh, to, to the committee um, and, and and I'm wondering if that reason is because we aren't because we because because we were sort of quasi judicial like like what was mentioned before I'll give you my best answer but please uh, member Highlander member wolf jump in if because you know some more of the history than I do but I believe it was kind of twofold number one that there's the 45 day deadline right and so we only meet once a month and so we couldn't hold extensive hearings on all the complaints and meet that 45 so day okay. deadline. So we thought that, you know, my understanding is that there's a certain amount of work that the committees can do since it's a smaller group and there's multiple committees meeting at multiple times <laughs> that they can get that first deadline met. And then secondly, that um, I don't think we want to hear it here, the committee, and then back here again. And obviously the task force as a whole, I think the thought is has to make a determination right now, just a select group of the task force. <laughs> and having starting committee, sometimes when we get the complaints there, you know, I'm sure Member Schmidt, Member Stein, Member Wolf could talk about are hundreds of pages, right? And it's not exactly, you know, clear where the complaints heading. And so I think they do a lot of work on kind of directing um, us when we hear it, so that it doesn't turn into like a two, three hour hearing here, and we kind of focus more in on their fact finding beforehand. But please, Member Highland and Member Wolf, if I missed something, let me know. Uh, Member Highland here. No, no, you pretty much have it. I mean, we we. One was the 45 day rule just to show that we had indeed taken it in process in that required 45 day time. And the other, uh, the other reason was just to really get apples to apples and oranges to oranges so that all the pieces were there. We could have a full informed discussion at the full task force. Um, I, 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 this is going somewhere, I promise. Um, <laughs> Um, and normally, what I would have expected, I was like, if we, if we're, if we're sort of like looking at, you know, public meeting, uh, you know, uh, and Robert's rules of order and those types of things, like the whole purpose of doing an in the introduction is not actually to have a discussion; it's just simply to refer it to committee, um, uh, and and so there would be no action on the, you know, essentially what I'm saying is that like, you know, should we list it? it, it 
I'm trying to find out if there is a reason why we shouldn't list it and shouldn't be following those same types of rules that that, that Mr. Hillier is also kind of referring to, like, why aren't you following Robert's rules of orders? Um, uh, you know, in in this case, like, why don't we um, uh, why don't we introduce all of the complaints that we're about to refer to committee simply by just by having them on the the full board agenda and referring them to committee and that be the only thing that we do? Um, uh, uh, you know, is there a reason why we don't do that? And is that reason similar to why we don't why we don't have normal sort of like this is the recommended motion that we are going to take because we have these there are other reasons uh, besides you know just the standard you're a public meeting um, uh, you know that's making policy decision um, and that's not something that we are necessarily doing right um, oh uh, I didn't see there <laughs> go ahead member Wolf yeah so. I I just wanted to just to respond to member Hill's uh, uh, comment is that um, it, it's, you know, the, the basic operation of the meeting is Robert's rules, but our, our own uh, uh, bylaws and the ordinance uh, guides us at the same time. So the way Robert's rules is a guide um, depicts how an agenda should be created is not the same as how the ordinance describes how an agenda needs to be created. So we use Robert's rules as a baseline, but there are other extenuating circumstances and conditions that govern the way we must proceed. Now I will say in history, <clears throat> when I first came to the task force, there was a five member complaint committee and they did a full hearing adjudication within 45 days with a result. But that result was only a recommendation to the full task force. The full task force then had to do another full hearing because the other brains in the room had, weren't present for the complaint committee and they may have a different idea on what the outcome should be. And that was painstakingly uh, was painstaking for the parties and for all of us because we had to show up twice for this, almost the same thing and uh that that's why we do the, the we do it the way we do it now uh where we just try to dispose of the 45 day rule as quickly as possible and make a determination of whether the records are public but the full discovery uh, and, and the allowance of the respondent to uh, declare, uh, you know, some other argument and other outcome uh, comes out during this body when we meet full time. So I, I just wanted to provide that for folks not familiar how the way things were and why things are now. Um, but I think, you know, whatever the recommendation of a committee is, it, it's a recommendation and you could take it. You could take it on face value or you could take it wholly, you know, and, and make it that way. But I think in the end, there is, we give people an opportunity to provide additional evidence five days before the meeting happens. And that might change the entire outcome of what the committee had heard. And so that's why trying to make all the, as much of the discovery and decisions here at this particular time, once a month, 
is it, it really I think helps move the process forward. So, um, but I think that's kind of getting off the subject. I, I think the the matter of what should be said on the agenda or not. I think I don't think anything needs to change. I think it's implied in the process of a of a of a judicial type of hearing. It is it's implied what the the proposal for action is. And in if we were to follow a courtroom, you know, they they it's it's an allegation that you start out with. But the jury they, they're not necessarily giving what their answer is up front, or it's just either guilty or not guilty, you know. And if you're if you're guilty, then here's some additional things you need to do, you know, in that kind of way. And I think that we need to follow. That's the way we need to follow because we're not just passing general actions unless they're like amendments to our like bylaws and things like that. That that's a different story, and we do those correctly. Uh, you know, in, in according to Robert's rules as a baseline. Uh, so I'll stop there. Thank you, Member Wolf. Do you have any other comments on this? Okay. I'm going to consider this matter closed. Thank you, Mr. Hillier. Okay. So that will move us on to the next item, and that will be item number nine. Item number nine, file number 21128, complaint filed by Maria Schulman against Mayara Ruski Augusto Saw and the San Francisco Public Utilities Commission for allegedly violating Administrative Code Section 6721, 6726B, and 6727, California Public Records Act Section 6253, D as in dog, by failing to respond to a request for public records in a timely and a complete manner, and failing to provide written justification for withholdings. On September 20, 2022, the Complaint Committee moved to find that the task force has jurisdiction, requested records of public, and referred the matter to the task force for hearing for consideration of timeliness delays and overbroad interpretation of privacy exemptions. Thank you, Cheryl. Okay, so do we have Ms. Schulman either in person or through our teleconferencing system? We do have her on the on the teleconference system. I okay. need to hear. Okay, welcome, Ms. Schulman. And Thanks. then, do we have someone from the Public Utilities Commission? Mayada. Hello, and your name is Mayada. Okay, great. All right. So I think we'll first hear from. Let's go to complaints. So, Member Schmidt, I'll turn it over to you for a summary. Yeah. Um, it. Again, not a, not a large number of uh, issues here. There have been some delay. There, there, there was uh, the request was for certain uh, utility customer records, and uh, records were withheld 
on the basis of uh, <coughs> California Government Code 6254.16. Uh, there were a few redactions. Uh, so it, I, I'm not, there may have been a small amount of delay. There may be a little bit of over redacting. Um, I guess the, the main question that was in front of us, I think, is is anything that's redacted, is it within the scope of that 6254.16 utility customer language? Anything uh, else from members of the committee? Please, please add if you have any. You got it. Um, I, I'll just add that this was during, you know, there's a question of timeliness, but this is when the mayor's fifth supplement was still in effect. Um, and then there was a question about redactions um, being the reasons for the redactions being kind of a blanket list, but not being keyed to the particular redactions. And I, I think that's all I'll add. Okay, thank you. So, Ms. Shulman, um, we'll start with you for your presentation. And I'll let you all know when she's ready to hear you. Uh, Maria, you ready to begin? Yes. Go ahead. Okay, thanks for taking the time to hear my complaint. Um, so, I don't have very much to say beyond what I said at the complaint committee meeting. Um, but I'm here because the records I received were not keyed by appropriate footnote. And in, additionally, the respondent initially withheld certain records altogether and eventually provided me with records that were entirely blacked out. And if it's possible, I would like the Sunshine Task Force to order the release of those blacked out records. And if you want to see the redactions that I'm interested in, um, page 7 in your attachment, which has the same text content as page 52 and is the same as page 56, um, there's some something that's blacked out. It's not itemized and it does not appear to be covering up um, identifying information like a name or uh, address or telephone number. Um, also, page 58 in your attachments, um, there's a, a blacked out section. It says, like, met with probably a name, like met with so and so at 10 a.m. And then there's an, another line underneath it that is also redacted. And um, I had to follow up and ask for the rest of the records. Um, I was not given one record in particular until September 28th. And that record is on page 59 of your packet. Um, pages 59 through 61 are entirely blacked out without itemized redactions. And um, the respondent admitted that she withheld that record from me initially, and I don't think that she consulted the city attorney about that withholding of the record. I think she just held it back, and I believe that that is a violation of the Sunshine Ordinance. So, in conclusion, um, the respondent initially withheld the record and does not did not disclose to me that she was withholding a record. Um, she redacted the records without providing keyed footnotes, and I believe that um, the redactions are inappropriate and they're more than was necessary under the privacy laws that she cited. And that's all I have to say. Okay, thank you. 
And are there any parties to provide facts or evidence on behalf of the complainant? Okay, seeing none, go ahead and move over to the respondent. And Cheryl, when you're ready. Um, are you ready, Dan? I am. Go ahead. Good evening, members of the task force. So we did get this request during the time when the mayoral order suspending the sanction ordinance was addressed the uh, topics of the complaint from pretty straightforward to the more complicated ones. So that we got the request in August 2021. At that time, the mayoral orders were into effect. So the sanction ordinance 10 days to respond we're not into effect. Regardless, we responded within 10 days. We uh, provided most of the records on September 7th. Um, Labor Day was the day of the previous day, so that's why we responded really on day 11th. Um, and we released more records on day 8th. Um, the complainant um, is um, alleging that I withheld the record because I decided to do so. Um, that's not how we do business at BC. We conferred with city attorney's office. Whatever was withheld was withheld because the legal justifications to do so were applicable at that point. Um, the complaint always also alleges that the name and title of the person withholding the records was not provided. My first message to Ms. Schumann does contain my name and title. And because the request came through next request, Every time I correspond with a requester, it adds my name. So even though it was not typing my name, every time a request for clarification came up, the system would add my full name with all of my three last names, whether I want it or not. Um, so the information that was redacted was, re was redacted under the utility customer uh, exemption of the California Public Records Act. We also redacted information under the identity of the informer from the California Evidence Code, and then we redacted some information on privacy grounds. And to be very um, um, clear here about the scope of the utility customer exemption, it covers the name, the address, the phone number, all utility usage data, and financial information of the customer. So beyond the, the state constitution protections on privacy, here information was redacted beyond the right to privacy, but because the California Public Records Act protects utility information, which includes name, address, phone number, and so and so. Other than that, the, the evidence code, the identity of the informer, protects all identification, all information that could allow someone to identify that informer. So we redacted all the information that would reveal who that person was. And the idea here is to make sure that people come forward and not, are not afraid of retaliation for making any um, reports. In this specific case, the, the request was for um, a water waste report, and the PUC has uh, all the desire to make sure that people come forward and make those um, those reports and the 301 reports so we can make sure that water is not being wasted, which, as you all know, in 2021 was a big, big issue. We've been getting a lot of rain recently, but in 2021, we were honoring the 
the water waste report to make sure that we could curtail the water usage. Um, all of the redactions were made with the appropriate messages explaining that the information that was redacted was either utility uh, customer utility customer information or to preserve the identity of the informer or on their privacy. Like I said before, the utility exemption kind of like overlaps with privacy all the time because it covers a residential address uh, under the general privacy rules, but also the utility exemption specifically says the home address. Um, all redactions were made. They are not key, that is true, but every time, and these were not that many records. Uh, I think there were something under 10 records and information was my message to the complainant describes all the, the, the redactions that were made and the legal basis for those redactions. Um, and I think that about covers it. And one of the other contentions of the, the complaint is that we shouldn't have redacted the identity of the informer information because the complainant knew who that person was because you can retrieve that information from uh, property ownership records. Okay, thank you. I saw your time's up. Okay, and then are there any parties provide facts or evidence on behalf of the respondent? And seeing none, I'll turn it over to the members for questions. Yeah, Member Schmidt here. I just. Um, to the respondent, you just talked about uh, getting complaints and then protecting uh, identity. Uh, it, it, in these situations where there were certain documents that were redacted, including the identity of the complainant, um, were those people who had specifically requested to remain anonymous, to not have their names uh, revealed, or was the decision to redact their names uh, just something that you do as a matter of course at your agency? I can't really talk about the matter of course at the agency. This was the first and only request I ever had uh, Started working at BC in 2020, but is this is the only um, request that I recall that I've invoked this specific exemption. I was not even familiar with this exemption until then. Okay. So I and I don't recall uh, invoking that exemption um, after this one. So I think this is probably the only time. How about in this particular case? Mm -hmm. uh, were these names of people who had um, made certain types of complaints, uh, were they shielded in some way before you decided that you wanted to redact them or was, uh, well, I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I just strike that. Um, did, the cust did the people who complained indicate in any way that they wanted to remain confidential? Or did you decide that you were going to redact their names uh, because you thought any names of that kind for any report 
are by nature confidential? I don't recall any notes about anonymity into those records. And there were two 311, uh, the, the request was for two 311 complaints and one water waste complaint. So I don't recall any notes on anonymity. Um, I don't know if they are possible in an anonymous way or not. I'm not, it's just beyond what I do. Mm -hmm. uh, but all redactions were made in consultation with the city attorney's office. So I was not like, oh, I'm not providing this. I, I got legal advice on what could and could not be um, okay. produced. Thank you. Any other questions? All right. Okay. Remember yeah. Um, I have a question about the pages that were totally, uh, uh, <laughs> totally blocked out. Did you explain what those were? I'm sorry. So the pages that were totally, why, why are some of the pages completely black? That one page that is completely uh, black has an email, I believe, from the 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 customer or the informer. So, the only line of that email that could have been produced is staff's email, right? Because it was an email sent to a staff person. Everything else was describing the customer and the informer, and the problem that. Uh, started his water waste uh, complaint. So really other than the staff name that was included there, everything else was either identifying the customer or the informer. But you also said the customer, the informer, and the situation. When you explained the utility customer exemption, you said name, address, phone number, utility usage data, and data and financial information. It would seem to me that the complaint might be more descriptive that a description that doesn't need to be tied to an address, in which case, why was that information withheld? Well, I can go into the details of it without disclosing that information. But as an example, I can say this person lives at street A and number two, mm -hmm. or I can say it, that person lives, uh, lives after street C, let's put it that way. You know, let's use a street B, number two, this person lives at the street uh, in the uh, between A and C, mm -hmm. right at a number that is between one and three. So you can infer the identity of the customer and the informer with all that information. It just it was pretty detailed. Without getting into the specifics <laughs> of the complaint, even if we had person at address A and person at address B, if the thing that was being complained about was they leave a, uh, a sprinklers running on the front lawn 24 hours a day. Mm -hmm. Why would you leave out that information? That's usage data. I don't know. It's, it sounds to me descriptive. Usage data would be how many gallons were used at that time. I don't know, but I could be wrong. I'll back down. Okay, um, Member Wolf. Yeah, so just to follow up on that same question, what do you have a policy or a guideline that determines what uh, the description or defines what usage data is, or is it subjective? Uh, the Public Records uh, Act is broad. Um, 
But like I said before, I usually consult with the city attorney's office, and that's how we establish what needs to be removed and what can be um, left unredacted. Um, it's a legal standard, right? So yeah, I no, I'm, 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 actually, I'm actually reading the code on, on this uh, in the California Public Records Act. I mean, it, it states, it, it says, um, nothing in this chapter should be recruit, uh, construed to require the disclosure, name, credit history, utility, usage, data. The, the words of 20, leaving sprinklers on for 24 hours is not data to me. Data would mean, okay, they used, you know, uh, you know, they used, you know, uh, you know, 400 gallons. That's data. But leaving sprinklers on for 24 hours is not data. So that's why I'm asking if, if there's a specific definition uh, that you use as a guideline so that it's it becomes normalized for every single ratepayer. That's my question. Yeah, like I said, I consult with the city attorney. I don't make the call on my own. But it, okay. So for, so did, did that mean that for every public records request that requests um, any kind of um, a description of usage, you would contact the city attorney? Like if we were to consult with the city attorney and ask them, they would give us that answer. I'm, I'm not sure. Can you repeat the question? I'm confused. I'm just trying to determine whether there's some standard that you use uh, for the description of usage data. I mean, I'm concerned, like other members here, that a complete page is blank. I mean, that looks like an FBI file. <laughs> that you know that that's being disclosed. It's just blank. You know, just completely redacted pages. I, I can't believe that the word, you know, to and the and what and other types of nondescript words were not revealed. Yeah, when it's very straightforward, like, you know, we not frequently, but sometimes get requests for like water, a water bill. I would redact that those records on my own because it's very hard to spot what's utility customer information. But like I said, this one was an uncommon request, and I did not make those calls on my own. I did you provide us? Did you provide us with a sample of what maybe a water bill looked like? And uh, if you were, I would if not you, provide it on the redacted. If you one. were, if if you, I mean, for instance, if one of those fully redacted pages was a water bill, and you were to key it, saying this is a water bill somebody's water bill, I can't reveal it. Okay, great, no problem. But if you show us what a sample water bill is, then it would give us a lot of information uh, as to what is or should or would not be uh, uh, redacted or, or what should be released. Now, I'll stop there. Thank you, Member Wolf. Do we have any other questions or should we move to rebuttals? Okay, not seeing any other hands, so we'll go ahead and move to rebuttals. So, Cheryl, when you're ready, if you could start the clock and let the respondent know. Three minutes, sir. Is that it? 
You ready? Yep. Go ahead. Thank you. Um, I'll repeat myself, I guess. Uh, as I said, reductions were made, the legal justifications were provided. Uh, it was all utility customer information. PUC values their customers and we want to protect their information. Um, we will always protect that information. Um, there are very narrow and specific exemptions that allow um, the PUC, that allows us to disclose customer information. As a rule of thumb, we will always protect our, our, our customer. Um, we will, we protected the identity of the informer here because we do not um, wish informers to suffer retaliation for helping us improve uh, our water supply and stopping the water usage that is not necessary. And then obviously there were residential addresses listed on those emails and those records and that was removed because people have a right to privacy. Um, and that is residential addresses are also protected under the utility exemption rule. Um, like I said before, the, our response was timely. Um, the emergency orders were in effect. Even though they were in effect, we provided most records within 11 days because day 10th was Labor Day. Um, and we provided additional records on the following day. Um, Ms. Schumann asked for clarification on some of the redactions that were made. I responded to all of her messages asking for clarification. So to the best of my abilities, I tried to respond to this public records request to the best of my abilities. Um, like I said, it was a request I haven't seen before. Um, I got the appropriate legal advice to make the redactions and follow the legal advice and that those are the redactions you're seeing. Um, and just one of the, the, the contentions of the complaint is that there are no clear justification. Every time I corresponded with Ms. Schumann, the legal justification for the redactions was provided. Thank you. Okay, thank you. And then Cheryl, when you're ready, if you can let the complainant know when they may begin. Ms. Schulman, are you ready to begin? I am. Go ahead. So I didn't realize that um, the respondent was trying to protect the identity of the complainant. I am the complainant. I made the water waste complaint. Um, if I had known that that was a thing, I could have brought evidence uh, showing that I made the complaint. I could have brought witnesses. Um, I can also, you know, I live on the property. I'm talking to you from the property right now. Um, I could have provided more documentation of that, but I didn't know that that would be a thing. Um, and I find it really ironic that I'm here today trying to obtain these records and I'm being told that it's for my own protection that I've been denied these records. Um, I also just want to point out that it's not one page that's completely black. It's more than two pages. If you look at the packet, um, more than two pages that are completely blacked out. Um, I was retaliated against for making the water waste complaint and um, the person who retaliated against me is the person that uh, the respondent is also trying to protect by withholding like 
withholding these records. Um, I think it's clear that the redactions were not keyed when they were when they were provided to me. And um, I don't really care about the timeliness. Um, what else do I want to say? I think that's everything. Um, so, you know, I'm happy to make another records request or come back with more evidence if that's um, if that's necessary. Thanks so much. Okay, thank you. All right, so members, it's our turn to deliberate and formulate a motion on this. Um, this is Vice Chair Wong. Um, so for me, I think that there's a pretty clear violation of uh, Section 6726 for having not uh, keyed redactions by footnote or other clear reference. Um, additionally, for not keeping um, redactions or withholding to a minimum, just given that, for example, we're talking about those blacked out pages. Um, and as Member Wolf stated, you know, there's definitely sentences in there that can be revealed uh, without revealing the identity of uh, utility customers or the nature of, you know, their water usage, um, et cetera. It's like the, the law is very specific in what is protected and what is not. There's like a very pointed list and, you know, there are words and phrases I'm sure that could have been revealed in that case. Thank you, Vice Chair Wong. Um, I'll, I'll weigh in here. So, um, I, I think there's there's kind of two parts to it. I think one part is some type of reliance on the evidence code protecting an informant, but the informant is the person who's filing the complaint, and so I'm not sure that redacting information from the informant themselves is really a proper use of that, since it wouldn't be protecting that person if they're asking for it. And we don't know why she's asking for it, but I could, you know, imagine there's a variety of reasons to maybe prove that yes, she made the complaint, and therefore, a certain action is retaliation against her. So, you know, that's a concern of mine. And then, I think it's important that we look at government code. Now, it may no longer be government code sixty-two fifty-four sixteen, because um, I know they kind of reordered all that. But what was it at the time? And it says, nothing in this chapter shall be construed to require the disclosure of the name, credit history, utility usage, data, home address, or telephone number of utility customers for local agencies, except the disclosure of name, utility, usage data, and the home address of utility uh, customers of local agencies shall be made available upon request as follows. Okay, so the first thing I want to, you know, I think is important to look at is that this isn't one of those um, situations where it's requiring the exemption. It's saying it's not. Re it's saying that nothing is required to. Sh nothing should be uh, in it. Is should be construed to require the disclosure. But it doesn't mean I think it's an automatic exemption. I think it's just saying it's not an automatic disclosure. And you know, I, it's kind of going back to the cases we heard maybe a, a two years ago or so from anonymous, where he talked about some of the situations where, in you know. The agency may invoke an exemption versus must invoke an exemption. Um, so this is one I'm reading where it says, you know, kind of they may, right? It's saying that they're not required to disclose them. It doesn't say they must not disclose them. But even further than that, if we go through some of these lists of, and there's a bunch of them for the reasons that they actually can disclose, 
one of them is just a very broad one. It says upon determination by the local agency that the public interest in disclosure of the information clearly outweighs the public interest in non-disclosure. Um, so that that right there allows the, the uh, agency discloses things. So getting to member of the hood's point, you know, I think that you know, I think most reasonable people would think, hey, if, if we had examples of the type of waterways that's going on, that certainly seems a fairly public interest type of thing, and that doesn't you know reveal the, the privacy of whose it is or anything like that. But if we know that, hey, a lot of people are watering the concrete when it's you know we're in a, in a drought, I think that's an important public interest thing that doesn't seem to violate any public you know uh, or any privacy rights. So for all those reasons, I you know. Inclined to agree with with Vice Chair Wong that there's a, a 6726 violation here, and I think that certain parts of these records could definitely have been disclosed that were instead redacted in their entirety. I see Chair or Member Wolf on the screen. Oh, I can't. Yeah. Oh, there you are. <laughs> Sorry, my, my laptop uh, covers you up there. Sorry about that. No problem. I um, I'd also add 6727. Uh, you know, justification uh, for withholding, even though they gave some justification. It to me, it's, it's not satisfying me. There's too much of it. Uh, and without a key, uh, a key for the redactions, it's hard to tell. It just seems excessive. And, and that's why um, I would suggest 6727 also, but I, more importantly, what. You know, this is kind of indicative that we run into this from time to time. Where um, and I'm just saying this in general, we 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 get res we get responses that um, that uh, an attorney or city attorney's office has you know reviewed it and uh, and advised about what needs to be redacted or not. The ordinance requires that the attorney do the redactions or that there is a specific staff member conducting an exemption review. Okay, the, some a staffer that's that is assigned uh, to be conducting exemption review would be doing all the same work as what an attorney does, but the attorney can get to sign off on it at that point. Okay, and and to me, that's a that is the bar. That it's not just any staffer that gets to do redactions. The law states that it should be done personally, quote, quote, personally by the attorney or other staff member conducting the exemption review. So I'd like to hear from the attorney. What was their reason? What guidelines did they follow? Were they given some subjective um, uh, kind of rules verbally? Or, you know, are, was there a specific policy passed by the Public Utilities Commission about this is, is specifically, these things should not be disclosed. And if it's up to the attorney, then the attorney needs to be the one to answer uh, for what those redactions are. And here we don't even have a key to even follow to determine that maybe the attorney, that's what the attorney provided. So then we don't need to hear from them unless we have further questions. So 
I wanted to just put that out there because this is something that we've um, run into from time to time, and we somewhat take it on face value, but this this is beginning to trip me up a little bit. I'll stop there. Okay, thank you, Member Wolf. Do you have any other comments? Uh, I was just going to respond to Member Wolf. Uh, I did look at Section 6727, and I considered it, um, but I thought if we actually did have the key redactions, that it might make more sense. So I was reluctant to also bring that section into the conversation personally. May I respond to that, Chair? Sure. sure. So in A, 6727A, it does say uh, a withholding under specific permissive exemption in the CPRA. Now, the section that um, Chair Yankee had read uh, gives that specific uh, exemption, but one of those exemptions is very broad and wide. So the question is, is without a key, we can't know if that particular um, uh, uh, section was followed uh, correctly or not. And that's why, to me, it, it just, um, uh, it, it just seemed somewhat uh, excessive on the withholding. Thank you. Do we have any other comments? If not, do we have a, a motion we could formulate here? Um, this is Vice Chair Wong. I would like to make a motion to find a violation of section 6726 for not keeping withholding to a minimum as well as not keying redactions by footnote or other clear reference. And Vice Chair Wong, do you have a follow-up um, order to go along with that? Um, I think, yeah, for now, I would like to order uh, that it's the PUC, right? Just mm -hmm. uh, that uh, the Public Utilities Commission, um, I don't know, if, do we need to name someone specific? Okay. That uh, they key their redactions um, and or uh, unredact information that does not fall under their, uh, what is the word? Under their justifications for redaction. Yes, and to send that to compliance and amendments for monitoring. And are we requesting that these specific documents be sent to the uh, requester with uh, keyed redactions and with uh, information about the requester themselves and their identity unredacted? Sure. Is that possible? Yeah, I'm trying to think of uh, Mr. Wong, how you want to, or do we want to, the other, the other idea is this, mm -hmm. is, is we could also do that as a supplemental motion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know what, that's better. Yeah, yeah, I'm just thinking if we want to do it that way so we don't kind of make it too murky. Okay, Yeah. so I think the motion we have here is to uh, find a violation of 6726 uh, for not uh, keen footnotes and for overly redacting documents. Um, Paraphrasing, but I think to what to order the uh, Public Utilities Commission to put in the appropriate footnotes and unredact what 
can be unredacted and to send to compliance and amendments for monitoring. Is that? Can I just can I just add one thing maybe to consider? And that is whoever does the keying, if it is uh, in it by an attorney that the name of the attorney that personally did it or the staffer that personally did it uh, be revealed, be named or sign the keyed the key for the footnotes. That way, if it if it isn't to our satisfaction, we have something, somebody to uh, refer back to. I don't think the law allows for that. I I'd have a problem with that last one. Yeah. To, to, well, her, uh, yeah. Identification of the person. Well, it says this work should be done personally by the attorney conducting the exemption review. Why shouldn't we know who that is? Because it would be privileged. I. It's I think not privileged. This is it's not, not litigation. It's not okay, litigation. Okay. All right, it's a couple of things. We're, we're not going to have an argument back and forth here. Um, but member Wolf, you want to make us a standalone motion? That's fine. Okay. I think right now we're not going to include that according to what I'm hearing from Vice Chair Wong here. Yes. So that's the motion. Do we have a second for it? I'll second it. Okay. So moved by Vice Chair Wong, seconded by member Wolf. And Cheryl, do you have that motion? <clears throat> Moved by Vice Chair Wong, seconded by Member Wolf to find a violation of 6726 for not keying footnotes over redacted documents, keeping withholding uh, to a minimum. Sorry, I'm going to interrupt you, Cheryl. Uh, it's a violation of 6726 for not keying by footnote or other clear reference. By not keying by footnote. Okay, what else? Or other clear reference. Or other what? Clear reference. Okay. And for not keeping withholding to a minimum. Not keeping withholding to a minimum and order that the PUC key their redactions and or unredact information that does not fall under their justification for redactions and to send the matter to the Compliance and Amendments Committee for monitoring. All right, sounds good. good. Can I ask for a clarification? Uh, can you uh, elaborate on what you mean by footnote? Just so I make sure that the <laughs> redactions are made to what the task force expects. Um, yeah, from my understanding, it just means like kind of a standard, uh, what's the word, uh, journalistic footnote or uh, literature and footnote where you actually add it to the end of a document and you key it. So it's like A in this redaction and then you put it down okay. in a footnote A and then a reference to your justification for withholding. So not naming the black box, but adding something to the end of the document. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. I think that it must mean not the, like the text of a footnote, like in a, an article or, but just that the little number that's sitting, I think that's what the word footnote must mean in this in this code. So it's within the black box, the reference to the 
legal justification. Is that right? If, uh, I think that the, the justification would go below, but okay. it needs to be match matching information. So like A or B or a number, like letters or numbers that match between each. And I okay. think- Yeah, I just want to understand what the staff process expects. Yeah. So I don't usually do by footnote. I add the language to the black box. That's also acceptable because you said either footnote or, and I don't remember your exact. Okay, right. so it doesn't have to be a yeah, footnote. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. thank you. Yeah, I thank think you. the gist of it, you have each individual redaction okay. has to be justified individually. Okay. So if there's five redactions, there should be five reasons. Okay. It might be the same reason each time, but it needs to be five separate ones. Okay, got it. Thank you. Okay, so I think we're ready for public comment on this motion. If there is any public comment, Victor, do we have anyone online? Yes, I'm just checking right now. If there's anybody on the online who would like to make public comment, you can raise your hand at this time. I assume there's nobody in the room at this time. There is not. Okay, I do not see any indications of public comment at this time. Okay, thank you, Victor. We'll go ahead and close public comment. And I think we're ready for a vote. So sure when you're ready to take it. Vice Chair Wong? Aye. Vice Chair Wong, aye. Member Wolf? Member Wolf? Aye. Member Wolf, aye. Member Schmidt? Aye. Member Schmidt, aye. Member LaHood? Aye. Member LaHood, aye. Member Padmanabhan? Aye. Member Padmanabhan, aye. Member Stein? Aye. Member Stein, aye. Member Highland? Aye. Member Highland, aye. Member Hill? Aye. Member Hill, aye. Chair Yankee? Aye. Chair Yankee, aye. One, two, three, four, five. Nine in favor. Okay. Thank you, Cheryl. And do we have any other motions on this item? Well, now that I'm thinking back on what was said, maybe that is sufficient because we've asked for uh, removal of excessive uh, redactions, and which and so we can have a discussion about that in compliance. Yeah. Okay, sounds good. And Wolf, did you have one? Yes, I have a motion. I, I move to find to um, require under sixty-seven twenty-six um, that the uh, attorney or other staff member conducting the exemption review um, identify themselves by signing the key uh, 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 the key for the uh, for the redactions. Okay, so that's the motion. Is there a second to that motion? I'll second it so we can have a discussion about it. Okay, so moved by Member Wolf, seconded by Member LaHood. I have a question about that. Uh, Member Wolf, is this something that we have required before or is it something that you just tend to see and because you didn't see it here, you think we need to require it? Well, I, it, it, whether we did it before or not is is not really at issue. What at issue is here is that um, there's a lot of questions as to what the redactions are, and because they're so excessive, um, and the reasoning is somewhat um, uh, detailed uh, based upon the information that has been redacted as the testimony from the respondent uh, uh, has made, 
I think it would be uh, uh, important and prudent for us to, to know who is doing the redactions. And if we had any questions based upon the results that we will get in the near future, if we had any further questions about it, that there's a person to talk to that can answer uh, directly because they did that work personally as provided by the law. Thank you. Uh, this is Chair Yankee. Um, I'm not sure this is necessary. Obviously, we have a staff person in front of us who, you know, has described, I think, in detail, you know, why certain things were redacted. I mean, obviously, we just voted that we disagreed with that, but nonetheless, I think, you know, she was able to provide that information to us. Um, if there is an attorney involved, um, I'm worried that such a requirement might breach some type of attorney client privilege by having her tell us which attorney said what to her and, and, and so forth. And I think it was clear from the evidence that, you know, her name was clear to the individual who made the request, right? They knew who the person was. I think that was all fairly well documented. So I personally am not inclined to support this motion unless there's something I'm missing here. I'm going to withdraw my second. Um, sorry, Bruce. I just feel like it sets a weird precedent. Okay, so we're back to yes, Mr. Just be just as a last thought. You're going to run into this in the future, and then there you're going to get um, respondents that are not going to be able to answer the question about uh, the redactions. And you have the law. You have your law on the side, on your side. Because it states that an attorney shall do it personally, and if they're going to be doing it personally, there's no attorney client privilege for this. It's, it's not litigation. It's not that kind. It's not, it's, it's, it's not covered by that. This is administrative work. So, why wouldn't they reveal themselves and be available to ask questions? Why wouldn't you want to do that? So, but so be it. Okay, we have a motion on the floor. Is there a second to that motion? Okay, I see no seconds to that motion, so that motion will have died. Anything else before we conclude this item? Okay, seeing nothing, this uh, matter is concluded. Thank you. Thank you. Item number 10, Chair Yankee. Item number 10, yes. Item number 10, file number 21132, complaint filed by Maria Schulman against Sherry Valdez and the Department of Public Health for allegedly violating Administrative Code Section 6721 by failing to respond to a request for public records in a timely and or complete manner. On September 20th, 2022, the complaint committee moved by Member Stein, seconded by Chair Schmidt, to find that the task force has jurisdiction, the, rest, the requested records are public, and refer the matter to the task force for hearing. Okay, thank you, Cheryl. And I believe, Ms. Shulman, are you still with us? Yes, I am. Excellent. Okay. And then do we have Ms. Valdez or someone from DPH available? I'm assuming they would have to be online since I see no one here in the room. Okay. Yes, my name is Adaku Ude. I am representing the Department of Public Health. 
Okay, great. Thank you for joining us. Uh, can I just ask that you uh, spell your name for me so that I could have it in the record, please? A D A K U. Last name U D E. Okay, great. Thank you very much. Okay. And this looks like it's another one that went to the complaint committee. So I'll turn it over to member Schmidt to give us a summary of this. Yeah, I, it actually looks very similar to the last one. Uh, my notes indicate that there may have been a possibly a, a small delay, uh, but that didn't seem to be a big issue and uh, possibly some over redactions, uh, but that's sort of, that's all I can really remember about the case. Uh, members, uh, did, was there anything else that um, <coughs> you can add to that? No. <laughs> okay. So I think that's where we're at. And Cheryl, when you're ready, I'll let you tell our petitioner when they can begin. Uh, Ms. Shulman, are you ready to begin speaking? Yes, I am. Good, you have five minutes. Okay, thank you so much. Um, so, yeah, there was a small timeliness issue. Um, I made the request in September of 2021, and the records were not provided within 10 days. Um, but the re real reason I brought this to the Sunshine Task Force is because the respondent initially said that the records that I requested were part of an open investigation and that therefore they would not release the records until that investigation was closed. And um, I was told that that was DPH's policy. Um, and I believe that this policy violates section 6736, Sunshine Ordinance supersedes other local laws. And um, I uh, kind of pushed back at them and um, filed a sunshine complaint. And only after I filed the sunshine complaint did they give me the records. I think that they gave me all the records um, and I appreciate that I received the records, um, but I believe that city departments should be proactive in adhering to the sunshine ordinance and they should craft policies that follow the administrative code and it shouldn't fall on the shoulders of individual members of the public to educate city departments about their obligations under the sunshine ordinance so for that reason i would urge you to um, find a violation here to make an example um, i think that at the last at the complaint committee hearing um, the representative for DPH said, basically, like, once I filed the Sunshine complaint, they realized that they couldn't withhold the records, and so they provided them. Um, thank you so much. That's all I have to say. Okay, thank you. Um, are there any parties to provide facts or evidence on behalf of the complainant? Respondent, right? Uh, no, no. Oh, on the complaint, right? Sorry. Okay. Uh, hearing none. So let's go to the respondent. Um, you'll have five minutes to provide your case. Um, whenever you're ready, Ms. Leger. Ms. Uday, are you ready to begin? Yes, I am. Thank you. Go ahead. 
thank you, Ms. Showman. Uh, she is absolutely correct. Once this uh, Sunshine uh, Task Force um, request or um, investigation was brought to my attention, I did have the records immediately released. I believe they were released on the 14th day. And that is according to the next request that we use um, to do our redactions and submit documentation to. Um, I appreciate her bringing that to our attention because um, unfortunately the custodian of your records did provide untrue um, information regarding the policy. That is not our policy. We do not have a policy and we do um, follow the sunshine ordinance. Um, unfortunately, I do not believe the custodian of record um, was aware at that time. And um, since that has occurred, I have made sure that myself, including other custodians of records, all reviewed the sunshine ordinance um, policy regarding um, redactions and record requests. Um, also reviewed the next request policy on um, receiving and redacting reports or um, documents for the public. And I look forward to continuing to work with the public and for the public to provide information in a timely manner. Thank you. Okay, thank you. And are there any parties to provide facts or evidence on behalf of the respondent? Okay, seeing none, um, members, it's time for our questions. No questions? Okay, not seen any. I'm gonna move straight to rebuttals then on this one. Um, so the respondent, um, you have three minutes for rebuttals. I know you just spoke, so there might not be much to say, but nonetheless, you have three minutes. So show when you're ready. Uh, Ms. Uday, are you ready to begin? Uh, no rebuttal at this time. No rebuttal, okay. Okay, thank you. And then three minutes for the petitioner. Ms. Shillman, are you ready to begin? Yes. Go ahead. Uh, um, I have no rebuttals either. Okay, thank you. All right, so members, this is our chance to deliberate and formulate a motion. Um, so this is member Stein. I mean, I could definitely support a violation of 67.21 for timeliness. And I'm just wondering what violation we would look at um, for, you know, having a practice of not releasing records that should be released. And I'm wondering what other people's thoughts are on what violation that might be. Or where best to put that. So, member Stein, I, I apologize. I had to step out for a moment there um, when when this was uh, being presented. Um, so, I didn't catch. Was this a, a request that was made during the order suspending sixty seven twenty one regarding timeliness? Um, I don't believe so. Because it looks like it was October of twenty twenty. I wanted to say, but I could be wrong. May have been November that it was uh, finally withdrawn. 
the mayor's order that said suspended? Yeah, it might happen in the middle, but I didn't think it was it was covered by the mayor's order. But I think there's a slightly different situation here because it wasn't that it took a long time. Is was that the requester was told that the documents would not be provided. Well, that's the second part, right? right I was yeah. talking about oh, the second part. Oh. Uh, so I don't know if we really wanted to quote 6721 regarding timeliness. Well, oh, I what do we quote then yeah, if, yeah, the, if the request has been denied, but then a complaint was filed and then the request was satisfied? So is there anything other than timeliness? The mayor's orders were revoked on November 15th, 2021. Okay. So we'd be looking to CPRA for that's that's a good point. Um, let's see. I mean, would it be? Let's see. Pull up the ordinance again. Oh, we could say 6253C instead if we wanted. I think it's that, right? Or is it 6721E? Because they refuses, so they refused. And then. I have a question. Yeah. Hi. Go ahead, um, Member Hill. Member Hill, um, I, uh, I'm going to jump back over to 6721B. Um, the, the, just the language of like the custodian shall justify withholding any record by demonstrating and writing as soon as possible. It, within 10 days following the receipt of request that the record in question is exempt under express provisions of the, of the ordinance. Like, did that happen? Did that, did that happen at all? Right. Yeah. That's, yeah, that was part yeah. I may have missed. It, so that's a, right. But, but not just the 10 days, but also just like, did they. The even eventually did, did, did that even did that happen at any point? Did they explain why initially they did not? Right. Maybe, maybe, maybe Ms. Shulman, since you received the response, maybe you could weigh in on that if you wouldn't mind. Did, what was the initial response you received? Um, I think initially they said something like, oh, we don't do this because there's an open investigation on this. Topic, and so we can't give it to you. Um, let me see if I can pull up the next request. Mm -hmm. Exactly, like I was looking for like a specific. All right, so maybe is it a 60, as, as you look, Michelle, maybe it's a 6727 where they're not using the justification of withholding. Like a 6727B, it says a withholding on the base that disclosure is prohibited by law. Shall cite the specific yeah. statutory authority. So, okay. This, yeah, see, maybe how we want to do this. Sorry, I'm still looking. I don't know. I'm still stuck on the like the fact that the records were provided right before we've met. So, right, so it was kind of a timeliness thing too, right? So, yeah, but it's. See. It's hard to find. You have to consider, you know, that the complaint was made at a particular point in time. Also, and that's what we're considering here. Right, but what do we so regardless of that a like a decision was made in the negative mm -hmm. that caused the petitioner to file the complaint. So it's the it's I don't know. This so is are they still in I'm oh, sorry. 
they're not still so they've provided the records so there it's i don't yeah they've provided the records but the problem is that they said no inappropriately mm -hmm. yeah, but um, when were when were the records provided were they provided you know immediately or were they provided six months later a year later that's a good question so she said the 14th day yes so next request hi sorry this is adaka ude next request gives us 14 days um so she initially requested the documents uh the custodian of records told her that we will not issue the documents because the case is still open and something about you will get them in 30 days or it may take 30 days. Um, and then she made her um, sunshine uh, request. And then when I was notified, we were still within the 14 days and I we released it on the 14th day according to next request. But I understand that um, you guys use 10 days, so there is there still may be some timeliness to this. I wouldn't say that we did it on a timely basis because we gave it on the 14th day, which is what next request allows. I'm looking here at, and I think, thank you, Member Stein, I think found 6253C, which is no longer 6253C, but I found the old, old version of it. <laughs> it took a while. so. This is kind of the part says each agency upon a request for copy of records. So that's what happened here shall within 10 days from receipt of the request, determine whether the request. In whole, or in part seeks copies of disclosable public records in the possession of the agency. And so promptly notify the person making the request of the determination and the reasons thereof. In unusual circumstances, the time prescribed in the section may be extended and talks about that. So. It sounds like they did respond in 10 days. It just was a bad response. The incorrect response, right? Um. So how do we want to do that? I mean, then getting the records within 14 days, it doesn't sound like they asked for a 14 day extension. So, which is what would be required under 62, the old 5653C. So it seems like the request was um, November 12th and the documents were provided October 14th, like month, over a month later. So it still seems like there would be, you know, to me, a some form of timeliness violation under 6253C because they didn't get them within 10 days and they got a bad answer the first time. Except, as what as Member Wolf said, was it still within the emergency order? In which case, That doesn't count. Well, CPRA is this still is, in reading, fact. Yeah. Uh, I was reading it okay. from the CPRA, which would it would default yeah. it to. So it says they have to, you know, to make the determination within 10 days, what they did, and then they can ask for a 14-day extension. But I'm not sure they asked for the 14-day extension mm -hmm. within the 10 days. Next request, you know, the testimony was next request gives them 14 days. That's programmed in. <laughs> yeah, that's that's problematic. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's not the right. Yeah, except the good government guide says 14 days. <laughs> it doesn't even speak of 10 days and then 14 days. They just say yeah. to 14 days. Yeah, that's problematic as well.
I mean, there. You could potentially consider maybe 6253A, which is kind of the preamble to it all, but nonetheless, I think applies to the initial response. And it says public records are open to inspections at all times during the office hours of the state or local agency. And every person has the right to inspect any public record except as hereafter provided. Any reasonable segregable portion of a record shall be available for inspection by any person requesting the record at deletion of the portions that are exempted by law. So, I mean, it's kind of broadly that they didn't let him inspect them. You know, there was just, this is something we don't see too often where it's such a, a blatant no. So that was the former 6253. Yeah, the former, yeah, which I don't know the new one. <laughs> it's in the 7,000s or something. 7920 is where it starts, I think. That's a topic of discussion. We should have yeah, I'm going to bring that up in <laughs> a later. <laughs> Sorry, which one was that member of the hood? I saw something at 7920, but now I'm now I okay. can't find it again. What's the title of the uh what's the title of the of that section that you uh, were looking it. Uh, it says short titles 7920, 7920.005, Article One, added by I don't even know exactly what I'm looking at. Uh is that what you're asking for? No, I was asking for the old the the old number. Oh. Oh, it says um, General Division Seven Miscellaneous Chapter Three Point Five Inspection of Public Records Article One General Provisions Section Sixty Two Fifty Three. Of general provisions. And know that there were amendments to the CPRA also. Change the titles of these edits. Doesn't exist. It's like it's in government code somewhere around 7920, mm -hmm. but they've kind of done a different thing where there's now point and there's three places after the decimal point. Well, the yeah, um, it begins um, 70, 
7920 is where mm -hmm. the new CPRA begins. Looks like I have to jump to 7930 from there. Yeah, they really, because they added like a whole enforcement section there, which they didn't have before. So it's not, it, I don't think it can correlate. Um, yeah, and I'm not sure we can even look at this because this wasn't the law at the time. Right, so there is, I found a website that has the old, the old code. Uh, if you want to look for it, it's at casetext.com slash statute slash California codes. And then you can probably find California government code and then go from there. So we're saying to cite the old code. Yeah, I'm thinking that might be a yeah. way to do it because that's what the code was in effect at the time. Yeah. And I'm afraid that the new one doesn't correlate, right? It doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't. So case text C A S E T E X T dot com forward slash statute forward slash California dash codes plural forward slash California dash government dash code. And then you'll have the the old uh you'll see the old one and it'll be um under general title one. And then you can find go down to 60. Uh, well, um, I mean, I can make a motion under the old one. And say that um, I move that we find a violation of 6253. A um, for failing to allow the records to be inspected. And 6253C for failing to meet the deadlines outlined in the CPRA. What do we want to do, members? Do we want to do maybe B instead? Because it looks like A, I, I, now that I'm taking back what I said before, talks about looks like more like a personal inspection, whereas B is talking more about giving copies. It says accept as with respect okay, to. Okay, make records prompt. Okay, so 6253B for failing to make the records promptly available. Yeah, I actually think, yeah, I, I would think 6253B kind of covers it. Okay. Yeah, that sounds good. Okay, so I'll second that. <laughs> it's Terry Yankee. So, uh, it looks so like. it's just 6253B, that's it? Yes, for, for failing to make the requested <laughs> records promptly available. So we're not doing 6253A? No. So just, just 6253B. Okay. <clears throat> Are we opening it for public comment? Any discussion before we? Okay, yeah, let's go ahead and open up to public comment. <laughs> and Victor, there's no one here, so. Okay, we only have... Uh... One other person here on the line with us. If you'd like to make public comment, you can raise your hand at this time. 
I'm not getting any response from that caller at this time. Okay, so we'll go ahead and close public comment and I think we're ready for a vote. Member Stein? Aye. Member Stein, aye. Chair Yankee? Aye. Chair Yankee, aye. Member Schmidt? Aye. Member Schmidt, aye. Member LaHood? Aye. Member LaHood, aye. Member Pavanabin? Aye. Member Pavanabin, aye. Member Highland? Aye. Member Highland, aye. Member Hill? Aye. Member Hill, aye. Member Wolf? Aye. Member Wolf, aye. Vice Chair Wong? Aye. Vice Chair Wong, aye. Nine in favor. Okay, thank you. And not seeing any other motions, I think this matter is concluded. Thank you to the parties for joining us. And Cheryl, when you're ready, we can move on to item number 13. Did we already do 11? We didn't do 11. I'm sorry. Consent. Did I miss one? The consent agenda. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. My bad. 11. <clears throat> item number 11, consent agenda. The Sunshine Ordinance Task Force shall review file number 22130 to affirm that the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force has jurisdiction that the noted violations of the Sunshine Ordinance, Brown Act, or California Public Records Act occurred, and if applicable, to issue an order of determination and refer the matters to a committee for monitoring. The complainant respondent, <coughs> excuse me, are not required to attend the April 5, 2023 Sunshine Task Force meeting, but may attend to provide testimony during the public comment period for this item related to the above listed determinations. File number 22130. Complaint filed by Michael Petrellis against Supervisor Catherine Stephanie, Board of Supervisors, for allegedly violating Administrative Code Section 67.29-5 by failing to respond to a request for Proposition G calendar in a timely and or complete manner. On January 17, 2023, the Complaint Committee moved by Member Stein, seconded by Member Wolf, to find that the Task Force has jurisdiction, referred the complaint to the Task Force Consent Calendar to find a violation of 67.29-5. Okay, thank you, Cheryl. Uh, is there any discussion on this, or do we want to just move to a motion to adopt the suggestion from the complaint committee? Motion. <laughs> Can I make a motion? Go for it. <laughs> Unless there's discussion. Um, yeah, because there is admission on this. So I move to find a violation of 67.295. Uh, Member Stein, if I may, I think you just have to move to adopt the. I move to adopt the consent uh, agenda. And the micro <laughs> microphone. I move to adopt the consent agenda. There you go. I'll second that. Second. Member Hill. Member Hill. Okay, so moved by Member Stein, seconded by Member Hill to adopt the consent agenda. Do we have any public comment, Victor? We have one caller with us. If you'd like to make public comment, you can raise your hand at this time. I'm not seeing any response. I believe we can close public comment. Okay, we'll go ahead and close public comment then. And show when you're ready, we could take a vote on that. Second. <clears throat> Member Stein. Aye. Member Stein, aye. Member Hill. Aye. Member Hill, aye. Member Schmidt. Aye. Member Schmidt, aye. Member LaHood, aye. Member LaHood, aye. Member Pamanabin, aye. 
Member Padmanabh and I. Mem uh, Member Highland. Aye. Member Highland, aye. Member Wolf. Aye. Member Wolf, aye. Vice Chair Wong. Aye. Vice Chair Wong, I'm uh, Chair Yankee. Aye. Chair Yankee, aye. Nine in favor. Okay. Right. Thank you, Cheryl. Okay. Now I think we're time ready for item number 13. I'm so excited to get there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I will uh, go ahead, Cheryl, and read it, and then we'll turn it over to Member Stein. Item number 13, approval of the 2022 Sunshine Task Force Annual Report. The task, for the task force will consider approval of its 2022 annual report and individual practical and policy recommendations to include. Great. Um, yeah, so basically, hopefully you all had a chance to read this report, which came at the end of the packet. And, you know, we could approve it as one thing as a whole, or we could go individually through, for instance, the practical and policy items or discuss any um, issues that we might have or exceptions that we might want to make to what we approve in this report or any changes that we want to make at this point. But I'll just say in general, I thought the process of doing the report went pretty well. I want to thank like everyone who worked on it with me, member Padmanabhan, LaHood and Schmidt, who submitted materials and also gave comments and feedback as we went. And um, I'll just say, I'm really hoping this report can provide a kind of benchmark of where we are and maybe a model of measuring what we're doing, some aspects of what we're doing going forward. Um, I know that I just tried to follow the data and I feel like I learned a lot, um, was able to put a lot into perspective that wasn't necessarily obvious in just being part of the day-to-day -day workings of the task force. And, um, you know, I know there was concern expressed earlier about, well, what impact will it have anyway? I feel like even if just we read it and we think about what to do with our internal processes, that's a very positive impact for me. But we are also hoping to distribute it to the various stakeholders who participated and other stakeholders who might be interested. And we've also talked about trying to do a press release. Um, we could, I think we even talked a little bit about maybe trying to do an op-ed or something just to kind of get what we're doing out there and what we think is relevant um, that we learned here out there. Um, we have a section on practical and policy problems, which is very specifically um, sort of, uh, what's the word, you know, an ask of us by the act. Um, and if, you know, I think I've mentioned it before, but if we don't want to approve them as a whole, we could still include them in the appendix if the individual members who wrote them want to do so. So, you know, the easiest thing would be if we could like go forward and adopt it all at once, that would be great. <laughs> but obviously if there are issues that people have or changes that they think need made or some of the practical and policy issues that they don't feel that the task force as a whole can endorse, this is the time to discuss that. Okay, thank you, Member Stein. I'll open it up to everyone else. This is Vice Chair Wong. This report totally rules. Oh. <laughs> I'll second that. Yeah, it's <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah, so I definitely wholeheartedly support what uh, Mr. Pilpel said earlier. Um, I think it's great. I think you all did a great job, so I want to commend you on that. The one teeny tiny thing that I would request is that we... Um, Think about changing how we do some of the titling because right now it's just in a color, which is actually not super accessible. So maybe making it bold or making it a, a larger font or underlined or italicized. And that's my only feedback. Okay. That can be done. <laughs> Member Wolf was 
year. I'm going to wait. Member Wolf, sorry. Yeah, I just saw you raise. Oh, oh, thank you, Member Wolf. Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead, Member Wolf. All right. Hey, um, uh, Member Stein, I had sent uh, about a page or so of of, um, of points. Did you not get it? No, I did not. Okay. I had sent it to you about five, six days after you had emailed me. But um, uh, I can I... make it as an addendum or submit it separately. This is my own thoughts. Yeah, I, I literally do not have it on my computer. The last thing I have from you is saying that you will send something. Um, so it, it didn't even when I search for you, it doesn't even pop up in my junk or anything. So. Yeah, please do. Okay, well, if we're going to approve this today, then. You know, I folks should read what I. Sub, submitting to determine if that is if it's applicable or not. Um. How should we proceed with that? Uh, what uh, can you tell us the date of the email to make sure that uh, the rest of us received it? I it didn't go out. I just sent it to member Stein. Oh, yeah, and I just did a search. I don't have it. I have nothing after March tenth. Yeah, I sent Are it you? like March. Uh, it looks like March sixteenth. <laughs> So this chair Yake, I think we could handle it 1 of 2 ways. The 1st way would be. We could continue this item to a future meeting. To consider adding yours or. Um, what we could do, we also talked about that any individual member can add. Their input as an addendum, so we could approve the report as a whole. And then yeah. you could send your information to member Stein and it would be then. It wouldn't have to be voted on, but it would be included as an addendum. So it would that's still be transmitted with the report. Yeah, that's what I was going to. That's what I was asking. Okay, so I think that option is available in this case. Then, what one and one comment um, it would that I just had in in my message was um, the survey and the results of the survey were great. I think also in the graph, I think it's Department of Emergency Management uh, communications. So they have know. some kind of department. Of emergency, they have a department of emergency communication under the department mm -hmm. of emergency management, and that's the only data they gave us was for the DEC. Okay. The DEM, not for the DEM as a whole. Okay, that was uh, that's an interesting. Okay, um, the other thing was is um, I think it's, it's just because a lot of these supervisors have this kind of history. Um, we had a. Uh, um, What's the name of the BLA report? Harvey was uh, can't remember what the acronym stands for. Um, but we had a report done on the task force about how much money uh, we cost the city, you know, in that kind of thing in time and whatnot. It was only like a million and a half dollars. It was, it was a yeah. Whole lot of money. But the um, the idea is is based upon how many requests people. Uh, the, the survey showed how many of those actually are complaints that we field. And I found some some other narrative about that, but not necessarily directly to, you know, like, this is what our average is. This is what we're able to do every year, you know, that kind of thing. And this really amounts to like a splinter of a splinter 
of the number of requests that are out there. And it kind of shows that, you know, sunshine is working mm -hmm. and that the task force's job, no matter how busy and how, uh, how overloaded we get, we field, you know, not that many complaints comparatively. And I'm wondering if that might not be an interesting point to make. It's made in the report. It is made. It um, is that was there. one of the reasons, in fact, originally that I wanted to do the survey was to just get a sense of how many requests are there every year compared to like what we're actually seeing. And I think um, it's like 0.88% or less, it, you know, and I mentioned it in the report. It's definitely discussed. Okay. I, and it wasn't pronounced enough as I was reading it. I'm wondering if there might not be, I don't know, Maybe in the um, executive summary. Yeah, I could, I could see that going into the executive summary. Yeah, yeah. Because that's what that that's what's going to be on the concern of of board of supervisors. Actually, I think I just found it. Uh, there's a line on page ten, the bottom of the top paragraph. Although the 13,999 records requests identified through our survey do not account for all public records requests made, this number does suggest that the 128 complaints filed with the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force in 2022 likely represent 0.9% or less of all requests filed. Yeah. But you're saying highlight it in the executive summary. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's fine. Yeah. yeah. I mean, take, taking from, you know, David Pilpel's experience, you know, he, he's got some experience with these things. Folks are most folks aren't going to get past page three. Or past the executive summary. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's page three. At least yeah. <laughs> I, I think you're saying David Pilpel can't read past page three. Okay. No, I did not say that. <laughs> I'm just joking. On the record, folks. I know you <laughs> We're on the record here. And I I hope David's listening. I know he would appreciate that. Public comment. <laughs> Thank you. That's all. Yeah, and I will just say, I mean, uh, I, I do welcome any other feedback about what to include in the executive summary because I wasn't sure and I was, you know, uh, you know, about what is really like the most newsworthy information here or the most salient information here. And you have to have a kind of broader, you know, political, local political context in mind to, to know that. So if there's any other suggestions about that. I'm happy to hear them. Well, Member yeah. Lagood is a is a newspaper publisher. No, I know. <laughs> wait, 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 what does that have to do with what you said? Um, no, I mean, and I did, you know, I did my um, journalists who were on this committee did look at it, and um, oh yeah, yeah, very closely, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and we're asked that same question. I, I particularly remember Highlander. I particularly like your discussion of twelve L on page sixteen. Um, I was actually writing a separate guideline on it, which I guess didn't make it into this, but you've pretty much nailed all the points. Um, one thing I found in talking with our DCA was uh, it might be worth us recommending to people to ask for the contract or to ask for the MOU between the city department and the third party nonprofit, because that'll really inform you as to a, you know, is the 12 L and B, is there anything on, in addition? To 12L that you can reasonably request to them, so that that might be a nice, you know, that's something I'll I'll recommend to people going forward. But I, I think 
I think you kind of went to the, you know, the actual law itself and how can that be improved? So maybe at a future date, we can incorporate that too, but I like that. Well, and also if, mem if uh, member Wolf is going to be adding his, it's an addendum. If you have an addendum that you want to put in there. Possibly one paragraph, just very small. You know, one one of the things that I I added for twelve L was the train sunshine training. Mm -hmm. You know, and you could you know you could actually have an excerpt of it, you know, that applies just for them kind of thing, but at least at least know it. Yeah, because there's so much. You know, twelve L's popped up more and more and more in the twelve thirteen years I've been doing this. So, be good to start from a informed standpoint what it was it what is it what can you reasonably request it's actually quite narrow um maybe that's something we can go to bat for but that would that would probably help a lot of records requesters you know starting on the right foot right there yeah yeah and i will just say incidentally as a kind of aside you know when i sent out that survey several custodians from different agencies reached out and wanted to talk about their experience uh, with Sunshine. And I didn't know that many of them had formed this kind of ad hoc working group <laughs> to try to understand what it is that we're looking for and what our ideas of best practices are around answering Sunshine requests. And there seemed to be a lot of interest in developing something even just for the you know regular agencies so that they understand um, you know, what to do, uh, say, if, if someone who usually receives the email about requests leaves and there's a chance they might get an IDR, how do they handle that? You know, little things like that that yeah. we would consider um, important from our perspective to get that information out there. And yeah. they also floated this idea, and I don't know how feasible it is, but, you know, of us trying thinking about doing something like a little video for potential petitioners about how to do a sunshine request, right? That would just be like very simple, not legalistic, maybe be translated into multiple languages that could be on our website, that all of these things would just help make the process better if people had a better understanding of, you know, how to do this well. Yeah, I've been talking for years about a template, but I, I like the video even better, even like a cartoon or something that just like lists bullet points and this is how you can do it. Yeah, it's very much more accessible, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great idea. A lot of government websites do that now. Mm -hmm. I think it was so great that um, you're able to have that interaction with the various departments in a way that's not as adversarial potentially as these these hearings tend to be. And so, um, I, I was thought it was great that you received some positive feedback and that we're having those types of dialogues. And this this report opened that up. And so, I hope that we can work work more collaboratively with the departments. Instead of, you know, coming across, you know, potentially in their eyes is, is scolding or something along those lines. And so I think for this to work better for the citizens, everyone has to be on board. And I think this report just goes such a positive step in that direction. So I think it was terrific and, and I'm so impressed by it. Yeah, and I also wanted to add a few words. Um, thank you for your leadership on this project. It was really great. I learned a lot, especially as I dug into um, next request. And I think I'm leaving the task force um, with a great project. So thank you. Sure. And I should also say, you know, really one of the main like impetus for this was Laurie Jones neighbors really 
you know, saying to me, like, we have to do this. We have to do this. When is it going to be due? When can I expect this? This was, so, this was her baby, wasn't yeah. it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Cool. I hope she's smiling down on us from above. <laughs> Here she is. <laughs> uh, one other thing was, um, that I, I had in mind that I, I don't think I, I could, didn't find it. It may be in here, but I, maybe I skipped it, missed it. Was the uh, requirement for the task force to work with the city attorney on training. Um, and th- that's been like lost forever. And uh, I think the 1st year I came to the task force in 2005. Uh, they had us all standing on stage at the war memorial where they gave a in person uh, uh, training, uh, but that was it. So I think that's uh, that's something else I have in my uh, in my notes. So I think we should probably figure out what action we want to take tonight. Um, I think there's a few options we could approve the report and then perhaps. Give a deadline to the members to provide you any addendums that they want to see in there and then authorize you to transmit it as of, you know, X date to the board. You know, I, I think that might be the best way to do this. Um, I'm not sure if I, I know there's some talk about something in the executive summer. We could, you know, potentially add that to our motion, but I'd be, you know. I'd like, I think there's, you know, because we're in the budget season now, and I think it's important to show our worth to the city. I'd rather not continue this another month to to tweak around the edges. So I think something, some type of motion that, you know, keeps us moving is I think the direction we should go. I have a question. Was the um, issue of uh, reports by the city attorney's office, the memos that we used to get, was that addressed in your report? Oh, I thought it was. No, because mm-hmm. it is budget season. Is this going to, well, remember the hood? I haven't missed them. I haven't missed them them at all. I think we're, I think we're functioning better as a task force. And I think, and maybe it's just me, but you know, (laughs) now this many years in, I ask for help when I need it. Um, and I think that's perhaps more productive than, you know, sometimes they were helpful and sometimes it just felt like it was. You know, sections of code pasted in. Mm-hmm. I've, yeah, I've only been on for what three years, mm-hmm. and it's always just been sections of code pasted mm-hmm. in. And I'm like, I've already reviewed this code, so mm-hmm. why would I review it again? But just the thought. Yeah. I, I noticed that the few that I've seen that they never really gave you like the law that would help you decide. They give you sort of some general statutes and principles, but they never would get to where the actual answer was. So it was almost like, well, okay, so you tell me a little bit about the case, but I can see that just from I yeah. I, I totally agree. With I mean you. I would love to see legal analysis with citations of cases that have you know, impacted those areas a lot, but I never saw that. But if that was on the cards, I would love that. Yeah, I mean, for me personally, I think almost something is, you know, if we were to ever get to the stage of, of having an additional person, something, you know, more some type of investigative staff, right? That can, you know, try to work with the department, work with the request to try to resolve these things, package up, perhaps do a lot of the work that the falls on the committees now. 
impact because a lot of, you know, if you look at what other boards and commissions get, they get a report, you know, from the ethics commission staff or the planning commission staff with everything laid out. And I don't think those those summaries we're getting from the city attorney's office ever really amounted to that. Uh, so I'm not even sure the attorney asking for that's the most productive use of if we were to do an ask, that's the best way to, to use those limited resources. I have a question and actually, I just want to say. Laura, amazing leadership. Jaya, what you did in terms of the getting all the next request stuff was great, Dean. And I just sort of swooped in and I'm like, let me help proofread. <laughs> um, and right, right, right. And the press release, should we decide? And I think it is a great idea. And I think once we approve it, I think that would be a, a good idea to put something out. Um, I just wanted to bring this up to make sure. First of all, I think this is amazing. We're also doing some work in CAC. Uh, you know, we talked about at our, our last meeting, um, breaking down the ordinance and proposing amendments. You know, we did these public hearings. And is this, is, am I allowed to talk about this in, the, in this context? Yeah. Okay. For, for now, yeah. I, only because I feel like the, the, this annual report would support some of the things we're going to come through and suggest. We have not even completely done that work yet. But I just want to make sure that everyone agrees that that is a good idea for us to keep heading down that path. Yes. Yeah, to, to me personally, I don't yeah. think they're the, I, I didn't see I them independent in, things. That's but, what I thought. And I think our, our role is to make, you know, suggest amendments and our role is to have an annual report. And I don't think yes. they have to be one in the same document. Right. And in, but uh, there's a lot in here that I think actually uh, will put us farther ahead mm -hmm. on making those recommendations just because it is so thorough. So I just wanted everyone to be aware of what was going on and to make sure that people didn't sort of see these. I agree. I agree that they're sort of Two independent initiatives that can support each other and are not in conflict. Yeah, that's why. Just putting it out there. If there's, is there a motivation to submit a request for funding? Are you asking me, Member Wolf? Yeah. Yes, I am. Um, I've not heard that there is from the clerk's office at this point. Uh, you don't wait for the clerk. You have to push it. Well, that's, right. You know, like we remember when we used we went to supervisors' offices, right? So the the clerks, you know, had a budget asked last fiscal year, and that was removed in you know subsequent rounds. And so this year they're going, you know, obviously with I forget what the latest report is now seven hundred and some million dollar deficit. Um, you know, if if the task force as a whole wants to to do it, I I, I tend to think that. You know, this might not be the time and place with that as the backdrop to do it, um, but that's just me. Yeah, I, it, my experience with the budget doesn't matter. You just get it in there because after a while they go, well, we, we passed them up two times, now three times. You know, we're going to have to give it to them on the fourth time, you know, because we passed them up, you know, each time. So if you, if, if the task force declines to do it in, in one year, after it has done it twice before, you're sending a message that you're not interested anymore. So my my thought is, is if there was going to be some motivation, I don't want to get into a budget discussion, but my thought was, is if there was going to be some motivation to submit it, presenting this annual report is part of the dog and pony show. Okay. Uh, Member Highlander, I would agree with that. 
I think you, and especially you got such a good one now. Um, let's go for it. Um, I think all we can do is but ask. You know, we have. I think we've we've sort of asked in the past, but to tie it with an ask and a presentation, I think is a great idea. Now, uh, that point, if that's going to be part of the report, is that then we then not approve the report tonight? See, that, that's what I'm trying to keep in mind. If we're going to do a supplemental, you know, part of the, the report, we can still we can still approve the report for us, but we don't have to broadcast it until we send it to them with a budget ask. I don't think the budget ask needs to be part of the report. No, no. Okay, just, okay, okay. It's just a strategy. You know, you submit your your budget report. It goes in one direction, and then you make this presentation before the board of supervisors, and then all of a sudden the budget shows up in front of them. They go, "Wow, you know, task force gave a great presentation on there. Now I understand them a little better. Maybe we should, you know, throw them a few bucks." Okay, so it's not really. I, I don't want to get off track with this agenda item. Which is approval of the report. Mm -hmm. um, this sounds more like a topic for a future agenda. I could mm -hmm. put, you know, as we get to the next agenda item, maybe we want to talk about do we want to agendize a budget ask as on the next agenda that we can vote on that as a separate thing. So that, yeah, I agree. Yeah. But unless it's we're actually talking about including at in the report, I think we should not have the discussion as part of this agenda item. I have yeah. one uh, last. Okay. Uh, sorry, if this is member Lohead, one yeah. last uh, question. Um, uh, member sign on page 15. Kind of in the middle, you have bolded appendix TBA. Is that because we don't currently have items? No, that was just, yeah, that was because we don't currently have items. I didn't know if we were going to reject some of the practical and policy recommendations and put them into an appendix. Got it. So um, and then the other question is if uh, members are submitting their own sort of suggestions uh, as addendum, addenda? Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, do we need to approve those separately? Uh, no, so we don't need to approve them at all. No, I think we when we went back to uh, I forget which meeting it was. We kind of laid this all out. We talked about that um, we'll approve the report, mm -hmm. and then as the redistricting task force did, that each individual member could, as an addendum, just in their own name, on their in their own name, in their Got own it. name, submit it, and it would be included as an addendum, but not as the actual full approved report. Got it. So that's why my suggestion was we approve the report tonight. And then if we want, you know, based on now that everyone's had a chance to read it, give X amount of days for us all if we want to submit, you know, an addenda or addendum, <laughs> whichever one it is. And then we can transmit the whole thing yeah. together. Um, so I just want to ask Member Highland, are you definitely going to submit something related to 12L or you're not sure? Um, no, it doesn't have to go in there. I think it reads great the way it is uh, in the interests of speed. Um, it, it's, it's really just more advice to people. That's something we can work in to that video. Maybe you know, down the road doesn't have to go in this right now. Okay. Then, I mean, I, then I would argue for maybe approving the report as a whole, uh, giving, um. Member Wolf 1 day to turn in the materials, because they're already written. He already turned them in, except for that. I just didn't get them. And then we're ready to look at any, you know, sending it out to stakeholders and potentially doing a press release if all of this is agreed to. 
Sure. So do you want to make that a motion? That's my motion. <laughs> Wait, forgive me. You're send, are you saying send the press release out as soon as it's approved or after we have the... No, I'm saying we're just uh, ready yeah. to start working on it yes. and get it done because we will have approved the report. So yes. we know that not much is going to change. And um, just giving a one day, like, remember, well, if you can send it to me right now, because you already well, sent it, right? You're just sending well, it again. It's true, but, you know, having some of this discussion is also wants me to read read what it is tomorrow i have a, a medical treatment but I, i'd appreciate if you give me till friday okay i can give you to friday <laughs> so that will be, i can give you till monday do you That's want fine. monday okay so we can say monday april 10th That's for fine. the addendum okay. oh and by the way uh both Addendum is one. Oh, yeah. Addenda and addendums are acceptable plurals. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it is true. Addenda is traditional. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, technically, it's going to be an appendix, isn't it? It's just going to be an, or is it going to really be an addenda? There's an appenda. <laughs> it's too late. It's for an this. addendum. <laughs> I think it's appendix. Yes. Yes. All right, Laura. But you're you are moving to report to approve the report as a whole. And that it is ready to send out to stakeholders. Is that it? Uh, ready to be sent out um, pen, as of April 10th, I guess. P pending the pending the submission <laughs> of uh, Member Wolf's contribution. Hmm. And I will make the other little changes that we talked about, like changing the way the headings are mm -hmm. done and all of that. And so this is Member Padmanabhan, and I'll second that. Lila, your second? No, member Padmanabha. Oh, okay. I was just applauding. <laughs> Maybe her last motion. Is that good? <laughs> second. Okay, sure. When you're ready, go ahead and read the motion back to us just to make sure it's uh, moved by member Stein, seconded by member Padmanabhan to approve the report as a whole and that it is ready to send out as of April 10, pending the submission of member Wolf's contribution. Okay. okay, so go ahead and open that up to public comment, Victor. And uh, we still have that same one caller who's probably not listening. Uh, but if you'd like to make public comment, you can raise your hand at this time. I see no indications for public comment. Okay, we'll go ahead and close public comment. And Cheryl, you can take the roll call vote on that when you're ready. Member Stein? Aye. Member Stein, aye. Member Wolf? No. No. Oh, Jaya, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're absolutely right. Aye. Member Pamanabin? Uh, Member Schmidt? Aye. Member Schmidt, aye. Member LaHood? Aye. Member LaHood, aye. Member Highland? Aye. Member Highland, aye. Member Hill? Aye. Member Hill, aye. Member Wolf? Aye. Member Wolf, aye. Vice Chair Wong? Aye. Vice Chair Wong, aye. Chair Yankee? Aye. Chair Yankee, aye. Nine in favor. Okay, great. <laughs> it's approved. Wow. Thanks again, everyone. Go. All right. So let's move on to the next item. Item number 14, announcements, comments, questions, and future agenda items by members of the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force. Okay, thank you, Cheryl. So do we have any future agenda items that anyone would like to see on a agenda? 
budget. Speak about so budget. So budget. So budget. I will put on the next agenda to discuss the budget ask, which I think is very timely after we get the the transmission of the the annual reports. So that'll be on there next. Then the uh, you know we've already struggled through it. So the item I'm gonna put on the agenda for next time, and hopefully we can get something from the DCA would be some type of analysis of the recodifying of the Public Records Act so that we know what the differences mm -hmm. are um, and what the new you know, codes are to look at. And I think more broadly what we're gonna have to do, and perhaps this will tie into the work that you're doing um, in compliance and amendments, is the Sunshine Ordinance refers to the old code numbers. Oh my goodness. And oftentimes I think does so without an actual reference to what like the title was. It just says yeah. like they can't use 6255. Well, that's meaningless now, right? So I think to even a, you know even on a very technical level there's going to have to be some type of you know mm -hmm. revision to the sunshine ordinance right um, and I think that that's probably something that the board can do when we could talk more about this when we get to this agenda item but you know if there's other things we want to ask for that aren't probably you know huge and you know controversial that might be the time to do it so um, Mr. Chair yeah it, it, it is it is not the board's actual job. It's actually the city attorney's job because they have to do that for all codes as state law changes if there are references. It's just it's just editing and can updating. They, they they can go in and change the Sunshine Ordinance references without it going yeah. back to the board. As, oh, as okay. long as they reference to the same thing, if it's different, if state law is different, then oh then that's a whole nother story. If like they really amended it to hell, right? Uh, that's a different story. But in this case, for some of the items I read through, they're just in a different place. So it just needs to be a different number. Okay. And they well, want to make sure that, because I yeah. think we were struggling with that a little bit earlier in one of the cases where we couldn't necessarily find that apples to apples comparison with the codes. And so, you know, to, to the point, you know, that I think the city attorney at, at a minimum needs to analyze that, make sure there is an yeah. apples to apples comparison. And then it sounds like, okay, great. If they can do that themselves, then we need a request that they do that. And if that doesn't exist, and there are sections now of state law that differ from what the old section said, then I think we're gonna have to have a broader discussion about that. I, well, I have I, a question. Is Is Bruce saying that this is happening automatically or do we need to ask for it? No, I, the question is, is is it happening automatically and when will it be done? Because this law got passed last year and it went into effect January 1st. So they should have had it done already. The city. So, right, right. So I, I, I think the answer I would infer from that is no, it's not automatic since it hasn't been done. Matthew, right. can I provide a flip? Yeah, you know, my experience at the city attorney's office, mm -hmm. I worked with one of the attorneys who revised a lot of laws, made changes to the code and it's not automatic. You have to cross out what is no longer um, justifiable or it has changed and insert new language. And right. I, I, th I think the question was whether or not the city attorney's office was gonna do that without direction from the task force telling them to do that. Well, do we, we still have directions a... from the MTA about actually how to do the law? I mean, it was a real huge process. It would take like three months to get done. Yeah. Do we have our DCA still online? Uh, I believe he was unable to attend due to Passover. Oh, okay. Yeah. So okay. he's not, yeah, unfortunately. Okay. So that's the one to put on a future okay. agenda. Which um, I'm doing too. But he's also got new people coming in too. So somebody he does, yes. should have been here to represent the city yes. attorney's So, 
I don't want to get too much into the detail. We can talk about that when it's an agenda item, but um, if you have anything related to that, you want to see on that particular agenda item, let me know and I'll, I'll put it on there. That's all I had. Anybody else? I just have a question because you had such, are we, are we getting those handouts that oh, we're yeah. They're right up there. Oh, can you <laughs> just pass them down? <laughs> and if uh, Cheryl, if you can send me uh, 1 of those, I appreciate it. Yeah, anybody got 1 for me? I think there's we're, we're taking 1 of each page. Yeah. Okay. Cool. There's 2 separate pages, so you have to take. Okay. We'll go ahead. If there's any other. Anything else on this topic? Now we'll open the public comment as we. I'll, I'll pass this to Cheryl. Okay. You know what? If I get one, I can just email it to everybody so you'll get it tomorrow. How about that? That's what I prefer. I can just do that. <laughs> She's like, Cheryl. <laughs> I want both. I want I want paper and I want. <laughs> Don't you need more? Because yep. you're smart. Okay. So, Matthew, was that it on uh, item 14? Yeah, unless anyone else has anything else for that agenda item, we'll open up to public comment. <clears throat> All right, seeing no one, public comment on that final item. And there's no one here. So, Victor, is there anyone online for that one? Uh, again, we have the same person. If you want to raise your hand, uh, you can do so at this time. Uh, no comments at this time. Okay, so we'll go ahead and move on to uh, close public comment and we'll move on to the final item. Item number 15 adjournment. We have someone who's it's their last meeting. Do they want to take the honors? Yes, I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make a motion to adjourn. Okay, Second. By member Pavnavin, seconded by member Wolf. All in favor say Please aye. I have a comment. Oh. Thank you, Jaya. It's been great working with you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And it's likewise, I've enjoyed my time here. Thank you all so much. And it's been great to actually come in in person, too. And we'll see you next month. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, health conditions don't allow me to, to be there. Sorry. Who, who was second in the closure? Me, Bruce. Bruce. Okay, all in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? Hearing none, we are adjourned at 946. Good week, folks.